And we're live. PKA episode 325 with our guest, John Henson. Kyle? Yeah, it's got several uh, ads tonight. Got several sponsors. Textures coming back. Squarespace, Blue Apron, Wink. And, uh, and yeah, you want to check those out. There's links down in the description below. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it. Got a special guest tonight. We've got our our new friend, John Henson, uh, oh. comedian, host extraordinaire, and, and apparently one of the most professional vacationers on the planet. <laughs> Sounds like he figured out vacationing. Yeah, man. If I could, uh, if I could go vacationing full time, I'd be on it, man. So explain that gig you were explaining to okay. us. You, 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 or is, are you willing to? T I, I kind of just yeah, threw it no, out there. That was kind of a private conversation we had. No, no, is that no. something? Uh, Tell us about the money you one. make. <laughs> it's, not, it's not shady. So for for about six years now, my wife and I have been working with an orphanage in Cabo San Lucas, helping them raise money. Right. I have a uh, I have a sister in law who uh, works at Five Star Resorts in Cabo. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I tell people this all the time. If you ever get the chance to marry into a family where someone works at a five-star resort, you learn to love them. Do you understand? <laughs> you make that shit work. Now, uh, we, as a result, we got to spend a ton of time at uh, this beautiful resort in Cabo San Lucas called Esperanza. It's this gorgeous five-star resort down there. And uh, and we got to spend all this time down there and, and develop some relationships. We got to know the people at this uh, orphanage, and I started going down and hosting these fundraisers. And it's, a, it's an amazing experience. The kids are there. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of partial to kids' charities. You know, anytime you're connecting a face with the actual cause and their children, you know, it's hard not to get invested. So uh, we go down there, and in a span of like an hour, hour and a half, we'll raise half a million dollars. I mean, it's serious, serious money. It's a, uh, you know, maybe 150, 200 people at this event. And, uh, and, you know, there, there are moments where like a dude will raise a paddle and give a hundred thousand dollars or $150,000. And, um, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty inspirational experience. And, um, so, uh, this year we were down there and, uh, the guy that underwrites the event, uh, is this awesome guy, this older guy. And I, at one point I go, um, Hey, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to tell you, Mr. Peterson, I'm so humbled by your generosity. And he, he goes, uh, yeah, you know, it's just good to be rich. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what a great attitude. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the event went really well. And, the, and then the next day I got it and my wife and I were hanging out. And, and, and like, they, you know, the people that organize this event are really nice. They give us like four or five days down there in a really nice hotel. So just that, you know, I worked for an hour call it fundraising or charity work and then i spend four days on the beach with my fat ass in the sun so what would um, happen if you turn this fundraising superpower you have inward right if you held a john henson fundraiser like call it your beer fund i don't no. care even if it did half as well that's a quarter million dollars like yeah no it's uh apparently like what i what i need to do is do a stunning impression of a mexican four-year-old because mm. those kids really jerk the tear string uh, the, the heartstrings you know so gets no assistance from the mexican government they exist entirely on the generosity of donors and they're in mexico it's a very weird audience there are a lot of wealthy mexican nationals and then there are a lot of like wealthy expat 
Americans or not even expats, but just people who have like a third or fourth or fifth home in Cabo. And if you have like a fourth home that costs five or ten million dollars, you're balling. You know what so, I mean? And yeah. uh, here's what so, I want to know about the, the the show you're doing down there. Are are you going to do your pull out roll out the Trump jokes? Is this the right audience for that down south dude, of the border? It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's they, this year, like, first of all, I'm not a political comic, but this year the the uh, the the event organizers pulled me aside and they're like, "Do not do any political humor at all," because. <laughs> Because the, the, you know, the audience, like you're losing half your audience. The wealthy Mexican nationals obviously hate the idea of the wall. And, you know, he, you know they feel like he's been very uh, derogatory towards Mexicans. And then, of course, you know, odds are if you're a person who has five homes and, you're, and your fifth one costs 10 million, you might be a Republican. So, you know. You know, it's just dicey. And uh, last year, not this past year, but the year before, I did a bunch of uh, El Chapo jokes, you know? Mm. And because, uh, like, he had <laughs> should that go over this, well? Bold dude, move. You could hear, like, you could just feel the collective asshole of the room type. <laughs> like, everybody's, I, I, and it was, you know, he had just escaped from prison and, uh, Oh, Woody's coughing up a lung. Um, but I muted it, and, so the audience has no idea. So wait, was this during a time, like like when you're telling these El Chapo jokes, was this during a time when it was pop, he was like on the loose, he's broken out of prison? It's possible as a baller and a Mexican national, he's in that audience. Dude, not only was it possible, he had been seen in Cabo, oh. in, listen, in one of the developments on the grounds of Esperanza, man. Like, he was, and they got there and it was like, no, dude, he just left. You know, it was like always the case with us. No, he was here like 10 minutes ago. So, you know, and of course, like, this was like when he had broken out through the toilet, you know what I mean? And I was like, dude, you got, like, he broke. He rode a motorcycle out of the toilet like that. You know what? I can't flush a tampon. This guy got a <laughs> down the fucking toilet. You know, um, but uh, but so uh, like that alone made people. You know, I was like, come on, get it together, Mexico. This year they were like, no, no jokes. So I just worked the room and stuff. And I mean, it's a very very generous audience. And then the day after, I get this email from uh, a guy that introduced himself as the Petersons' house manager. And he said, oh. uh, the Petersons have requested your presence for dinner this evening. We'll send a car for you at five. And, uh, and so my wife and I were like, oh, And so we went to dinner with these guys. Super, super nice people. They, they had like, you know, some of their kids there and kids relatives and, you know, they were all around our age. We had a great dinner. And then this guy just goes, uh, my wife and I are so appreciative of the work you've done. We wanted to offer you the use of our estate in Aspen for a week as a way uh, of the saying. The estate in Aspen, eh? I was <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. And uh, so, uh, so that was nuts. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Steve Hofstetter, who uh, you guys know, a uh, mm -hmm. good friend, mutual friend of ours. Uh, I had, uh, there was a, another charity in Cabo that 
had asked me to host their fundraiser, but it was too close to the date of Casa Hogar, this orphanage that I do. And so Casa Hogar was like two, two fundraisers in a small town, you know, on two consecutive nights. We'd like you to pass up on it. So uh, I booked Hofstetter and uh, I dropped by that. And the woman that was hosting that fundraiser was like uh, the Mexican Joan Collins. Like she was just this fabulous, wow. wealthy Mexican woman. What a great description. Dude, the house, <laughs> it was like walking into Architectural Digest magazine. It was sick. You got to ask Steve about it. It was, it was like just walking into the, her, her entryway was like this open air atrium with a fountain. It was like, you live like this? And uh, so we were talking to him for a little while and this lady was having a good time talking to my wife and she goes, you guys are so nice. Thank you so much for introducing us to Steve and getting him to host for us. You'll have to come down and spend a week at one of my resorts. Uh, yeah, see, see, all right, I'm catching on to you, Mr. Henson. I see this. I bet you've been conditioned like a Palestinian uh, uh, sort of thing at this point. You're watching TV, flipping through the channels. You see those orphans come on. You immediately get so happy. Like, oh, I'm glad that's out there somewhere. You're trying to play it off. You're trying to play it off like you're just Mr. Beaning and falling ass backwards into these vacations. Now, these are calculated maneuvers. Am I going to do the show at the Ice House, or am I going to go to the, you know, fucking Ritz? in Hawaii. Honey, honey, you know there's a do. tsunami, another one. Come here, quick. <laughs> why? You ever been to the South Pacific? The, why did I go into the entertainment industry? There's no money in the entertainment industry. Philanthropy, it's all in philanthropy. So, uh, so then we got home from, uh, from this uh, whole trip and, uh, and then I got a phone call from uh, the GM of Esperanza and he was like, hey, we really enjoyed your show. Would you like to come back and spend a week? We got a, a villa put aside for you and your family and you could do a few shows down here. So, you know, there's, there's one sort of like, yeah, sure, I'd love to host your fundraiser. It's turned into like three free weeks of vacation. It's crazy. I feel wow. like people that they... hate rich people just don't know enough of them. They're fantastic. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. never had a bad night hanging out with rich people. It's glorious. They're very I gotta sweet. I got to tell you, man, the, mo- the people with money down there feel, to me, very different than the people with money in L.A. Like, it's... In L.A., wealthy people kind of want you at arm's reach. They want to be a little removed and a little cloistered. In Cabo... I kind of felt like everybody is sort of on permanent vacation and and the people that had a ton of money were just in this kind of like, yeah, man, it's awesome. I got some money. You want to do something fun? Like this woman that was uh, hosting the Mexican Joan Collins when I when I uh, when I said, well, we're going to have to leave now. They were having a plated dinner and Steve was going to perform. They're going to do their fundraiser. And my wife and I were going to scoot out. I go, we're, we're going to leave. We're going to meet some friends for dinner. And she goes, why? You can't leave. Where are they? Go, I'll send a car for them right now. I'll send my driver. Like, it was just like, oh, you're just, you're just throwing money around. Like, <laughs> I'll send my driver, bring them here. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though, how much does sending a driver cost there compared to one in L.A.? Oh, right. That might not like, be a variable cost for her, right? She might yeah, have the driver just there all the time. It doesn't cost her extra to send She's it. a constant taxi yeah. running. Yeah, yeah, she just... That's yeah. a good point too. The driver yeah, was that, waiting that, out there for her, and you know, I've like, never oh, seen somebody do like the hundred thousand dollar job. <laughs> like I, I feel like no matter how you see the hundred thousand dollar card you're talking about, of like, oh, throw one fifty. Like my first response would be like, oh, fuck you. Like that is so much money. And then my other response is like, right, fuck you the other way, because you just threw up one fifty, no problem. Why don't you really see when it hurts? You know, throw up four hundred. Is that smile still as big? Did you get your 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 vindication there, or is that a little too much? 
You know, you know, it's funny, man. It's a, you can tell. Every, first of all, I always encourage everybody to get drunk at a fundraiser, as I, as I call it, liquid generosity. You know what I mean? You get a few cocktails in you, and suddenly you're like, you know what? And then the next morning, yeah. oh my god, a casino what concept. But uh, dude, my wife got a few glasses of wine in her, and she was bidding on a three-day stay at the one and only Palmia, which is another five-star resort down in Cabo. It's actually where we had our first date 10 years ago. Excuse me. And uh, it was uh, kind of funny because I'm hosting, like I'm doing the the auction, and my wife is bidding, and part of me is like, oh, Jesus, please, God, somebody outbid my wife. <laughs> and then when I realized, oh, no, she's, like, drunk enough that she's not going to be outbid, then I was like, please, please stop bidding against my wife. She's gonna wanna... So she ended up getting us a, a, a three-day weekend at uh, at the one and only Palmia, and the, the GM of the one and only Palmia, Peter Bowling, was in the audience, and, of course, I immediately started going, uh, by the way, Mr. Bowling, you know, if you want to upgrade it's totally up to you you know i would never call you out in front of all these people and certainly if you don't upgrade us it won't come up next year (laughs) who knows when i get there what we're going to be walking into you might not have a room at all wow god my life sucks dick dude i gotta tell you this this place uh these places are so dialed in. There's three. There's three places in Cabo that are we've we've stayed through these uh, guys and 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 like the one and only Palmia. So we had our first date there ten years ago, and there was a sommelier at this restaurant called Agua, and uh, and we saw this guy maybe two or three years after our first date, and uh, he remembered us. Right, because uh, my wife's like super chatty, Kath. So um, I go, uh, Manuel. Do you? I don't know if you'll remember us, but we 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 sat in uh, Agua, and he goes, um, I remember you sat at table thirty-one, and you drank a, and like he remembered the white wine my wife drank at dinner almost three years earlier. That floored me. I was like, this dude is like Rain Man. You know, <laughs> he had to carry the garbage bag full of all the empty bottles. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, it was the first date. There were a lot of empty bottles. You know what I mean? That's really impressive. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was amazing, man. It was. Uh, and then what like happened to no. him that night. Like, like, that's what we don't know is like that was also the night that something horrible happened to him. Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like, yes, this was also. The night that my wife was murdered. (laughs) Right before my eyes. Enjoy your evening. (laughs) Actually murdered his family, yeah. Now, uh, there was another place that we stayed called uh, Las Ventanas, and they have uh, an office called the Romance Department, right? And uh, so uh, my wife and I were down there, uh, I guess it would have been a couple of years ago, and... um, uh, I we we had this villa that had a little rooftop patio, and I decided that I we were going to renew our vows, right? So I I had uh, I called the romance department and I said, hey, could you get me like a, you know, a guitarist and and uh, and put some flowers and some champagne romance. up there and stuff like that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It literally, it's like a, it's a sign out in front of it that says romance department. So. Um, 
the, you know, look, it's one thing you ask him to book you like a, you know, a guitarist and get some flowers and champagne. That's pretty generic. But uh, so they, we, they walked us, uh, we, we walked up there and, uh, and the guitarist was waiting for us and we renewed our vows. And then we went out to dinner by the time we got home from dinner. So you're talking about two and a half hours, right? They had a photographer because we were on a rooftop patio they had a photographer with a telephoto lens take a photo of us and it was blown up and framed in our room by the time we got back it's <laughs> nice this is the kind of stuff that would happen to you on a vacation spot like two scenes before you find out you're going to be hunted Yes, like, <laughs> this, this is like the level of building you up, and yet you think this picture's for you. Nay, nay, right. this goes in the private foyer with all yeah. the others. You know, like <laughs> it's, this is like the scene in the trailer. This would be the scene right before. It's just the POV of my wife <laughs> through the through the woods. You know, <laughs> yeah, Blair Witch style footage of just branches and leaves in her face and her screaming. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, that was, that really impressed me. Like, I was like, man, you guys blew up this picture and framed it. Oh, and, uh, they had, uh, a hot bath waiting for us with rose petals leading and candles. So, so I, this is the way I'm trying to like back time it in my head. Like, cause it was a piping hot bath. So I'm like, so they <laughs> basically had to. Because they made the reservations for us at for dinner. Was hiding so, under the sink. <laughs> well, they had to basically say to you know? the. This is the only way that it could have been done. They had to say to the restaurant, "Call us the moment they pay their bill, so that during their twenty-minute cab ride was- home, we have the time to draw a bath and have it waiting, so that it's hot." Like it had to be coordinated. It was just that was the kind of thing to me where I was like, "Oh." Well done. You know what I mean? <laughs> How do you do that? You know, it'd be like Very a thirty-minute one of those Scorsese shots where it doesn't stop and everybody's like handing stuff, and yeah. you realize like five minutes in, you're like, "God damn! Like this hasn't stopped in five yeah. minutes." It's yeah. hard. No edits. No edits. Just a, a streamlined thing. I don't know if I'd be comfortable getting in a pre-drawn bath in no, Mexico. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm too mistrusting. I'm too distrustful. Too. Mistrustful. Uh, it, it just wouldn't happen. They're like, "Hey." I've got a big piping hot vat of a liquid I'd like you to hop into <laughs> in, in a foreign country. And I was like, well, I wasn't right. even here when you prepared that vat. The, the what guy if who drew uric acid. The guy yeah. who drew the bath for you has just spent all day. What if El Chapo is yeah. in the closet, fucking yeah. watching, <laughs> fucking uh, watching, waiting on you, you to hop into the There's the bath. Colombian necktie, and then there's the Cabo bath. Those are the two different ways. And it's not like this was some, like, you know, masseuse who came in and gently drew it. This was a guy who just got back from waiting in line at Kinko's and is furious, sprints up there, desperately trying to get it. You know, he'll spit in it. (laughs) (laughs) On a night like that, when when you have an experience like that, you're like, you look at your wife, you're like, if I don't get laid tonight, I got there's I can't spade higher than (laughs) You You've know seen I mean? my A game. Not, not, not that you ever would, but I guarantee if you call that romance department and explain that you needed you needed another person sent up, they could yep. probably make that happen as well. You could be like, yeah. I need a young lady sent up. Sure, 
Chop, chop, gingerbread. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I just, they, yeah. They have a plan B. <laughs> if all of the romance department fails, they have built an insurance policy. They're sending <laughs> right. a new broad. You, you, you call the romance department. Like, romance I really get a kick out of that. Yeah. <laughs> all this crap, and I still haven't gotten laid. Romance, what you got? You know? Send, yeah, no send something up. Yeah. Some chocolates, some girls, yeah. whatever. The, uh, it seems the, like you would almost... Uh, in Mexico, a manual release is pronounced Manuel release, just so you know. Ah. A manual release. A little more expensive. Yeah. But you get company, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. For the exchange rate, though, it's worth it. John, I watched you from way back in the talk soup days. Yeah. Dude, what was that experience like? Like, it, it... Oh, man. That was, uh, that was awesome. I, you know, I, we, I was talking about this recently. Can you, um, a lot of our so, audience is super young. They're like 19. Can you lay it out? What, what okay, was talk yeah. Well, you know, look, you guys are YouTubers. You tell me. Somebody asked me recently what would, to describe talk soup, and I described it as YouTube before YouTube. Like, it was the first viral video show yeah. where, where, you know, you were watching one-minute clips highlights extreme weirdness of the the daily talk shows and 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 you know for people that are very young you know 20 years ago 25 years ago there there was this whole genre of daytime television <laughs> you know Jerry Springer Maury Povitz Richard Bay Jenny Jones um you know there the, it was a circus right and they were all trying to outdo one another and um and you know, that was like... They were always delving for a new low. Would be yeah. Way to like, at it. They know, were like, oh, uh, oh could, we get, could we get no... some circus freaks out there? Like, if yes. they could find any excuse to get circus freaks actually on the stage, like a good reason to do that, they do yeah. it. It'd be like uh, coming up on Thursday, my girlfriend's a guy, you know what I mean? And they'd be like <laughs> revealing that the woman this dude's been dating for eight months has really got junk. You know what yeah, I mean, and yeah. and so it was uh, it was that they were like all that. fights and midget wrestling and just it was crazy, right? And uh, so Talk Soup was a roundup of the the daily talk shows, but it was also like you know it became I was the second host. Uh, the first host was Greg Kinnear. I was a giant fan of the show when he was on it, and I was just a club comic, you know, and I just I like you know they I I was just a like Charlie with the golden ticket, you know, and Willy Wonka. Like I just got lucky and and uh, and got to take over for him. So um, it was like a weird sketch show. It was like this very surreal, dark, uh, you know, kind of comedy show that uh, you know was a little out there. It was almost like a one man SNL. It was really strange and. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just it, it, as a, as a guy who you know had no television experience and was just a guy in New York doing sets at the clubs. I took over for him, and you know overnight I was on TV seven days a week. And and because E then was not the E you see now. It was a very new network. They didn't have any money. And, um, you know, we were constantly making fun of like, you know, ah, we're just basic cable. It doesn't matter. We're doing the show for 75 cents. And, and uh, so necessity became the mother of invention. Like we had no money. And, um, and it was, it had like a, I don't know, like a morning zoo vibe. My crew was all a part of the show. They were in the sketches. Yeah, it felt very gorilla. 
Yeah, yeah. It really was like, let's put on a show in the barn. My mom made costumes, lunatics running the <laughs> asylum, you know. Yeah. And uh, It seemed like you had a lot of freedom there, though. Could you, that's could you... the thing that is so unique about that experience that, quite frankly, I maintain will never really happen again. So uh, to give you an example, um, we I did over 1,100 shows there. Mm-hmm. in four and a half years. In 1140 shows, I never had a note session. Not one. <laughs> Not one, dude. 900 <laughs> hours of TV, nobody ever sat me down and talked about There radio. was no one there that felt qualified to question you. <laughs> they, they literally did not have the manpower or the infrastructure to watch over our shoulder. When, when I started there, the only person we showed scripts to was my executive producer. And if she okayed it, we did it. <laughs> About three years in, I became executive producer, and then I was the arbiter of what was okay to do, which is a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> like, we did things that were so dark that I just can't believe we got away with. And was it there was- any filter? I, I mean, was there literally no filter between John Henson and the airwaves of E? I mean, like, you handed the tape, but dude, they were just happy that you gave them a tape and went, this is a half an hour, you can <laughs> do, show Do you know what the specific steps are? Like, like when you hand them that tape, where does that tape go? Does that go somewhere where a bunch of guys review it and they're like, oh, I don't know, he said cunt. Ugh, no, like, they, you were, it was an honor system. Like, they, you just knew. Could you have sent them pornography is what I'm getting at. Could the, would, would they have, I mean, you'd once, probably, you've lost your job, have, of course. It would work once. Would, would, they, would they have just <laughs> broadcast pornography? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're right, Woody, once. You know, you could have, like, put it this way. We were doing, I had a bit that I used to do where I talked about my Uncle Francis. Uh, or no, 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 my Uncle Carl. I used to talk about my Uncle Carl. Being alone in the basement with Uncle Carl. 42-year-old Uncle Carl, you know, and it was like this very dark, and it would always start where I would begin telling a story that would sound like it was really happy, and then it would, so like, this is an example, we came out of a Dr. Scholl's Dirty Sneaker competition clip, you know, on one of the shows, and I was like, oh, that, uh, something like that happened to me once, and you, all the crew guys are going, oh, yeah, yeah, and I go, yeah, only, um, uh, it wasn't a, a dirty sneaker competition. It was a, uh, a dirty underwear competition. And um, it wasn't sponsored by Dr. Scholz. It was uh, sponsored by my Uncle Carl. And uh, <laughs> I was the only one who participated. But, um, but I won. <laughs> and then you hear my crew guy off camera go, what'd you win? And I go, <clears throat> six stitches. Yeah. And, uh, and dude, it was like everybody goes, oh. And like, that was the kind of thing that we were doing that was airing four times a day and repeating. That was the 90s. Like, there was no, nobody going, like, yeah, no. Like, we just did stuff, you know? And, uh, how is the, and so, the personal you know, side of it? Like, you, you would. Get recognized in every grocery store that you're shopping oh, in, yeah. and like and... instantaneously because it was a, it was a cult classic. I right. think show. You know what I mean? And I don't say that like as in taking ownership of it. It was cult. 
classic, you know, it was called Status with Greg Kinnear. You know, it went on. The other hosts experienced it as well. I happened to be there uh, at a great time in the evolution of the show. And, uh, you know, they were taking full-page ads in Rolling Stone. Like, I went from being an unknown club comic to every episode, every, you know, issue of Rolling Stone for 18 months had a full-page ad of me. It was crazy. And so when that happens, like, there's got to be, like, um, other club comics that you were at the same level as, whatever that means. Maybe you get booked the same amount. Maybe you get the same pay here or there. These guys are on the same level as you. And suddenly, overnight, you're... You've blown up like this. What is the reaction that you get from these guys that that are you know your compatriots to some regard? It, it's uh, first of all, it's interesting because I, this was right around the time that I fell out of stand up, and and what happened? The reason it happened was I'd done stand up for like seven years, and when they were looking to replace Greg Kinnear, they uh, E told me that they looked at over three thousand people in five different cities over eighteen months. It was a massive search. Every comic I know auditioned for it. People that weren't comics auditioned for it. Like, everybody got seen. That's why when I say, like, legitimately, I was Charlie with the golden ticket, it really was like winning the lottery. It wasn't like, I know 25 comics that could have done that job. I, that for whatever reason, you know, they picked me. It you could did have real been well. Um, but, but when I, so I moved from New York to L.A. to do the job. I took over in uh, January. I think my first show was January 2nd or January 3rd, uh, 1995. And uh, so I moved across the country. I don't know any of the bookers out here. I don't know any of the comics out here. It's an entirely different uh, arena, you know. And there's a big difference between maybe less now, but... Back then, it was sharks and jets. Like, it was, you know, L.A. comics did not go over necessarily in New York, and New York comics did not go over necessarily in L.A. L.A. was a lot more commercial. New York was a lot more gritty and dirty and angry. Um, you know, a lot of New York comics would talk about coming out to L.A. and getting, like, groans or ooze, you know what I mean? Things that would make New York uh, audiences laugh where it's too harsh for L.A. Um but but the big thing was they started live coverage of the OJ trial like three weeks after I got there. So they were doing, they only had one studio, they had two studios, but I had to be out of the studio by eight in the morning, which means I had to be at work at like four. And, you know, I was a dude that for the last eight years, I was going to bed at four. And so all of a sudden, <laughs> I had to go to sleep at like, seven eight o'clock at night you know what i mean to be yeah. able so you're not you're not a stand up anymore <laughs> like that that's that like i and that went on for 11 months so like i blinked and i was you know a year out of stand up and uh and then you know it's a daily television show so i couldn't travel i couldn't you know I couldn't even, I worked Friday. So it's not even like I could say, well, I'll just do weekends. Like I couldn't fly out, you know, nobody was going to book me just to do a Saturday. So I kind of missed the boat. And I just like, you know, I became so obsessed with television, making TV. TalkSoup was such an exciting period for me creatively that, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I kind of was burned out on stand-up. Like stand-up to me was, you know, the etched sketch that I had had since I was eight. And, you know, TV felt like a 
brand new PlayStation 4. Like there was just all this new whole world creatively that I was much more consumed with. And, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, I, you know, I did myself a real disservice and I, I wish I had stayed with stand up, but I got lucky and I worked a lot in television. So I stopped doing stand up for like 16, 17 years. I was out of stand up for like twice as long as I was a comic. And I just went back wow. to stand up like a few years ago. And it's funny, I went, in, I ran into Joe Rogan at the improv. And he and I started out around the same time in Boston, like me, him, Greg Fitzsimmons. There were a lot of dudes that came out of that era in Boston. And I ran into him and he was like, dude, how you been? I haven't seen you in forever. And I go, uh, good. I, you know, I'm going back to stand up. I haven't done it in like 16, 17 years. And he goes, ooh. <laughs> you know, like, oh, <laughs> good luck, you know? And, uh, but, you know... Probably the same I, thing, I, like, he would tell someone who's, who, who's like, how you doing? He's like, ah, thinking about getting a fight. It's been about yeah. five or six years. I'm going to get back in the octagon. He's like, ah. Yeah, how hard can luck. it be? You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, I like, I kind of went back to it because I was away from it for so long that it felt like a new... You know, I did television for so long that now stand-up felt new and fresh and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and exciting to me. And um, so I had to start from scratch. I had to throw out my old hour, you know, and start writing literally, like, from scratch. And uh, it's did, been did really you ever have fun. to catch yourself? Like, because you were used to doing stand-up when you can get away with saying a little more? Like, did you catch yourself writing jokes and being like, oh, fuck, nope, nope, this is 2017. I won't get away with that. There's Twitter. Like, this isn't talk soup no, like there was. You know, I think if anything, well, first of all, it's like you want, you know, you kind of want your your material to reflect who you are, what, you know, what, what what's going on in your life. And my old act, when I wrote in my 20s, was all about me being, you know, young and partying, trying to get laid. And now all of a sudden I'm in my 40s, I'm married, I got two kids. It's like that viewpoint was invalid. I had to start from scratch. Um, and if anything... You know, it was coming off of seven years of doing Wipeout, like writing family-friendly, soul-crushing puns, you know, just... <laughs> do, just you, do, you, do you feel for Bob Saget now? Do you know his pain? <laughs> like all those years he was doing uh, AFV? You know, I got to tell you, man, I mean, I've talked about this before, but uh, I had the opportunity. When I left Talk Soup in, like, 1999, I, had the, I was offered the opportunity to take over AFV for Bob Saget, right? right? And I turned it down. And it was a ton of money, like hmm. crazy money. And I turned it down. And, you know, obviously I wish I hadn't in retrospect. You know, Tom Bergeron has, you know, made himself a gazillion dollars doing that. But you've got to remember, like, Woody, if you remember Talk Soup, sure, I, you know, I was, yeah. I, I was doing, uh, like, you know, comedy for college kids and stoners and like edgy weird avant-garde humor and 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 bob saget and america's funniest home videos and this is not a knock on bob it was a great gig for him and but it was the gig like this was gray-haired people in the audience laugh track puns like it was the polar <laughs> like, like people would be slipping in puddles and he, and he would just make a little voice he'd be like oh no is that a puddle whoops i fell again <laughs> like, i've been on america's yeah, funniest home videos <laughs> they grabbed like, one of my I YouTube videos and put it on that show and they cut it up and they put a laugh track to it and stuff. And I didn't like what they did with it, to be honest. I was like, ah, it doesn't Wait, quite build. One of your videos was on AFB. <clears throat> 
the they dog bark collar one. They cut up and put laugh tracks in it and put <coughs> America's Funniest Home they Videos. They bought the rights Which for one? it, yeah. The dog barking collar one? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Woody put a dog collar on himself and electrocuted himself. He would, he barked. He went, woof, woof. And of course, you know, it zapped right. him because, because he's a real humanitarian. And everybody's <laughs> like, everybody like points to that as some, something irresponsible. He was doing it because he was about to strap that thing on his little, on his dog. You know, yeah. he wanted to know like what, sure. how bad is this? If he's going to be a serious fucking collar, the dog was a great Dane. And, uh, and I put it on and you like, you talk and it didn't really go off. You bark quietly. It didn't go off. But then each time you set it off, it ratcheted up the amount of shocking you're getting. And uh, so the first one, it just kind of shocked me. By the end of it, like my feet are tapping, my head is going, and uh, it was a pretty good video. Because it was for large dogs. It was supposed yeah. to be like, if this dog doesn't figure out it needs to stop chewing on this little boy's arm, he needs to get shocked a little harder. Well, it like was a, for a shit suit. It was a bark it's, collar. So like, it, was, uh, it was like yeah. being tased by a police officer. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, well, I was on the show, and I know so, exactly what they do. Yeah, well, it, to me, it felt like I, I can't do that. It felt like I would be selling out my brand, you know. And the irony is, I ended up doing Wipeout, which was a very similar, family-friendly, you know, slapsticky, goofy style of humor. It's a lot it's funnier. Funny. Because it's really—it's uh, a lot funnier, and I feel like it's more of a teen audience, if anything, because of the the, the violence. You know, they're you know they're falling yeah. and stuff. Like there's, I watched that show because me as like a, a 28 or however year older I was at the time, like I just want to see these people fall and smash their faces. I watched MXC, like you know that, right. that Japanese dubbed over version, like anything where people are jumping and oh. going through obstacle courses and falling. <laughs> it's hilarious. MXC it's was fucking hilarious. MXC is is, is real <laughs> classic television that that this current generation will never know anything about it. I think it's I, yeah. actually, uh, you can watch it maybe on Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I ran into Johnny Knoxville once and he was like, Oh dude, I love Wipeout," And I go, really? It seems <laughs> like it's so tame compared to what you guys do. And he said it so well. He goes, yeah, you know, it's just fun watching people get smoked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is, you know, but, uh, but so I, after, you know, after years of writing family-friendly eight o'clock, you know, fastball right down the heart of the plate material on, uh, on, um, uh, on Wipeout, I was looking forward to going back to stand-up because it's like, I ain't going back to stand-up to not swear after, you know what I mean, 8, 8 p.m. on ABC. And, uh, and I, when Tom Bergeron announced he was stepping down, I was like, oh, dude, now... Uh, I'm now I'm ready. Like now I'm that guy. I'm perfect for this gig. Yeah. You gotta let me do it. <laughs> and I screen tested, and Vin Debona had the last laugh. Man, I'm like, no, I want to do the show. And he's like, no, nope, I'm giving it to Alphonse <laughs> Ruffier. I was like, oh man. <laughs> I mean, it had to be like as far as I, I get what you're saying. With no, actually, it it, had, it would have been so much shittier to be Bob Saget with AFV than actually being there watching people fall. And there's always the real potential they could get hurt, you know. And that's funny. And <laughs> that's and that's it. something that that show did well is showing people get hit really hard in a way that yeah. may it looks like it hurts, and then they always just come up looking a little disappointed. Pop right Maybe, up. Yeah, everything's really cushioned. <laughs> and I think they add in, add in a few sound effects, some some. <laughs> Sound effects yeah. every time they're cracking. Sometimes some stuff. bone cracking sound effects. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, sure. You know, we were always trying to push the envelope on how far we could make fun of that danger aspect on Wipeout. You know, and they were always like, "No, we don't talk about. Don't ever talk <laughs> about injuries." You know, this is a fun show. So, 
We had a, uh, a specific type of wipeout that we called a scorpion. If you face planted so hard that like your feet bowed <laughs> up and touched the back <laughs> of your head, we called that a scorpion, right? And this woman did a scorpion that was so unbelievably violent and the angle of her back was so impossible that the joke that I had written was uh, I go oh my god do we need to get new jobs now and then she pops up and starts running I go nope we're okay and, uh, and they were like no no you can't do it I go why you know why? and they were like no we know what you're trying to say you're trying to say we almost broke her back and I was like well we almost did you know yeah, uh, that, I think this clip is it. Really? I was watching some today just to get a refresher because uh, you were saying it's more teens that watch that show. I know at least one gray-haired man who watched it at the time, my grandpa, because he would go from professional bull riding where people are falling very hard and very dangerously, and then you get a little bit of a break and you go to wipe out, you know, get some more soft falls, not as violent, and then right back to, to bull riding. So at least a couple of elderly out there enjoying yeah. wipeout. This is a true story. I, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with a, an amazing, a world-renowned close-up magician named Doc East. I just saw it. Remarkable. And I saw him at the Magic Castle, and he goes, uh, hey, buddy of mine ran the wipeout course. And I go, oh, yeah, no kidding. How did he do? And he goes, broke his femur real bad. Still walking <laughs> in a lot of pain. I was like. Oh, well. They say I'll never walk again. You He's looking for you. <laughs> he said you said something distasteful on the coverage. He didn't, he yeah. didn't like it. Oh, oh I felt terrible. Oh, <laughs> a better angle. There we Did go. you always know that you were one person getting grievously injured away from having to stop the show? Dude, like, was, is that all that it would like, take? We, we did seven seasons of that show, and two of, these, two of those years we did a winter version and a summer version. So... In fact, one year we did winter, spring, and then summer. So we were on twice a week in prime time for nine consecutive months. Um, and uh, and so really, like, seven seasons was really almost like nine seasons, you know? <laughs> and uh, when the show got canceled, obviously I would have loved to have done another season. But I when it, when it ended, I went, well... <laughs> We got out without killing anybody, you know what I mean? Like, thank God that we didn't have any catastrophic injuries. I, another thing I liked about that show is that you, when you watch, like, Ninja Warrior, it's like a Ninja Warrior for fat people or just for, like, preschool teachers or whatever. Like, yeah. just people who want to go out there. Like, with Ninja Warrior, it's like, you know, this is super, super hard, but it is possible. There are things on Wipeout where it'd be like, all right, you need to run across these balls. One of them's a trap. We're not going to tell you. You'll fall right through it. And it's like none of these people from the get-go had a chance. Like Dude. you could have put the best at you. Usain Bolt could have been one of the contestants, and no, he would have yeah. failed just like the rest. Spider-Man. <laughs> it didn't matter. First of all, it was not uh, – it was a course designed for failure, yeah. right? So if you're doing well, we're not doing our jobs. Second of all – we're not dealing with highly trained athletes. These were not like <laughs> Olympic caliber competitors. This was like, you know, hey, housewife, 5'2", buck 80, got a great feeling about you. You know, you're going to be great. And notice uh, that like if you watch repeats of Wipeout, we, the, the, the people who built the course actually smart, uh, smarted up, smartened up, uh, got clever enough to... They would put something moving in your peripheral vision 
over on your right side to turn <laughs> your head to your right so you wouldn't see like whatever was coming from the left. They would literally direct your attention this way so that you just got blind. <laughs> got spinning an umbrella. <laughs> I, what I liked about like, because I know like the shitty jokes he had to say that must be draining as a comic especially. But I like like comparing it again to Ninja Warrior, it's almost like it beat that to the punch. Because Ninja Warrior, the guy will try and talk up the contestant with like feats they don't really have that aren't that impressive. Like this is Josh Johnson, and he, you know, won his local karate match almost two years in a row. Second place the second year, real close. <laughs> and they try and build him up. Like also run five Ks. You got trophy you know? in one hand, certificate yeah. in another. They also runs 5Ks often, and, and, you know, it does them really well, always wins. And then he goes, and you're kind of like, oh, man, well, that, that guy's a real athlete. I watched a couple clips where you were narrating, and it was almost like you were low-key fucking with the whole <laughs> thing, being like, this is Susan. Uh, she owns a, one of the rare male calico cats about to sit there on there. And then it, I remembered it was she was sitting on one of the blobs and then she got hit by some weight because you couldn't just get a fat guy. You had to throw a barrel full of cement down onto it. And, she flew up so high. and the whole time you were pretending that it was like a really good thing from her. Like, wow, look at the height she's achieved there. And it's like, no, she's just you just established. She's a, a cat owner with no experience. It was... It was great, man. I mean, they, you know, when I, when we first started doing that show, Wipeout, they, they, back, Chief. we got to get you an iron lung. Dude. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I think you can find them on Craigslist. Very uh, gently used, I believe is what they say in the description. Uh, but like the first season on Wipeout, the producers didn't want to do a whole lot of comedy. Like, their whole thing was the course is the star of the show. You know, we were told, like, in these words, we were told, see dog, say dog. If Woody's running up the stairs, I want you to go, there's Woody running up the stairs. And, like, you know, uh, my attitude was, like, well, children and dumb people are going to watch no matter what. So why don't we try to, like, loop in a more discerning audience by making some jokes and... They, I mean, we, it was like tense. Like people were like, you know, producers were telling me, stop trying to distract the audience with your jokes. This is about you, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then like the more it started to catch on, the more slack they started letting out in our comedic leash, so to speak. And by like the third or fourth season, dude, it was just jailbreak. I'm wearing like wigs and doing <laughs> yeah. characters. Yeah, and, it sounds you know. like they didn't understand their own show because the contestants are not the point of the show. They are the meat that gets ground. The whole <laughs> point of the show is the obstacle course and you. Like that's it. It's about you're the you're the meat grinder operator and the course is the meat grinder. Like like it doesn't matter who they are or what they do. It's actually better if they're not impressive because they're just going to fall flatter. An athlete will like fall in a very athletic kind of way. They'll roll out of things and pop back up. You don't want to see that. You want to see but scorpions. I, you know, you Mac Kunitz, the guy Mac Kunitz is the guy who created Wipeout. He also created uh, Fear Factor and uh, he I loved working for this guy. I, I really he's an excellent guy. Sure Hope to work punches. with him again. But he no, but he he like towards the he grew to trust me enough that in the last season of the show, I would like I my wife had a uh, uh, her 40th birthday party. It was an awesome theme party. It was come as the celebrity 
that you share your birthday with. So you'd have to go look up your birthday, find other celebrities, and then dress in costume as that person. So I went as Yule Brenner. And I got like a King and I costume, and I had a friend who's like a full-on uh, like makeup special effects artist in movies come and do a custom-made ball cap, bald cap for me. It took like two and a half hours, and it was flawless. And as soon as she put it on, it was so it looked so good that before I went to the party, I called Matt Kunitz on the phone and I sent him a picture, and I go. We have to do a bald cap show on Lifehouse. <laughs> and he goes, I don't understand. Why would you be bald? And I was like, who cares? Well, without a reason, dude. It doesn't matter. It's stupid. It's hilarious. You have to let me do it. And he was like, all right. <laughs> Didn't make any sense at all. But we made an entire themed show out of me uh, having a, you know, a bald cap on. It was yeah, like I, ridiculous. I, I love those shows. Uh, frankly, I want a rougher, tougher version for the for the 21st century that that really has blood. That's what I want. Maybe maybe I shouldn't say that, but I want blood. I want you blood. want the I running want to... man. Now let. I want the running man, but I know I can't get the running man. I've been talking about the running man for years, yeah. all right? Listen, like, like, don't get me started the on the running man. You go, you go to the right country. I'll have to go get my charts, yeah. <laughs> my proposals, my PowerPoint <laughs> presentation. Like, I definitely want the running man. But, but more realistically, I just want to see people jumping through, over hurdles and, and swinging through vines and stuff and actually eating shit and getting hurt. They just did a thing on Netflix called The Ultimate Beastmaster, and... I, I mean, they, they really dressed it up well, and they, they reworked the old formula nicely. They've got, like, uh, multinational hosts for, for, uh, from, like, right. 60 countries and stuff, and, and uh, they do a good job with it, but there's no blood. And if you look closely, you can tell that every obstacle is so foamed and nerfed out that, like, it, it doesn't matter how hard you hit this stuff. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get the breath knocked out of you. But I want to see, see limbs get, like... Caught it, you know those like 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 those gymnastic loops. I want to see them like oh, having to wrap. You don't want to see swing. that. You want to see that until the first scene where it happens and like snap, and they're like ah, and they're dangling from like a broken wrist, and 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 like guys have to like like rappel down and like get them and like. This is an expensive show. That does look a good show, though. The next time I go to Cabo and the romance department sets me up with a a nice hot bath, and then my wife and I are running through the forest, it's going to be Kyle shooting at us, (laughs) and I'm going to be looking over my shoulder going, I thought the podcast went well! (laughs) Shooting at me! I mean, if it wasn't going to be one of us, it'd be Kyle. Yeah, Yeah, he would be my pick. I mean, if anyone would be chasing me through the woods with a gun, I'd prefer it not be Kyle, because I feel like he'd get me. No, oh, but yeah. I, I, I don't know though. I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm a survivalist. I've watched every single one of Primitive Technologies videos on YouTube. I haven't put it, tried anything yet, but I'm, I'm getting close. I am a professional survivalist. I've been paid to survive in the wild, and thus I am one. So, so wait a minute. Hold on a minute. I, I want to get into chicken. this. I've done that I too. I want to get into this because so here's my theory. Okay. Um, uh, I, uh, my brother and I have talked about it. I'm the youngest of five boys, and we've talked about this. I've lived in L.A. now for 22 years. I assume there are very, very good odds that at some point in my lifetime in Los Angeles, there will be an extended period of lawlessness, whether it is natural disaster, whether it's terrorist attack, whether it's the failure of a power grid, 
you know, there's going to come a time where, I mean, look, if you lose power, right, if they knock out a power grid, that takes a couple, two, three, four months to repair. As soon as food spoils, people start getting a little weird. You know what I mean? When there's no refrigeration and shit and, you know, they're looting stores and stuff. So uh, my brother and I have had this conversation where he's like, we have to prepare for the zombie apocalypse. And he's like, "You, you need to, if you are not able to, like, kill and dress an animal, you're kind of screwed. You know what I mean? Like, you can go, you can learn to start a fire, but until you can truly hunt and build shelter, you're kind of screwed. So we've been, like, going, is there some, there's got to be a survivalist event where you can go, like, you and your buddies can go take oh, a yeah. course or something. Out oh, of, yeah, right? I know the guy. Like, like if that was something you are actually interested in, like, in Texas? I, know the, I know the Wonderland place where you go mm-hmm. and you pay a fee you go to a 20,000-acre wildlife game ranch in the middle of Texas. You have a professional survivalist guide who will take you out into the wilderness and show you the native plants and animals and the, the, the stones and how to, how to read sign. And then you'll go back to a cabin and eat some sort of like elk or venison, some sort of manly meal. So and, would this guy uh, accept 30 minutes of talking to the audience as payment? No, no. Well, no. Probably. You don't think so until John gets there. Maybe. Maybe he's a huge Lake Talk Soup fan. I I don't know. Do you know how much something like that costs? I don't, but I could point you in the right direction after the show. I'll give you a link. So every year, I'm the like I said, I'm the youngest of five boys, right? And we started a tradition years ago where every year we take my father on a three-day stag weekend. There's six of us, including my dad. We call ourselves the Stag Six. We've been doing it for years. Our motto is no women, no kids, no excuses. You come from wherever you are. I like it. I love it. Every year my brother comes from Australia. Dude, I have the logo tattooed on my my body, right? We have like a six-point buck with a number in there. I mean, it's we're hardcore. Every year we print up, you know, uh, and, and create merchandising. We got jackets and hats and shirts and all that kind of stuff. Golf balls, playing cards, anything you can think of. We got the Stag 6 logo If someone in your family dies, call me. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, if we could do something, you know, if we, you know, it might be a little intense for my 83-year-old dad. But, but you know, I want to I be able, I want to know this if This is I it, man. Had, I've got it. Like, check out this link that I just I just shared with you. Um, I, I know these people. Um, I've worked with them a few times. Tank driving, that's a necessity for the apocalypse. So while you're there, like, like I'll get to the bushcraft stuff in just a moment, but just so you know, while you're there, you can do, like, explosives training, drive, like, World War II tanks that actually fire, shoot artillery pieces, machine guns, do, do any kind of hunting you've ever heard of, four-by-four, uh, four, like, race jet skis in his private lake, uh, mountain rappelling, all that stuff. But he does these bushcraft courses, uh, a two-and-a-half day courses i think it's 550 dollars um oh, yeah dude it's I on thought, the site okay. yeah it says that it's the art of making maintaining and transporting fire when you have no matches how to locate collect and purify water even in the most arid environments because you are in texas it's very dry how to right. find and eat wild plants and animals for sustainable sustenance how to properly construct and use shelters for temporary and long-term use how to make your own knives axes cooking utensils how to navigate with and without a compass and map advanced medical training for environmental conditions and trauma i know the guy that teaches this course um 
fascinating. Dude, you have to send. I'm in. Oh, you got to send me the information. And let yeah. me be clear. There's I'm a, a link in the sky. But I want to do it. You know what I mean? I really want to do it. Oh, this would not be something that would push you to the limits. This would be a very fun, like, sort of, all right, now hop in the truck and we'll go out here and I'll show you right. something. Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely would be like, all right, boys, we're out here now. Shit just got real. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to try to, I'm going to. I want to do this. I want to organize it. I want me and my brothers to do it, and then I'll come back on and we'll talk about it. Sure. That sounds awesome. They're awesome people. This, this looks really- like a good way to like dip your toes in the survival water because, you know, like I'm sure all of us have watched on YouTube the videos of people showing how to actually survive, and if you get like 30 seconds into one, you'll be like, what the fuck? That guy is starting a fire with an, or getting wood with an axe he already made from random shit and it's like this guy's already five steps ahead i, I can't watch this yeah. i need to just like uh, right. y- you don't, there's no reason to learn how to make your own axes there's going to be a lot left over at home depot at the apocalypse like you think that's one thing i, I think there's gonna be plenty of axes and enough people will die that they'll be strewn about yeah. well uh, that would i would really like i'd sleep better at night if i and that's the other thing is like we talk about the you know i I'd rather have a gun and not need it than need it and not have it. You know what I mean? And yeah, if we're I, all very armed. If I, yes. uh, if, I could, <laughs> if I could defend myself and survive and provide food for my family in the wilderness, then I would feel like... Uh, I pitched a show once called uh, Grown Ass Man, and the idea would be like, there's a variety of things that you need to be able to do to consider yourself a grown ass man. You need to yeah. be able to go out in the woods and you know kill and dress a deer, and you need to be able to like tie a Windsor knot and pick a bottle of red wine and ballroom pants. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, you like you need. I feel like we might combine <laughs> into a man, right? I feel like if we took the three of us, our skill, my dancing, your deer dressing, like we've got a man in there somewhere. We can meld our collective talent. See, I can tie a knot. I don't know about a Windsor. I'm not sure. But I can tie a tie, mostly. No, I can tie the, the cheesy one then. Do you own a gun right now? I can't tie any kind of. Uh, a tie knot at all. I had Woody tie mine last time uh, I, I, we were together in a hotel and, and one was required. And it wasn't a wizard, but I was in no position to complain about the, the type or quality of my knot. I was like, shit, that looks, that looks good to me. It's a tie like, knot. Well, you know, I'll tell you something, because this is, now you're into an area where I know, right? Um, mm. There, You know, people talk about a double Windsor. There's yeah. no such thing as a double Windsor. There's a Windsor and a half Windsor. There's no such thing as a double Windsor. Mm-hmm. There's, but like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like uh, Windsor, half Windsor, Pratt knot, like there's there's different styles, different ways to tie a tie depending on what you're wearing, the width of the tie, the material you work. We spent an hour before watching YouTube tying videos on this show before. Like, we definitely need to bring John into our collective man, right? He's a part of the team. I can see this happening. We need him. Look, you know, I haven't and, even like, heard of that. The, the whole thing with, like, a bow tie, here's the thing that uh, I, because I, I, I like bow ties, right? So I, I, I got a lot of bow ties. But, you know, when I see, I, I was at the Magic Castle once, and, and uh, I, my wife and I go there a bunch, and, and that's you got to go, you got to roll big, right? You got to wear a suit. And I saw an older man, like, and I mean like a man in his, like, late 70s, and he was wearing a clip-on bow tie, and I walked up to him, and I go, you have the nerve to call yourself old. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you learn how to tie a bow tie, for God's sake. Do you know that tying a bow tie is literally 
the exact same way you tie your shoelaces. Same thing. I, I didn't. I didn't I, know that. I somehow don't loop, think it would turn I, out. Over the little loop, pull it through. Boom. I've had a bow tie for years that has sat in the same place in my closet for years because I've always like my gut reaction when I'm in public and I see like a, a common. You know, it, it's a nice place where everybody's dressed up and they all have regular ties and there's always that one guy with the bow tie because he's so quirky and fun. And my, my first thought is always like, fuck that guy. Who do you think you are? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I don't ever want to be that guy. And so I've never been confident enough to put it on. I don't want to. I don't want to answer that I'm guy. Territory. Telling you, so here's the thing, man. I uh, like when I go do stand up, right? I always wear a jacket <laughs> and a tie. And I, and, I, and I, you know, I'm like the only comic that I know uh, Tom Papa also will wear a jacket and tie uh, or a suit. But, like, you know, most comics look at you and they're like, what are you doing? Are you, like, did you just come from traffic court? Why are you dressed up? But I always feel like, I feel like, A, if people are going to be paying to see me, put your shit together. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, be, present them a professional appearance. Um, but I will not lie to you. I... My wife and I like do a date night and we put on as a, as my father would say is from Arkansas. We put on the dog. We get dressed up, man. And uh, and so I, I encourage you guys to learn how to rock a tie or a bow tie or get a pocket square. Like do the little things that you can do to look good without looking like prissy and a pussy. You can do it, dude. It's and and it's like a, there's a. There's a way that old Italian men dress. It's called sprezzatura, and it means basically like a, <laughs> like a, like a studied nonchalance, like a disheveled elegance. So you go to like Italy, and you'll see these old men. They'll be wearing like a fucking five thousand dollars suit, but they won't button their sleeves, and they're they they'll tie their tie, and they'll leave it like you know they like it won't be perfect. It'll be like pulled to the side, or they'll they'll even tie it so that the the long part in like the skinny part in back is longer than the front fat part. You know, like and and uh, and it's like. They look like this kind of like, oh, I just threw on this suit. I wasn't really paying attention. Do I look like a silver <laughs> fox? I wasn't paying attention. And you see these guys, and it's like, dude, 70 years old. His skin is the color of terracotta. He's got a big, <laughs> huge pasta belly, and his like, tie's kind of askance, and he's got a chick that's 30 years younger in his arm, and you're like, you fucking won pal you have won <laughs> life good for you you know what i mean so i would encourage you guys get that fucking bow tie out dude and rock it wear it man maybe i will i'd man. like to see you tie it on the show tie my uh, bow tie on the show yeah i've never I, me i've never tied it i told yes. you i've never put it on yes you. watch the youtube video and i tell you what man i got i've got a point it. now where i can do it without looking in the mirror and that's like that my friend is like breaking down a gun and putting <laughs> it <back laughs> if, if i had a bow tie oh, waiting to be tied in my thing. house somewhere i would uh, this is something i would do for the show i would just grab it and make it a, make it a bit you were you were talking about uh <laughs> <laughs> sissy, sissy, All the sissy. listeners are gonna are gonna love hearing me tie my tie badly. They would. <laughs> Everyone would get a kick out of the bit about the uh, the survival thing. If you're interested in guns, because you kind of insinuated that, Kyle is also the guy to talk to about guns, because you know you you can have all your training on making fires and whittling 
or whatever they tr- teach you how to do there. But if you don't have a gun, you're just as whatever you Burr, I think says survival. you're gathering food for the strongest like, guy on the block. I appreciate the like learning to do that stuff kind of thing, and uh, we've kind of gone through our own amateur version of that ourselves. Like like I can make a fire with like you know like uh, a sparker and stuff like right. that. I can I I, can, I got that flint handle. and steel. But, magnesium sure, but when yeah. it comes down to it like as far as water and food and all that stuff like if you just have one of these then you can just take that from the guy who's over there like crafting like 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 if there's a guy crafting over there crafting and <laughs> making that little fire and he's boiled right. up a gallon of clean water and in his terracotta pot he made right. that took him like two weeks to put right. together you walk along and you go hey right. yep i'll be having that yeah, put two in the place, and Get them uh, pennies off, boy. Make <laughs> me another know, pot. Like, that's how the future goes. Yeah. Like, that's how it plays out every single time, unfortunately. Well, but, but, I but, gotta tell you, I don't, want, I don't want a gun for like, oh, honey, I heard something downstairs. I'm going to go play Charles Bronson. Like, I want, I want a gun for, um, you know, like I said, like, there's been a loss of basic services and you just want to make sure That's that if fun. Yeah. Well, dude, you know, my father said the smartest thing, man. I go like, because we were having this conversation on a stag six weekend. And my brother goes like, what would you do? You know, if you were like, you know, if they start looting, if there's been, you know, a week without power and people are starting to loot, how would you defend your home? And my father goes, well, the first thing I would do is I'd get a sheet and spray paint and I would write gun owner and hang it in front of the house. <laughs> and I was like, that is baller, man. Like if you don't even have a gun, if people are walking down the street and they see that, they're like, fuck it, I'll go to the next house. You know what I mean? <laughs> see, that's an interesting tactic in LA. Like if someone did that here in Missouri, you'd just be like, yeah, of course, asshole. You ruined your garage door. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure in Georgia it's the same. They'd be like, yeah. he's lying. He's trying to fake us out. He's that's, that's, exactly what I, that's exactly where my mind went. I'm like, what's he, what's he telling everybody about it for? It kind of sounds like the sort of thing someone without a gun would say to me. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sounds like the sort of thing a guy wearing a bow tie would write. <laughs> a damn Democrat in there pretending like he's got a gun. That's what we got here, boys. I bet he's got a bunch of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loss of basic services, and now they're coming for the Second Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I, I, I would I like, like to. I think I, I like. I guess I got to figure out how to get a gun, like with the get the license and what you got to do, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't want to have it in the home unless my wife knew how to handle it. Like, I don't want. I would want her to know her way around it. That'd be a fun thing to do. You could get or whatever kind of gun you wanted, a shotgun maybe. And then just go to a range or go out, go skeet shooting, both of you. It's fun. It's something that, like, even people who are like, oh, I'm uncomfortable around guns or whatever. Like, once you take them out there and you have them shown that it's safe and you, like, the, the really the riskiest part are the people who are, like, say they're afraid of guns. Sometimes when you get them out there to try and downplay the severity of guns, they'll be a little more loopy-doopy with it. And you have to kind of be like, hey, you're the one who's afraid of these, and there's a fucking reason to be. So keep it pointed that way. (laughs) And, you know, we're going to learn how to do this. If you can kind of instill that respect of, like, this is not joke-around time, then people really enjoy it. Guns are awesome. Isn't it just, like, a news story about one of, like, an Olympic... Uh, uh, like sharpshooter accidentally killed himself cleaning his gun. 
I, 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 I thought we were going to talk about the Blade Runner case and that, you know, the the, the Paralympic athlete who, who shot yeah. his girlfriend mm. through the bathroom. Oscar Pistorius, right? Pistorius, yes, the Blade Runner. What a cool name. <laughs> I, this whole time, cool I didn't name. know that well, he shot his he girlfriend. I was like, hey, I... single now if you're interested. You know what they call him in prison? Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> he had to very quickly transition from Olympian to wise old inmate. Yeah. <laughs> like a three-week like like span of I'm real quick on my, my super-fast blades, and then they go, yeah, you can't have these in there because some gang's going to steal them and then kill you with them. So yeah. here, here's your chair. Here's your very uncomfortable two-piece wheelchair because we can't have comfortable pieces there because otherwise the other people in prison will rip off the pieces and murder one another. Maybe he could like make his own blades out of uh, tooth... Uh, uh, toothbrushes or something, you know what I mean? He has to get, he has to DIY it, you know. He's got a Shawshank Redemption, you know. Andy Dufresne crawls through 500 yards of shit-smelling filth. I can't even imagine. <laughs> That'd be a lot harder with blade feet. This whole time, I didn't know that that guy shot his girlfriend. I was always wondering how he managed. To do that in the state he was, because I assumed that he doesn't sleep with the blades on. Ah, he's and this in, is in uh, South Africa, I believe. Yeah, but I was wondering how, not not how he got a gun, how he how he overpowered. I didn't know that he shot her. I thought that he like beat her to death or did whatever oh, no, he no. did. All right, so so I, I'm probably gonna butcher this a bit, but but he, he claims that in the night he hears a noise. Here's what he claims he thought her, believed at the time was an intruder. He arms himself and then he fires through the bathroom door at what he Nine believes. Rounds. Right? Yeah, like he like sure. dumps the mag into his bathroom door and, and he kills his girlfriend who's on the other side of it. And I think he had his legs on. I think that like because I, I, I it was a big news story. And I think what the, the sequence events was he hears the noise, puts his blades on, arms himself, and then goes and shoots through with this noise in the middle of the night. And my first thought is like if I wake up out of bed and there's a noise, I'm gonna look to where my you know, he claims his girlfriend is there in the house with him. Like she I'm gonna be like, Hey, hey, wake up, get your gun. I'm gonna like you know I'm gonna like let her know like hey lock the door behind me I'll knock twice if it's me anything else it's not you know I'm gonna say something to her so if when I wake up hear this noise and she's not there oh it's her but that that wasn't his first inkling his but first you, inkling. you know what else probably like pushed the cops against his side when they showed up is that if you've ever seen people walk in those blade legs they have kind of a natural upbeat like. Oh, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm looking happy. I'm feeling confident. I'm enjoying what's going on. He walked out there like, hey, guys, girlfriend's dead. What can I say? And even if he was crying, they're like, look at this smug, chipper fuck. He just killed yes. his girlfriend. He's bouncing out here like everything's fine. Old robo legs. Nothing to worry about. No. And then, you know, yeah, of course you get resentful if you see a guy bouncing out. I wonder that. if he was like, you know, because it was like they don't know if he was intentional or not. I wonder if he was like, hey, I got her. I mean, yeah. I got her. Yeah, she's passed. Yeah, yeah, that's outrageous. Like, like anyone who's like a gun owner and like you know is yeah, familiar crazy. with the thoughts that go through your head when you consider the scenarios of home defense and how they would all play out. Like these are thoughts that gun owners have, and like you usually have like a an idea of how this thing should and would play out so that you'll maximize your chances of success and not hurting anyone. Um, you know, in in defense of your own home and family. And maybe members. part of that would be to begin with, honey. You yeah, know what I mean? find, like, find the people you care about first. Like, like it's not about let's let's find him. It's about let's protect everyone. Let's protect the people first, and then the belongings second. And like, you know, that's the order of of events that actually would happen in that scenario. So him just going and blasting through a bathroom door without first finding his girlfriend is outrageous, especially as an Olympic athlete. Legs or no legs, he had his blades on. 
<laughs> I got uh, yeah. I got two small kids, so if I were to if I were to own a gun, I would want one of those like don't they have gun cases where you need to use your handprint or your fingerprint to yeah, open it up? Yeah, there's lots of different ways to make guns safe, and it depends on the age of the person you're trying to keep from from you know utilizing the weapon. If you're trying to keep a teenager from getting a gun, obviously you know you got to go to like locking it up. You know, because there's no other way to stop them. I don't trust anything with a fingerprint, to be honest. Like, what if you need that gun and your hands are covered in blood? Or no. what if you need or that sweat. gun and, like, you just, like, you're, you're already cut and wounded from glass or God knows what. If you're going for a gun, it's this, not an ideal scenario. I'm a little worried like, about you, Kyle. Yeah. You see, you're creating some scenarios that are you very... See, that, the gun is for these scenarios, what and therefore, you know... What doctor have to say about all this <laughs> So yeah, I don't like the fingerprint thing. I want to be able to get my gun and like get to it. I don't. I don't have any children in my house. So, so what I would just, you do? Would you? What, what do you think is better? A lock? Just a a lock, and then you keep the key hidden? Um, no. I, I would put it either out of reach. If if they're little children, you can put it out of reach, right? And and have it locked away. But there are um there are safes that are meant to to get your gun quickly, and it's a quick pin pad that you can have like on your nightstand. It'd be like beep boop boop boop, gun. And like as soon as you put the the pad in, it's like here's your gun, and you've yeah. got your gun. You, but you, you can just leave it loaded like, in there, so you're not fiddle fucking around at the last second. Like, like that's the other thing, and and I know that like the first mindset of like because we all hear so much gun control stuff and so much, you know, so much gun control stuff is like oh god, yeah. you never leave a gun loaded, and and I mean this gun isn't loaded, but I mean. Think about the steps that you've got to go to make a gun loaded. And remember, we're in that nightmare scenario again where they're coming to get us, whoever they are in this scenario. You know, you've got to put the magazine in and then you've got to rack the gun. You've got to hope that you did it all well and the gun's going to work. But if you didn't, what if you fumbled through that process and you dropped something? Now you're, oh, shit. Oh, and a bullet fell out. And I mean, there was a malfunction right there. A bullet fell out of the magazine. I just lost one. That might confuse me. And my, my hands are shaking. It's, it's better just to have the thing loaded so you just... Flick the safety right there, and you're good to go. Now, do you have one in the chamber? Or are we getting ready to watch you die? <laughs> he just took it out. He did. Oh, have he one plays with chamber. loaded guns every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's... They're no fun if they're not loaded. He's literally yeah. a certified expert. Though. <laughs> I. Yeah. Just agree. It's <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> I'm like, I got paperwork. Yeah, he just mailed away for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw I threw Kyle a ball that I thought he could receive, and then you were like, "Yeah, actually, no, I cannot say that." Um, <laughs> like, I like, love that you're like he's a certified expert, and I'm like, my home defense is related to like I could make some scathing comments. I <laughs> I could hurt your feelings. I could make jokes at your expense that will really make you question yourself after you kill him. <laughs> you're making He'll be using all these stolen goods to pay for therapy. That'll teach him. <laughs> I don't even yeah. want that plasma TV. Is your apartment in 2007, <laughs> idiot? You know. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but but uh, I don't know. Um, I guess you're in California, right? Yeah. 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 So, so it may be, you know, the gun laws there are a little bit different, and I'm certainly not an expert on the California gun laws, the, uh, the Republic of California. Um, in Georgia, they just give you one at the border, right? When you, yeah, when you cross the border. At birth, like, like you, get a, you, get a, you get a little baby gun right up the start, a little Derringer. Little Derringer. Yes. Your diaper. Um, yeah. it's, it's quite easy. You know, you go through the same federal background check every time you purchase one unless you have a concealed carry permit, which I have. But right. I was thinking maybe because of, of your celebrity status, it might make things easier for you to not only acquire a weapon, but acquire a concealed carry permit. 
because I know like like guys like Anthony Cumia, like like yeah. he has one for New York. Imagine right. that New York City, Anthony Cumia is walking around strapped, right? So when he had that spat a while back where he got in a lot of trouble on Twitter for making some racist remarks after that that lady beat him up and then he got all mad. You had to keep in mind the whole time that he was taking that beating from that lady with a gun on his hip, and at least he's a cool-headed individual that, enough that he didn't, you know, like, hey, get back away from me, you know, or do <laughs> a brandishing it around yeah. like a maniac. Well, put it this way, it would, yeah, it would have been a little more than getting fired from Sirius XM if he had pulled the weapon, you know. His yes. ratings have went up. They, 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 they may have had to keep him if he'd done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me let me do a uh, quick ad read here. Tell everyone a little bit about texture. 2016 was one for the books. The Cubs finally won the World Series. We said goodbye uh, to far too many celebrities. And the election? Game changer. 2017 is a whole new world, and it's, an, and it's easy to stay informed using the Texture app with access to all the top magazines right on your tablet or iPhone. Uh, the Texture app has gone, has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They've made it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more. Texture makes magazines easy, and there's so many great ways out there, like rolling, uh, great ones out there, like Rolling Stone, Forbes, and Time. <clears throat> Texture is searchable. You can mark what you like, check out back issues, uh, view bonus video content, and they even curate articles and magazines just for you, or whoever you're giving Texture to this year. Texture is normally $9.99 a month, and you get over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at texture.com slash PKA, you get a 14-day free trial. Why on earth would you subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you could have all of the best ones on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? Plus, Texture was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. So start your free trial now and download the Texture app. Right now, Texture is offering our listeners a 14-day free trial. When you go to texture.com slash PKA, that's 14 days to try Texture for free. When you go to texture.com slash PKA, texture.com slash PKA. I was wondering where they were going to go with that whole election thing. Like, you know, right. like, yeah, 2016, one for the books, this and that. I'm like, the election. You're going to lose half your audience. Picture. Where are you headed? Yeah. Like, like, where yeah. am I? <coughs> Being like writing that ad read. Little, uh, comments right here. They, they, on, uh, for the... they probably had to like bounce that around like right. 50 times where they were like, you know, uh, what what an election? And they're like, no, no, because someone's going to think that we really no. like it. And they'll yes. be like, oh, and some people are going to think we really hate it. All right, what can we say that people really can't get mad at? Just call it a game changer because the yeah. game was changed. Maybe yeah. for you, maybe against you. It, it was changed, though. Can't be mad. Yeah, absolutely. No one's mad about Come that. Texture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they put ambiguous on it. Nice job. <coughs> yeah, check them out. Uh, texture is a great sponsor. Uh, yeah, links are in the description below. Um, I wanted to ask you about who wants to be a millionaire. And it's just this one question that, that, that I've always considered that if I were the host of that show, I'd be a little tempted. Do you ha do you have the answers to the questions? And if so, how soon do you have them? And if so, would there ever? And I'm not saying you would. Of course, you're an honest family man. But if you were <laughs> an evil fucking genius, could you imagine a way to get the answers to a contestant and you know maybe split the money with them or something like that? Could you have feasibly made that happen in any way? Dude, they're they are very serious about like you know they they backstage they go over the correct answers and it has to be done twice it has to be done with witnesses and um and they uh they only they they, they sort of feed them to you as you go but um yeah it's they're they're 
That was, a, I wish in retrospect, when I was doing that, I, that week, I did a week of guest hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I was, at the time, they were talking about potentially, you know, I think I was one of a handful of people that they were looking at to potentially take over for Meredith Vieira had she left, and instead, I think she left her daytime talk show and just did Millionaire. They were thinking she was going to leave Millionaire and just do her talk show. But I was sort of... I think their fear was that I was going to be too much of a wise ass. You know what I mean? And I think in retrospect, I probably that's what that show needs. That's what that's what Regis Feldman gave it back in the day. You know, I think I probably played it too conservative. I was a little too close to the vest mm -hmm. about it, and 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 a little too tame. I could have had a lot more fun with it. Um, and yeah, it's a great opportunity to yeah, fuck. Yeah, Vieira is a fucking fool. <laughs> like that that show needs some comedy to it. That that show needs like like it's it's super high stakes. So when they get to those tense moments and and the music goes dun dun, yeah. like you need you need a little you need like a dick joke snuck in there somewhere. Like you need to you need to like get it up high high intense and then punchline and just just let the whole audience decompress and laugh and we all get over it and then see you, see you after the commercial break and now we build the tension again. Like, Dick but jokes are my specialty, dude. When I when we got a double entendre into Wipeout, it was like. Ah, it was just the greatest feeling. Every time we snuck a dick joke into Wipeout, it was like an angel got his wings for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, really, it was like so satisfying every time we were able to get in a dirty joke. And it was hard because they were really keeping an eye on us. We used to call that show the, uh, the dirtiest family show on TV playing with the idea of all the mud and stuff. But it was we, we were constantly trying to... Uh, my, my prototype for that was like... Uh, you know, I grew up in the era of, like, Bugs Bunny and stuff. And when you were a kid and you were watching Bugs Bunny, there would always be, like, a joke that you didn't get that your parents would laugh at. Yeah. And so we were trying hard uh, whenever we had the opportunity to play to two different audiences. We were trying to play to kids and then every once in a while fire fastballs over the heads of the kids. The Pixar model. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Do something like inside jokes for the grown-ups. And, um, like, here's, uh, we did one with uh, a guy. <laughs> this was a pretty good, so I forgot about this. So there was a guy, a, a, like a grown, uh, a grown man, uh, who's, uh, you know, er every person would do an interview, and then based on the pre-interview, we would, we would give you, like, a moniker or, you know, uh, <laughs> a nickname. And then that would become the hanger that we uh, put all of the jokes on. So, you know, Kyle would be the gun nut and, uh, you know, uh, 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 Woody would be the lunger. You know what I mean? We'd be talking, we'd be making tombstone jokes about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, But like, and so every joke relates back to your nickname, your brand, as we called it. And we had this guy whose brand was the Justin Bieber fan. And, um, and so... Uh, uh, he was like a grown man that was way too into Justin Bieber. And, um, and at one point, uh, they come back to us on camera, and you hear an ice cream truck in the background. And, uh, and, and I just go, ice cream! And I turn around and run off camera. And then, like, John Anderson continues talking. And a few seconds later, I come back in like this. And he goes, uh, what's the matter? And I go, I thought it was the ice cream truck. But it was the ringtone on the Justin Bieber's fan cell phone. <laughs> and he goes, yeah? And I go, yeah. He said he had a bomb pop. But he didn't. 
Whoa, you know? And uh, so my wife and I went out to dinner for sushi at this restaurant in Hollywood, and we're sitting down, and the waiter comes over to me and goes, hey, are you the guy from Wipeout? And I go, yeah, why? And he goes, I'm the Justin Bieber fan. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, maybe we I got kicked here. out of Boy Scouts. I've been a den leader since yeah. 69. <laughs> I was a little worried about leaving that dude alone with my wasabi. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't want anybody putting any extra sauce on my sushi. No, the way your life goes, it'd be more like, oh, that was a hilarious ringtone joke. I'd like you to come here the next week and eat for free <laughs> every meal. I, I and my cousin, my cousin has a great timeshare. You know, or <laughs> the fuck else? Yeah, I've been, you. I've been very, very, uh, I've been very lucky, man. I have, uh, I've had a good string lately, and uh, hopefully my luck continues, dude. Because uh, I wandered into a whole bunch of like a year or two of free vacation. That's awesome. That's sweet. Are like you more thing. excited now to be back? to stand up you said that it was like kind of stale when you went over to tv and then it kind of switched but well i mean like, what, what have you noticed me, you know what i mean different. i was just kind of like i think for me it's like I, I if i'm honest when i was starting out my career as a stand-up and i did like seven eight years of stand-up before i got talk soup i was a better performer than i was a writer like i was uh I was held back by my ability to generate material. There are some guys that are super prolific, um, but maybe they're not necessarily the best on stage. They're great writers, but they're not great performers. I was somebody who's, um, I, I think, was stronger as a performer than I was as a writer. And when I started working in television, I think it, it it developed my ability uh, to write because when you're writing for TV, you know, you're, it forces you to be prolific. You have a hard deadline. You don't get to choose what subjects you're writing about. And, you know, you're, you're, you're just generating volumes of material all the time. So the years that I was away from stand-up, I was still writing comedy. In fact, I was probably writing many, like exponentially more comedy than I had been generating as a, as a comic. And it's, you know, joke writing is, it's, it's just like flexing a muscle. The more you do it, you know, the, the, the easier it gets. You start to learn your voice, you learn your style. You, and, you know, there are just like archetypal structures of jokes. I mean, the, some of it is literally like, you know, it's kind of geometric. Like you just learn how to structure a joke. And, um, and so I think when I went back to stand-up, it was, uh, a, a stand-up was a lot more fun and maybe a little easier for me than when I had been a comic in my 20s because as a man in my 40s, I know who I am now. I know what my voice is, and I know how to write for that in a way that I didn't in my 20s. So it was it, going back, it was probably like, oh, man, this is even more fun, you know, than it was when I first started. And, and mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's why I love doing it so much. Like I'm doing this gig at Mohegan Sun. Uh, you know, next week I'll be there uh, at a club called Comics, C-O-M-I-X. Uh, uh, at Mohegan Sun, the 16th, 17th, and 18th uh, of March, and and I grew up in Connecticut, 
And uh, so I think I'm probably going to see a lot of people from my high school and a lot of people I grew up with. And like, you know, uh, it'll it'll be, you know, it's going to be a bit of a homecoming for me because a lot of those people I haven't seen in like 30 years. And, um, you know, I'm excited to go back. I love going on the road now. I don't get to do it too much because I have two small kids and I, you know, I hate to be on the road and away from them. And then, you know, I I got a bunch of other things that I'm working on here in LA that require me to be uh be here, you know. Are those like two groups of kind of fans? I guess you'd say you have like the wipeout kind of TV fans, not get rid of talk soup because that's more like your stand-up style. Yeah. Are those are those Venn diagrams that don't touch like the it's, people who like wipeout and the ones who little, like your stand-up? Uh, yeah, it's it, yeah, yeah. And look, if you are if you're a wipeout fan and you're coming to see me do stand-up, do not expect the wipeout guy on stage because that ain't what I do in a comedy club. You know, I'm not doing mm-hmm. puns and wordplay and stuff like that. And it was I'm so not... it was so weird the first time. I, I my my only exposure to Bob Saget had been Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos, and then I watched. Um, there's a, a maybe it's a Netflix special, but it's definitely like this little comedy special about the aristocrats joke. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the and movie. they have like oh, the lots of different comedians yeah. tell their version of the aristocrats. And when I heard Bob Saget's, I'm like, oh my god, that's that's Bob Saget. And then yep. I start like, I'm like, I have to relearn who Bob Saget is. And I start doing my research, and it's just like he's such a filthy comic. And then I started thinking like. Was that soul crushing for him? And then I start doing research and like, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He made like twenty million dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like it's you got soul like, crushing. <laughs> well, but but you know, it is. Um, it's interesting because I've had um, as a result of what I've done. You know, there's people that know me from Talk Soup, right? And that is a very specific audience. It's a specific age range, and they have very fond memories of Talk Soup. Then people know me from like, you know, my wife and I played the parents of the lead character on a Disney series called Austin and Allie. You know, I can't walk through a middle school without people being like, oh, my God, it's Mike Moon, the mattress king of Miami. You know what I mean? And then then there's like, you know, uh, Wipeout was for seven consecutive years. It was the number one what they called co-viewing show. It was um, parents watching with children it actually overtook america's funniest home videos for the years that it was on uh as the number one co-viewing show parents and kids watching as a family you know and so that's a very specific audience and then you know because i took so long off a stand-up i really kind of shot myself in the foot because guys like joe rogan who never quit and always toured, they've built up this groundswell audience. They can sell out rooms wherever they go, and they make a ton of money when they go on the road. I'm sort of just building my audience now, and a lot of those people know me from TV, and they're not sure what to expect. So it's a bit, you know, it's a bit disjointed. I'm trying to kind of like bring it all together, and I'm not like I'm just sort of. Uh, I need to like commit more to social media. Like I don't have tons of followers. Like I need. To, to to make a more concerted effort to to have a digital footprint and and to start that kind of direct marketing mailing list that Twitter really becomes to help you when you're going market to market to market. Um, so yeah, I've had like I've had really great experiences and I've been very fortunate, but very fortunate in like very different ways that don't really relate to each other. 
You know what I mean? You mentioned Joe it's Rogan. Like, Have you seen what a kingmaker he's become lately? Like, it, it seems like all he needs to do is mention, like, Brennan Schwab and Brian Callahan's podcast or Joey Diaz or whatever. Everyone in the Joe Rogan circle has become a millionaire. You know, uh, I'll tell you a, a, a true story, and I don't even think Rogan would even know this or give it a second thought. The reason I am back at stand-up right now is because of Greg Fitzsimmons and Joe Rogan. Greg Fitzsimmons was the guy that told me, he was like, dude, why don't you go back? You can, you know, you can, it'd be fun for you. You're, you know, you're a good writer, you go back, and, and he like he kind of challenged me to do it, right? So I started doing it, but it was do I was doing it like in town, just sort of like wanting to prove to myself that I could do it, you know? And uh, like coming out of retirement, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself, you know? And, and then I did a benefit for a friend of mine that had had some uh, health challenges and I, I organized a benefit and it was like me and uh, Arsenio Hall and Joe Rogan and like Nick Swartz and it was a killer lineup. And, um, Rogan saw my set and he goes, dude, you know, you're, you're killing. And I go, yeah, you know, but I don't go on the road that much. And he gave me this like Tony Robbins motivational pep talk, literally standing by the men's room at the laugh factory. And he goes, you fucking, you put yourself, he goes, you put together a tasty hour. You shoot a Netflix special. You build yourself an audience, you tour, you become independent in the television industry. It's great work if you can get it, but you can't count on it. You become your own boss, you make your own money. You decide, and I literally, like, 10 minutes of talking to him, I'm like, you're fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will, you glorious son of a bitch, I'll follow you straight into hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so uh, he really like gave me, uh, you know, he, he kind of lit a fire under me. And that was like about a year ago. And I, you know, in the back of my head, I, I'm working towards like, I want to showcase for a special, you know, maybe like at the end of this year, I'm all, I want to spend a little That's more awesome. time on the road and see if I can uh, put out a special and, 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 you know, start to sort of weave some of those audiences from talk soup and wipe out and stand up into, you and know, Austin and Alley. I, 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 I wanted to learn, like, like as soon as you older. mentioned it, I was like, let me learn a bit about Austin and Alley. See if there's anything funny there. Sure enough. There's all this erotic fan fiction that these creepy guys, write. Wait, what is it? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I don't, I didn't want to like get into it too much because it's all about like the 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 middle school aged uh, yeah, people having sex right. with each other, or maybe like I, I didn't want to delve too deep into it. I'm sure there's some erotic fan fiction with you doing some unsavory things as well. If there's something funny, link it to me. Auto, it, it auto uh, completed to like Allie and Austin. Uh, I typed Allie and Austin fan fiction and auto completed to like rated M, and I was like, what? <laughs> Okay. For mature. Yeah, you know, that was, uh, my wife is a comedian and an actress, and uh, she came out of Chicago improv, right? She, my wife was like a veteran of Chicago improv. She was Seth Meyers' comedy partner for like four years. They toured the world together doing like a two-person uh, show together, and, uh, and she booked that part as Austin Moon's mother, and then they found out we were married, and they were like, you think your husband would play your husband? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, why not, you know? So we got to work together for four years on that show, which was a lot of fun, man. That was great. Do you see yourself totally back to stand-up for the rest of your career now? Or if someone, like, three years from now is like, hey, we've got, a, you know, children's 
hopscotch on TBS. We need a commentator. Would you? Look, no. I, you know, there, it's a game show is the easiest money that you can get, right? Other than like voiceovers, which is just blatantly stealing money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but like you know, I, I would host another game show certainly. I mean, you know, when I when Wipeout ended, my wife and I went out to dinner, right? And uh, and I was like going, you know. Maybe I'll write a screenplay, you know, maybe that would be fun. And my wife got like real quiet. She was eating. She was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I go, what? And she goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just fucking host television shows. That's what you're good at. That's what everyone wants you to do. They pay you great money. You're good at it. Just fucking do what they want you to do. Why do you have to do the one thing that nobody fucking wants you to do? <laughs> She's great. I, like, I start laughing. I go, you're right. Thank you. I love you. You're a good woman. Thank you for marrying me. Um, but you know the truth is, dude. I got I got a bunch of uh, 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 diverse interests, and and I've had the opportunity to do some producing outside of the stuff that I do on um, on camera. And like uh, right now, I have a a, a true crime project, a, a one hour cable drama uh, with uh, Steven Soderbergh and and uh, and you know the uh, Michael Shamberg and Stacey Share, the people that did Pulp Fiction and. Aaron Brockovich and, uh, you know, uh, Contagion, like, you know, unbelievable uh, people that uh, I sold a story to uh, years ago. Uh, I met a guy that uh, spent 27 years undercover in the FBI and uh, led as many as uh, five or six different identities simultaneously, speaking different languages, portraying different nationalities. Extraordinary story. And literally just knowing him socially, I was like, we have to sell your story. And uh, he ended up getting a book deal, became a New York Times bestseller called Making Jack Falcone. It was uh, a feature story on 60 Minutes. And uh, we're going to be uh, pitching that uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, taking that out to uh, to try to sell as a one-hour cable drama. We got Ooh, Pedro really Pascal. Cool. Maybe Netflix will buy it. Uh, we're actually going to be talking to Netflix. We got yeah. Pedro Pascal. That's a good who, destination uh, for that sort of content. Was, uh, he was Prince Oberyn in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's also in Narcos. Uh, he's a phenomenal Yeah, that was a good movie. Narcos uh, was an excellent movie. I love that. They're making a uh, the show. The show, yeah. Narcos on Netflix. So uh, uh, he just signed on yeah. to it. We got this uh, director, Trisha Brock, from like, uh, you know, Mr. Robot and Breaking Bad. And um, it's, it's really exciting. And, you know, so if I could move into executive producing a true crime one-hour cable drama that would be uh that would be badass but dude i'm not gonna lie to you when i go to meetings and i sit down with people you can see the look like you know when like people file into the room they're like um what's the talk soup guy doing here like (laughs) you know what i mean everybody looks a little confused i'm just waiting for some dude to look at me and be like you know hand me his coffee cup and go black two sugars you know what i mean (laughs) Nobody knows what I'm doing there. You Why know? do you like executive but, producing? Like, what, that doesn't sound like the most fun job. I think uh, for me, there's there's a couple of projects that I'm working on right now. Um, two two of them are are true crime based, um, and it's just a it's just a passion of mine. And 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 these are true stories that I just came into contact with in my life that I felt so passionately about that. 
I, this is the way I looked at it when I when I when I met you know the, the guy behind making Jack Falcone. I, I was like, we need to make this so that I can watch it, like you know, because because mm-hmm. it's the kind of story that I want to see on the screen, and um, so. Uh, it was just a passion project, you know, and I, I you know, I wrote it up and, and, you know, through back channels, was able to get it to Soderbergh. And it's it, it is the most unbelievable story that I've ever come across in my life. I've literally never told anyone, you know, this story and had any other reaction than holy shit that has to get made, you know, because it's just it, this dude was a chameleon, you know, like he would be. Uh, at dinner, you know, with a Capo and the Gambino family, uh, and they, you know, they he's a Cuban national, and they think he's a Sicilian Italian, and uh, you know, and he's in the mafia. And then his cell phone would ring, and he would get up and excuse himself. My wife's calling me, and walk away from the table and answer in fluent Spanish because the people calling him know him as a Colombian uh, drug runner. You know what I mean? And, and and it was like that kind of crazy cat and mouse game. Exhausting. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. if those are the two identities, then like, you know, if the mafiosos hear like a Colombian guy, he can be like, it's my Coke guy. And they'd be like, oh, can we get in on that? It'd be all straight. But if he's like also pretending to be like a Mormon minister or something, like, like, like it's not going to fly when they start hearing about yeah. kilos or something. Imagine this how hard guy, that would be uh... if someone told you like, all right, Kyle, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. today, you're Kyle. You'll respond only to Kyle. From 11 a.m. to 2, you're going to be Alan. And then after that, you're going to be Steve. Like you'd fuck up. Plenty of times you'd, you'd respond to Alan when you were supposed to respond to Steve and you'd talk in your little accent or whatever you weren't supposed to do. Like, you just used different it, dude, this guy had uh, it's one strike in your app. You know what happened? I would fuck it up on his behalf. I'd tell everyone Alan was Steve. I'd ruin it. <laughs> I'd be the weak link. I'm sorry. He, was, uh, he was amazing. He had like five different cell phones. He worked in he worked in Pretty full pockets on his mission. He worked in yeah. terrorism. He worked in murder for hire. He worked in the Latino drug culture. He worked in a Italian organized crime. He worked with uh, an Asian crime syndicate that had uh, counterfeit super note hundred dollar bills that not even the U.S. Treasury could uh, could identify as counterfeit. And then they also offered him military armaments. They, he was as an undercover. He was presented a catalog and given the opportunity to buy rocket launchers and surface-to-air missiles and like you know i mean it, it like th- it, it, what this guy lived through uh in his 26 years undercover uh he's the most celebrated undercover agent in the history of the fbi he was uh proposed for membership to become a made man he went uh deeper into the mafia than donnie brasco but he did it with a bigger family. He did it with one of the five families in New York. He did it with the Gambinos. And he did it after Donnie Brasco when the uh-huh. mafia was even more paranoid. And he did it while he was simultaneously leading different lives. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, a real-life Jason Bourne almost in that yeah. he just was yeah. like... With a little a, bit of Catch Me If You Can mixed in because yeah, of the multiple identities. He was yeah. a bit of a savant. You know, he was the kind of guy, he had, you know, 
five different cars in his driveway, five different wardrobes, you know? What does this Each- guy look like? Like, because I'm, I think most people are probably picturing a Jason Bourne-looking guy, like a, like a 30-something. Dude, he looked like he should be running a lunch truck in Queens. He was That's how he's supposed big, to look. Yeah. Big, <laughs> big dude. Like, he, you know, one of the interesting <laughs> things that he told me when we started working together, he was like, he goes, you got to know what you can pull off, right? Now, he was a college football player. He was a lineman. He was a big guy. By the time he started doing undercover work, he was probably 275, 300 pounds, right? And, uh, and, you know, he goes, if I go undercover, I can't be the guy going to cop a dime bag on the street. I don't look like a junkie. I got to be a kingpin. I got to be the muscle. I got to be the big guy. You know what I mean? And then you're talking about different cultures, like in... The Latino drug world, there's a lot of machismo. It's a lot about who's got the biggest balls, who's the alpha male, you know what I mean? But in the Italian organized crime world, it's a lot about the hierarchy. You speak when spoken to, you show certain people respect. I mean, this dude was, it, it, it's like playing Texas Hold'em with your life every single day and just being like, I'm all in, like, you know, Every single time he left his house, if he made a single mistake, his life was on the line, you know. And, uh, you know, to do that for two and a half decades and literally, like, retire undefeated, you know, it's, it's legendary. It's legendary within the Bureau. That's really that sounds impressive. like an awesome I, I, story. I look forward to seeing that get made now. That'll be that'll that'll be fun. It's gotta Me get made. Me too, dude. Me too. Look, uh, a knock on wood. We're getting ready to take it out and pitch it. But it's you know it it is hard to imagine that not look. Originally, we were going to do it when I sold it ten years ago to Soderbergh. We were going to do it as a film, right? We 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 attached Benicio del Toro, and we were going to make it as a film. And the challenge was always how do you tell a story this complex in two hours how do you explain all these different identities you you end up not being able to get so many amazing moments into two hours that it was almost too it was it was a challenge because the the subject matter was so dense it'd be like trying to make game of thrones into a movie Exactly. Exactly. You you lose so much. And um, we started, we sold it like 2008, right when uh, the market crashed and it really changed film financing. And all of a sudden, you know, studios wanted, uh, they wanted, uh, they wanted something that's going to become a trilogy. They want uh, something that's going to become sequels. They want they you want know, a superhero, yeah. They exactly. They want comic book movies. They want you know billion dollar blockbusters. And Benicio del Toro, you know, Academy Award winning actor, he's amazing and completely transformative. But he's not Tom Cruise, right? He's not going to. People aren't rushing out to see the new Benicio del Toro vehicle. He's, he, you know, he, he's a director magnet. He's an actor magnet. He's an incredibly t- talented man, but he's not Will Smith in terms of his global appeal, yeah, right? He doesn't have the same and, name recognition as some of So guys. it was when we were trying to get film financing, it was always a challenge, and it's like you're building a card house. You get a director, you get Benicio, you get the secondary role cast, and then before you can get the third role cast, you lose your director because it's been too long. And, you know, you're just constantly trying to build this Jenga of, 
mm-hmm. a package for film financing. And finally, after like six or seven years, I go, look, I think maybe what we need to do, and, and believe me, dude, I am the junior man on this project, but I felt very passionately about it. I was like, I feel like it, the best thing for this project is to turn it into a one-hour cable drama where our greatest problem becomes our greatest strength, which is the depth of story. And now instead of trying to tell this over two hours, we're telling it over five or six seasons. And you get to really take it out and let it breathe and and really air out these moments and get in these really rich details and stories that we just couldn't get into a film. And um, fortunately, uh, it was something that, you know, Soderbergh agreed with. It was right when he had just done Behind the Candelabra. And he was coming out with the Nick on uh, on Cinemax with Clive Owen, and sort of at the time he was like, yeah, "I agree with you. I think one hour cable drama is the only growth area of the industry." So um, you know, t- it's like turning around the Queen Mary. I mean, now you got a film script that needs to be, you know, two hour film that needs to be charted into five different seasons worth of story and then a pilot needs to be written. Everybody's deals needs to be reworked and you got to get a... I mean, it just took forever. Are you see in this like a level of... Because I'm sure that in this throughout this story there's a lot of brutal mob things where a guy gets his hand broke or fingers chopped off. Lots of things. We know the yeah. stories. Yeah, Are you fun. seeing this a level of intensity like Breaking Bad or more like... And I heard you mention The Nick because that is a show that when I started watching I was not prepared. For the intensity of that show, or more like the Nick, which is a surgical show where they he just you just watch Clive Owen murder people at some points. I mean, I think I, I think um, tonally, I think this is probably a little bit lighter than like Ray Donovan. I think it probably is. There's a room for a lot of comedy. Um, without uh, look, what I think Breaking Bad did really well is that you um, you were able to laugh. And it made it, there were a lot there was a lot of levity in it and a lot of lighter moments without the expense of the edge of your seat kind of uh, suspense and anxiety and fear and intensity of those more uh, heart pounding moments. And I yeah. think this is a, a, the kind of show that obviously you know when you're talking about the Latin drug world and you're talking about the Italian mafia. There's going to be a lot of machismo. There's going to be a lot of violence. But you're also talking about a guy like a comedy of errors, a guy who's literally just spinning plates in the circus. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. just trying to do so many things at the same time that you have a lot of room to to sort of uh, take the air out of some of those moments and and laugh at it. So I think it's I mean, you know, it's I I have a lot I. I have an ironclad belief in the story because I know it so well, and I'm I'm pretty convinced that if we can get it to the air, it's going to be the kind of thing that really catches fire. That you know, people just go, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And the best part is, it's fucking true. I mean, you know, when you have a a, a story like that's that captivating, and you have the ability to go, "This is a true story." Holy shit, man! And that to me is always more impressive. Is yeah, the actual my, guy going to be heavily involved? The He'll be a consultant, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and um, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, look, the guy put his life on the line every day for twenty-seven years to protect innocent people, and uh, you know, yeah, there had to be like department picnics, though, right? Like, not every day, right? Like, there was a few 
I mean, you know, days, right? Where we got hot dogs and ice well, cream. Well, that, that is that's very fair, Kyle. Because if he was pissed off at with the Italians and the Hispanics the whole time, he would not have been a good agent. So there had to be lots of good times where he was like going over having big meals with the Italians and the whole time being like, oh man, I hope I don't respond to Alan right now. I'd be so fucked. Like, yeah, you always well, hear about the tension and the tense moments of like proving you are the guy that you say you are. Like in Reservoir Dogs right. when he's telling the bathroom story and they're like, uh, nothing you can do but shit your pants and you know, all that, all that crap. But I'm sure there's plenty of like, I'm balling out with the fucking organized crime syndicate of this city and we're getting all the women and cocaine and like the Trips best to seats at the nightclub and the best bottle service and the car will be waiting and the boy will fucking jerk the door open when he sees me coming and like there's got to be some of that too and I like that in those stories but that's my favorite part of those stories. You know, yeah. he told me a, he told me a story that uh, I'll never forget like a moment that I just thought was really um explained everything that made this guy such a savant at his job. He said, after every deal, I would propose a toast. And he said, uh, it, uh, my hand never shook, and theirs did. And I'm the guy wearing a wire. I'm the guy that gets killed if I'm found out. You know, he, a dude just had ice in his veins. And there are certain people that are literally just the undisputed best ever at what they do, whether it's See, now, if he Michael had this Gordon quality not shying away, you know, from the big moments, or this guy, like, it's, you know, he just built for it. See, see like, if he'd been born, like, 50,000 years ago, he'd be the guy who walks right up big and bad to the cobra and picks it up, like, what are you all afraid? And he's just dead. He's just dead. Like, in the ancient world, that, that, that evolution... No, 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 no. What he would have done is he would have convinced the cobras that he was one of them. <laughs> over time, and then slowly turned t- turned the screw down on all of Cobra society. Make it safer for humans. Cobra. No, well, I, 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 I feel like that's been evolutionary, like taken out of most of us. Like fear is a good thing. There's a reason we all have fear. You know, all of us, for the most part. Like when you hear about someone who's just fearless or has that aspect of being able to keep their hands steady like oh, that. I, I'm not afraid of snakes. Well, then your ancestors were fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. That's like not you a good should thing. be. You should be. I'm not afraid yeah. of creepy-looking, colorful insects. Well, there's a reason that... Why are you lying to me? Because you still have that part of your human brain that goes, Ah! A red bug! Because you know that at some point, one of your ants got bit 50,000 years ago and went, Ah, that was annoying, and then was dead half an hour later. And then all the humans knew, look out for that thing. I just are we talking somebody about talking about this, uh, that they, they <laughs> did a, a test with, uh, with baby chicks, and they had, uh, like, different birds fly over baby chicks, and they didn't... They didn't respond. But then when they flew like a hawk, you know, some sort of raptor, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? A hawk or, or, or something over the baby chicks, they went nuts because they had some wiring in their DNA from previous des- uh, uh, generations that recognized the impending danger of that bird versus this bird. You know yeah, what sure. I mean? Flags start and, going off when they yeah. see a fucking raptor above them. And, it's, there, it's hard and there's, there's like, you know, there's you get the same feeling about people. I mean, sometimes you're in a situation and you just get a chill and you just realize... I got a bad feeling about this situation. I got a bad feeling about this guy. And, you know, what I find so interesting is this guy was literally conning those people. Like, he was 
going into situations where he's surrounded by the people who engender that kind of fight or flight, I got a creepy vibe from this person, and he was winning them over. And I think a lot of it, you know, based on what he was saying, a lot of it is like the ability to uh, profile people and understand how to get in with them, how to become accepted or feared or whatever your goal is, how to manipulate them. And it's, you know, it's sort of an instinctive thing. I mean, he just, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's something that like, I don't think it's something anyone could learn. You just either know how to do that shit or you don't. No, most people couldn't even fool one group of people that long because you just slip I mean, up. Why to my wife, dude? Yeah, or be you like, know? "Hey, uh, why you suddenly start to talking like a Mexican?" Or like they're like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> I didn't meet. This is uh, you know, this is you know, Diego Day." Not you have to start you know, admitting to mo multiple personality yeah. disorder and explain to them that Carlos comes out sometimes and and hey, he'll get you some good coke, but don't worry, Carlos won't rat you out. He's just one of my personalities. That's, like you're. Right. That's the scariest part about thinking if you're in a, that situation. And you fuck up for him. It's not like they could say like, uh, you know, see you later, Diego. You're fired. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually Jose. Oh shit. They're gonna be like, oh, that was weird of him. Let him go home. Like it's no. It's like you're you're done. Like one strike and you're out from either side. Like if you accidentally say like, man, I, I really miss my dog back home in Maryland. And they're like, uh, you've never been to Maryland. <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh, oh, I guess his parents are from Maryland now. All right, tie him up. Let's go see what's in Maryland, shall we? Like, like that, that kind of shit. That is the level of uh, like when he went undercover with the Gambinos. He knew where the headstones were for the people that he had picked out yeah. to be his parents. If anybody put a gun to his head, he could take you to the cemetery and show you these are my parents. And, it, and, and you know, he talks about, like, the, the amount of thinking on your feet, right, and, and improvising. He talked about going to a diner. He was going to buy a bunch of Coke from um, uh, from some gangbangers, right? And and he got, you know, he goes to the diner. He's supposed to meet two guys. And he gets to the diner, and when they show up, there are four guys. And they go, uh, uh, we, you know, we our buddy's in the car with it, right? And so he goes out, and now there's two more guys in the car. So now there's six of them and one of him, and he was only anticipating two guys, and they go, um, yeah, we didn't bring it, it's right around the corner at this house, we got in a safe house, let's go there. And he just had that, like, I, I'm gonna get killed. Like, if I get, if I get in this car, I'm gonna get killed. Yeah. But he also didn't wanna give up his identity, right? So he goes, uh, oh, um, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta call, uh, he, he, like, he was portraying a, uh, a Cuban, right? And he goes, um, I got to call my madrina, which is a Santorian priestess, right? Because a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, Colombian guys or, 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 or uh, excuse me, Latino guys, uh, some, some cultures practice Santeria, which is sort of a mystical sort of voodoo-y religion, right? And these guys would go to their madrina and clear a certain location for a certain crime. I'm supposed to go to this place. Am I going to be okay? And they would, like, 
sacrifice a chicken and you know burn incense mm-hmm. and they would have this like little voodoo ritual and she would bless the event so he goes uh, i uh, yeah i just got to call my madrina and clear the new location with her and that they were like okay like that they respected that didn't set off alarm bells. I got to call my yeah. witch doctor and yeah. see if, and if so they approved the 7-Eleven around the corner. Goes into the, the, the phone booth, calls the FBI, and is like, <laughs> they want to move the meat, and all of a sudden, you know, a van rolls up and a bunch of agents jump out, and they bust everyone, and they open up the trunk, and sure enough, duct tape, guns, and the guys cop to it. They're like, yeah, we're going to kill him and take his money, you know? I mean, it, it, like, you know, that that kind of like just having to think on your feet, sense the situation. I get yeah, a bad. Inc- I, there's a zero percent chance I would have been able to do that. They'd be like, "Hey, come around the corner," you know. I'll give it to you there. I'd be like, "I guess." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, if my my fake Italian boss told me I had to get these drugs. <laughs> you know, I don't want my or other I'd fake like life upset me. Feel like a girl and run away. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> She's like no, I'm gonna wait in the diner. Yeah. But no, uh, I would listen, not know to summon a witch doctor. No. I think it's, uh, it's going to be I, like. Hopefully, it gets made and you guys get to watch it. But it's it's a story that I just can't get enough of. Yeah, that sounds excellent. It sounds yeah, like yeah, an awesome yeah, story. I, I hope I it gets see made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, guys, I got to go feed my kids, man. It's uh, almost six thirty here in LA. I got to go feed the critters. But uh, this has been awesome, man. Yeah, I, we really enjoyed having you. You've got some uh, tour dates coming up, right? Yeah, I'm going to be at uh, Mohegan Sun. I'll be at Comics at Mohegan Sun Casino in Uncasville, Connecticut, March uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th. And I'll be at uh, Denver Comedy Works um, June 8, 9, and 10. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you. You got it, guys. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. All right. I'm going to slip in another ad read here. And uh, and then uh, we can transition. I really enjoyed our guest. He was a lot of fun, huh? In all sincerity, I hope that show gets made. That sounds awesome. Like yeah, I like yeah. the undercover mafia stuff. Anyway. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, this episode of Painkill Already is being sponsored by our friends over at Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, or online store, make your next move with Squarespace. With easy-to-use tools, you can create beautiful websites with Squarespace's all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever and you can create a beautiful website or online store with an award-winning template uh squarespace's award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online squarespace also offers a unique domain experience that's fully transparent transparent and simple to set up trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world squarespace is used by a wide range of creatives and people uh, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants and more everybody needs their own corner of the internet today so get started and uh, start your free trial over at squarespace.com slash pka for 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com slash pka. Begin the next move in your career today with Squarespace. Yeah, I like that guy. That was fun. Um, it, it was interesting to get his, uh, his input on, on all of that shit, right? Like, I, I, I like... I always like hearing that the guy who's making the silly voices and being goofy and in, in shows like and uh, in the in the shows you know they're adults that they're not like some sort of fake individual that's not a a real human being. It's it's funny that he's like trying to sneak the dick jokes in and stuff. Yeah, he was great. Um, I don't know. He was, is that what do you say? He was a great guest. I yeah. haven't had a lot to say tonight. I feel bad. No, um, I, I feel like we should we should. I I felt like the first half we were saving you. 
but because because now is when we need you. That's what that's the way I was looking at it. Is like we're saving Woody for the second half, dude. Like like whenever Taylor comes back, we'll we'll, we'll talk about some paranormal <coughs> stuff because 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 I, I want to. I think maybe that's had something to do with with your 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 illness. That's here. your theory. All right, we'll wait for Taylor Perhaps. to come back. And uh, and I want to talk about the the Nike hijabs that uh, that they're uh, that they've put out there. Um, you know what we could talk about while he's gone? I have mm-hmm. a topic. So, um, apparently, there's a, the, the U.S. Marine Corps has a Facebook group. It's hidden. I tried to find it. Uh, Facebook groups are something I'm like good at now because that's where all the paramotor yeah. people meet. And uh, I could not find this Marine Facebook group. Or if I could, it, I didn't have good stuff. They're posting nudes. They're pretty much getting their female marine counterparts to have sex with them or pose or whatever, and then sharing these pictures for everyone who's not getting laid to fap to. And uh, I, I put on my detective hat and I, I started like looking around for all these naked female marines, you know, because it's, it's for science for the show. And uh, yeah, if you search for naked marines. There's a lot of marine cock, and, and you know Google didn't come up with much at all. So of course I went to Bing, uh, you know where the nudes are found, and uh, lots of naked dudes, lots and lots of naked dudes, a few women in there. But I don't think I found this jackpot. But uh, I, I should share the the story. I saw. I read the CNN article um, about oh. the the female marine who can't leave her house now. Yeah, is this about it? Yeah, it yeah. could be. This is the LA Times, but. Um, yeah, I don't. I thought it was an interesting, interesting thing to talk about. And what's funny is like, so I'm not that well versed in like marine law or anything like that. But the NCIS is after them, you know, yeah. and uh, apparently they're opening hundreds of lawsuits or whatever. And the NCI, uh, the the Marines are just like, come at me, NCIS. You can't find me. You don't know anything. They're they're totally banking on the incompetence of uh, whatever the NCIS is. It sounds like the Marine Police Force, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting story. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It, it, that, that's not cool. I like it when I I like the girls who like to take naked pictures of themselves and put put them up for us to see because they're into that. I, right. This is the antithesis of that. I don't care for it one bit because um, mm. you know it's it's messing up this girl's life. That's not cool. Um, you know, she was being the kind of girl that we all hope we to should meet. encourage. And, right. <laughs> and she was punished for for, for that. And, and and this sets and even. Even delving into looking for those pictures, I feel if I were to do such a thing, would 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 justify such actions, and I and I shan't do it. I shan't. It's a I sacrifice agree. I made I'll for the show. I'll let Kyle do it for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna let Woody sacrifice his morals on, on, on behalf of me. <laughs> it's a service <laughs> I offer. It would seem. Yeah. And then if you look, it's only like half as bad because well, someone else I, found it. It turns out that when you finally find a naked woman uh, who happens to be in the Marine Corps, she is very much like the other trillions of naked women on the internet. It's, it's uh, nothing that you, they're just regular people. Yeah. 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 You almost need like a beret or something. So you're like, Ooh, that is military. (laughs) Most of the pictures they're like in semi, semi dressed and you know, they're, they're like out halfway out of their uniform or something. I I notice, which seems like a foolish thing to do. To me, like the barracks, like they're obviously, I I feel like, Oh, if I was in the Marine Corps, I would identify all this like us issue shit around the room and stuff like, Oh, that foot locker hanging out. And it says like trooper six, five, six, one, two, four, 78, 92. And it's like, all right, well, we know, we know which troopers tits those are just because you brought your face out of the camera. Like, I feel like, you know, the girl could take a picture in the Duke dorms and there's 
50,000 people who can instantly identify like, oh yeah, that is the Duke dorms. That's, you know, this or that. It's because there's like a bunch of weird like geometry people out there. You know, have you ever seen those posts on 4chan where people will say like, hey, look at my uh, gains or whatever. And I have seen one recently. You know, my stats. I'm I'm 5'10". I weigh 160. I do this, that, and the other. And someone will post just being an asshole and be like, you said you were 5'10". I triangulated the doorknob. Given standard American doorknob height, since you said you're from America, you're no more than 5'3". And then it's like a fight of people doing that. And it's like, God damn, the guy would like post his work with like like he had like a protractor basically like yeah, showing it was where amazing. It, the it was angles so were well it was done. like imagine if you could weaponize that autism in a different direction <laughs> <laughs> if you had that guy flying drones the war in the middle east would have ended years ago because Dude, he would have stayed after he would the have guys you want going. flying drones are uh, are the video gamers like I, I, it, I don't think, think so they, I because think they may, might do that right didn't yeah, Socrates like crush at that do. We don't need the video gamers because it's not like a video game. It's more like, it, it's more like a, a, a an RTS or something. More like a real. You're like click click. Yeah, destroy that. That's who you need. You need maybe the RTS guy because because I don't think you're like piloting it in and doing That's maneuvers. True. You're more like all right, fly this fucking hmm. flight pattern. Oh, you see a thing? Fucking go into holding pattern B, which is like a zigzag circle that it makes that's hard to see or whatever at, at X altitude. Okay, release ordinance. You know, I, and, I don't uh, think they're like. There's a logical part of me that thinks you're right, but uh, a much more jovial part of me wants you to be wrong. I want oh, yeah, I I like skills on. I want to. When he like, pushes the button and he like, and like like, like goes down I, head first into the Batmobile and starts. I want them to be looking point. at the zombie leaderboards and be like, "Dude, here's an Xbox controller. Now we need you to beat ISIS." And and the guy like, <laughs> you know, just like, "Oh yeah, I've been training for this my whole life." Like, I, I want drones to literally be like, "Are you an Xbox or a PS4 guy?" Just let me know. We'll give you the. You know, our, our drone works off both. You want it to be like this. These old like Sega wheel things where you're driving it around in the sky. Like another reason I don't think it would be good is they also have video games, basically video games. If a drone's a video game, then they also have video games for brain surgery where they used to it was more of a thing where it's like, all right, let's open that skull up like you're unzipping a handbag. And then over time they're like, all right, we can do this without ruining the the skull and scalp. And so they make little holes. And so it's like almost like the doctor will be using a controller to control teeny little yeah. instruments inside your brain. And if you were like, all right, you could have Dr. Ben Carson or you could have Optic Scumpy, Scuffy, <laughs> whatever his name is. I'm going to be like, give me Dr. Ben Carson. Give me someone no, who... No, I want who, you to 360 no-scope yes, that aneurysm. Fucking make it happen, Scumpy. <laughs> scumpy. It's a scumpy. Is that his name? Uh-oh. Oh yes, I think it is. Well, is it uh, Scuffy? It might Scuffy? be Scump. I don't, I don't know. I should know Whatever. this. Whatever. Point being, Sorry. I'd rather have a, an actual doctor do it than optic whoever or or uh, phase whatever the fuck. Like no, I. Oh my god, can you imagine the mayhem they would wreak on your brain as they tried to like quick diffuse ninja diffuse your uh, your brain tumor? <laughs> oh my god, I, I've got like I got sunscreen on and I keep like crying from laughing and the sunscreen keeps getting in my eyes and it's burning so goddamn bad. All right, oh. so I want to talk about Woody's ailment because I, it, it just seems like it's really corresponding with your flights and I fear that perhaps while at altitude you've been exposed to chemtrails. Yeah, maybe a, maybe you're inhaling some biological or chemical agents while it out. No, brought that up as a point. I'm <laughs> noticing 
a very similar response to when I was in the Marines and I was personally targeted by chemtrails. Right? Yes, per perhaps that's classified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you've been real fucking sick for. Oh a my god, second now. dude, I'm. It's even sure it hurts my throat. I'm, <laughs> I'm worse than it than I let on. So like, like, and I, not like I could be burned alive and not care or anything, but I'm actually really good at tolerating discomfort. You know, it, it could be camping or hiking or whatever. Like, you know, if I need to sleep in a car, if I'm sick, I, I, I kind of just like mind over matter, minor discomfort. This shit is really getting me down. I didn't sleep last night. Um, I slept two hours this afternoon, but I, I literally was up all night. If I, like, I was trying to sleep and then like I'm coughing, I'm, it's not doing well and then the sleep apnea like i'll wake up in like six minutes or something and it's like well fuck you know that, that didn't work and uh and then this morning like my my mother-in-law had chemo treatment my dog got like badly cut on his leg and like everyone just had shit to take care of so there's it's not like i could just sleep during the day and um i uh i'm i'm really having a hard time i've been to three doctors so far and yeah, uh, the most recent one thinks I have some sort of uh, antibiotic resistant bacterial infection or something. Oh, that's the worst. That's going to take a while to get over. Uh, like not to be the, the, the harbinger of doom and gloom, but that's sort of like anything respiratory. Like it's in there, She thought right? it'd be two like, days. She thought I'd be better in two days. Uh, we'll mm. see. That would mean tomorrow. Um, uh, did they the, get, what did they, I'm sorry. Did they give you antibiotics? Yeah, they did. Like, yeah. Like, like, a, like a new, exactly. Like here, the super antibiotics, the antibiotics, oh. if I don't take them with food, I'll vomit apparently. And the, uh, I have this inhaler and can we get the name of them? I'm so curious. Uh, I, I mean, I could make it happen. I'd, I'd love that. I could make it happen. I'd, I'd love the name of the pantry. antibiotics. The, know, uh, like, the inhaler I take, me. if I don't brush my teeth and eat afterwards, I'll get thrush. If you don't know what thrush is, it's like a mouth yeast infection. Yeah, um, you're on steroidal uh, inhalers. I, I'm on Maybe. I'm on two inhalers. I don't even know. I'm just doing everything I can. Yeah, anti-inflammatory. Like I'm really trying, and uh, shit. Uh, and I'm um, I'm not sleeping. Like I go to the doctor, they put this like oxygen sensor thing on my finger, and they're all like, "Ooh, like that." That's not good. And uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not having productive breathing. And uh, shit. Um, Right? Like, wow, uh, that is something that you never want to hear the doctor say. You don't want to hear them say, you know what, your breathing isn't very productive. Because mm. that's something you need uh, You need all the time. You're not getting much done with that, are you? Again, yeah, apparently I'm breath stacking. That's like a problem I have, which which means like yeah. I'm... On the stack, <laughs> completely exhaling. Completely, yeah. you're, you're, exactly, no, I'm not exhaling. So then like... <laughs> <laughs> so then, like when I breathe, the next time it's just like used air that's less not very air. good. And you're getting less and less pure oxygen. <laughs> oh, I think this is so funny to me. Just the, like, <laughs> I can still remember being a kid at a birthday party, and there were balloons everywhere. Obviously, very young, so there's cake and balloons and all that shit. And the balloons weren't like tied up up in the air. This is near the end of the party. They're just a bunch of balloons laying around. And the only balloons that had ever been floating were the kind in those foil, you know, that you get at florists. Mylar. Oh, I know where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of balloons all over the ground. And near the end, you know, one of the adults ripped one of the, the mylar balloons and sucked it in and then did the Ilya boys and it was so funny and so all the kids were going around to oh. <laughs> on the ground and opening them and inhaling it. I remember watching and I didn't do it. I, or I may have, maybe I'm blocking it out. And then now looking back, I'm realizing like they were inhaling that the birthday boy's dad and grandpa's 
breath. They're just yeah. inhaling old man breath trying to get out of here. Oh, just... <laughs> That's how Grandpa blows up the balloons. He's just hacking it to him every time. If Kyle blew up a balloon and then he gave it to me and said, breathe from this, I'd be grossed out. And I'm sure yeah, you would be. Sure. Vice versa. Yeah, because there's a lot of moisture in there, too. You're When you exhale, all right, so if, you, if you've ever been yeah. in a car, if you've ever been in a car, like, car. for an extended period of time with it turned off, like you're hanging out in a car park somewhere, like the windows fog up, and that's from the moisture, from the air you're exhaling over and over. That's why, you know, if you're in the and desert... And there's something you, going on. Like, you know, you've you had pizza breath, right? So what is that pizza breath exactly? Is there some sort of digestive leakage in you? There is... Right? There, there, pizza. Yeah, there are... <laughs> They're floating around, a mist of them. And I guess yeah. over time, they sort of stick to the sides of the balloon, and, and, and they just be there. But the Could problem be. is, they're sitting in the hot sun. So the sun comes down, it, it, <sighs> it, it makes all that liquid spit that has like condensed to the bottom of the balloon like fucking vaporize again and go back into the air and so yeah they're totally inhaling some sort of that's how you get fucking uh, uh tuberculosis or something right there uh, maybe that if you start coughing up blood that maybe it, that that, that it, it's starting to worry me you're, you're sounding real bad over there man yeah i you you're on a roller coaster of progress because a couple of weeks ago it was like oh man you're sounding rough and then yeah. for the next maybe pkn pka i was like he's fine like he's he's as good as fine because it's just you, you you pretty much sounded fine and then now you've taken a very unexpected Shyamalan twist back down to the pit and you're you sound like you're in more pain than ever are, are you even in pain or is it more just discomfort and restlessness and or not even restlessness um, so tired you can't sleep that I'm, sense? I'm not breathing well i'm exhausted uh I, I have like shit to do sometimes too right like you know that uh so i just sort of power through it and it's um it's been a bit of a hardship on me you feel weak like oh just, yeah like, just like, so, have, you, have you read mono Nuclear mono. Uh, like, no, I like haven't had mono. It's like, it was like when you have that, yeah, mononucleus, it's like a super long flu. I had that years and years ago. And it was honestly like like a flu you could deal with so I didn't have it super bad. But even then, like going to the store and like lifting up like a bag of groceries or like a, a 30 pack of water or something, it's like, this is not that heavy. But when you have it, you're just like, oh, oh <laughs> this is so heavy. Like this is, it, there can't be that much water in here. Is this heavy water Our... from a nuclear plant? <laughs> You know? <laughs> Our um, refrigerator broke, and uh, so it just feels like we've been shoveling the contents of our refrigerator. Like it, the refrigerator broke, so we took everything in it and put it in the guest house refrigerator, and then it started working again. So we took like half of those things, like you know, the things we're using all the time, put it back in the other refrigerator, and then the refrigerator was getting like we bought a new one. So we took out this miraculously recovered refrigerator and uh you know emptied it so we when the new one would come and so yeah i have been carrying like 30 pounds of juice and mustard and who knows what back like shuttling it back and forth between houses every day for the last couple of days and of course it's always like 11 30 p.m when we're doing it or something like you know what you're sick and you're the dad and colin and hope are at the age where if you were my dad and you were sick, there's a 0% chance you would have been carrying or moving those groceries at all. It would have been us. Like that, that is, Hope and Colin are old enough now that you can conscript them on yeah, errands. And Hope has like stepped up fabulously. Like, you know, last night, uh, what did she do? She fed Colin. She got him. She, she picked out his clothes, put him in the shower. She ordered pizza. So dinner was just kind of handled. She has her own credit card now. Like everything just fucking done. Uh, today when we had, I, you know, come like rush hour traffic not long before pka uh they had to get the dog from the vet because he had stitches and 
you know, she, whatever. There she is, driving for the next two and a half hours, getting the dog from the vet. And she's been great, but um, uh, still, just I don't know. That must be awesome as an, as a parent to get to that point where one of the kids starts driving and you suddenly realize, like, wow, it sucks that Uber was invented now because I just grew my own driver that I can now <laughs> use for anything all the time. Like, hey, uh, across town, there's a lot of traffic, and I've been busy flying all day in this wonderful house I provide for our family. And so you go, go ahead, pick up the uh, whatever salsa fresh that place is that you like. I do like that you place. You do it. You come back. Yeah. I remember you talking about that. Hope, um, she's been so great. Like, I had a talk with her about it. I'm like, man, you know, like, it's so, like, for example, when my wife was pregnant, I was great. Like, I was just, I don't know. Like it, I don't. It seemed like I needed to be right. So she couldn't tie her own shoes. She couldn't pick up things off the ground. Whatever. I was just. She was basically handicapped, and I stepped up. And then I didn't realize this would happen. But for like the next fifteen years, I got credit for that. People were just like, man, <laughs> like her third trimester came around, and Woody was just the perfect husband. You know, like I just like I just she needed help. Like it wasn't that you big put a deal. In three awesome months. Yeah, and that's like. Like an oh. obscure record you broke in a professional league that isn't the most impressive record, but no one's ever going to touch it. And so it's like you got your own little echelon in history. <laughs> yeah, like I, I get, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess compared to the other brother-in-laws or something, I was just unquestionably helpful. And uh, well, that might not be true. I don't know. That's what it, it feels like. So, uh, um, so this is like where hope is because right now we have. Um, my mother-in-law here and she's sick and hope has just been stepping up and being great hope uh, hope turned out well i feel like it's funny because you're on youtube and you put mm -hmm. yourself in a position to be criticized and uh, um raising hope like i remember when she was like 13 or something we we're kind of tight on her we were just loosening up the reins with things like going to the movies by our, herself and and whatever and uh uh Everybody would just like, oh my God, you have a protective, you're gonna get this, you're gonna get that, things are gonna go terribly wrong. And and now she's at a point where like she, you know, she's got kind of free reign. You know, we're treating her almost like she's the college kid she'll be next year. And uh and she got into UNC, which we're very proud of. It's an excellent school. And I just wanna be like, huh. Well now the score is posted, doubters. You know, <laughs> like all oh, you guys talking about how we don't know how to raise kids. We're raising some pretty fantastic kids, I think. Like so. the, it was weird to watch, like when I was going to college, like my parents were of the mind of like, he's going to college. There's no point this year or so before for us to be super strict and be like, you can't drink. You can't do these things with your friends where it's like, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. You know, we can just kind of try and give him guidance. It was the parents who locked their kids down basically for that summer before college. You'd be like, hey, Caleb, you want to come hang out? We're going to go have a bonfire, whatever the fuck. No, I can't. I got I to gotta do pre-college prep. And it was like, yeah, that's <laughs> fucking high school. We just finished it. <laughs> like, let's, let's hang out for the summer. And those are the kids that went balls to the wall bananas more than anyone. It's because they finally get a little bit of freedom. And they don't just take it to be like, hey, this is just another night drinking with friends. You know, obviously you still go too much because you're in college. But they take it to, like, danger town of, like, oh. You know, if weed was a lie, then heroin must have been too. Or, or all these things aren't that dangerous. But yeah, you're doing the right thing and giving her some more leeway. So it's not just a collapse of freedom and subsequent implosion, which yeah. happens so much freshman year because people are like, oh my God, these classes are so easy. And in high school, they said it would be hard. And it's like, yeah, of course, these are the ones you're supposed to get an A on so that three years from now, you can afford to see if you need it. Like, 
Ah, so many people ruin that for themselves. But <laughs> she's doing well, and she'll—I I have faith she'll she'll do. She really just is. Fine. Sometimes we like thrust the freedom upon her, you know. Like you, have, here's a car. You need this, you know. I, I want you to start like doing things on your own. Um, anyway, yeah. So she's got it. Yeah, she's she's doing great. She's doing really great. And and she um she's been pulling for most of high school a lot of extracurricular extracurricular activities. She was doing uh, robotics. She was doing um the speech thing and then she was doing uh, she's ranked like 32nd in the nation in speech or something it's really high it might be oh. even the teens i fucked it up i think it's 13th and um uh and then she was the lead of the play and the play just ended and speech is like kind of wrapping up all she has left is nationals and i'm like you know how's school going like it seems like you're like not trying as hard as you were before and she's like i'm crushing it i've got a paper due on like monday of next week and i finished wednesday you know the week before she's like five to, i never had that situation if i had a paper due on monday then that was like what i would, what you could expect from my sunday afternoon and if that and uh she just like all her work is done she's way ahead of schedule and everything she just without the extracurriculars just like crushing her time she's has an easy time with high school that was a great feeling in any level of school <coughs> where you finished like a paper or a project like three days before it was due. And that feeling was always so good leading up to it because you could like get that visceral panic from all your friends around you who didn't do it. Yeah. But even with that oh. like uh, dopamine drip of like, oh, it feels so good to be done, it still like didn't happen ever. Where it'd be like, like it was like where you get so much satisfaction from fantasizing and thinking about doing it early that like you'd get that like masturbatory fantasy out of the way where it'd be like wow imagine me walking into lunch tomorrow and sitting with all my high school friends and being oh yeah that big project due next month done banged it out last night no biggie and then like the thinking about having that conversation everybody going wow taylor that's impressive is enough for you to go ah, i can wait i don't know why i didn't do better in high school like they would be that impressed anyway. tony yeah, robbins they'd be like whatever tony robbins talks about this pleasure pain pain principle pleasure pain principle and uh, he's like everyone makes all their decisions based on you know the pleasure and the pain that they'll receive from it when you decide to go to the gym or not go to the gym you're deciding what you're like yeah you know what do i like more what's going to make me feel better we'll go into the gym do it or we'll just like laying on netflix laying on the couch watching netflix do it both can be pretty pleasurable one's a little delayed whatever and uh why is it i went through high school just fucking f flagellating myself what is it when you whip you know, it's flagell flagellation yeah. Why did I do that to myself all through high school? I felt terrible about me. I nearly killed myself. I, I literally tried to commit suicide, mostly over the fact that I thought I had no future. Yet somehow, I'm making these pleasure pain decisions to put off this work, to not do this work, to be a poor student, even though it was like wrecking everything about me. And you know, it, it was hard to dig out of that hole. But somehow, I just... Because people are very, very pressured by instant gratification. And it takes a little bit of self... That's why, like, if you tried to explain to a dog through pictures or something, like, you could have one steak now for the entire cow in half an hour. And if somehow you communicated it to the dog, as soon as you said, ready, go, it would eat the steak because it doesn't have the capacity for it. And humans, it seems, aren't that much better at it all the time, where it's like, you know, I really should work out. That's a lot of effort, though, and I probably won't see results in weeks, months, whatever. I'll just, you know, this box of Cheez-Its can't make me that much fatter. Mm. And that's pleasure right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Extra toasty pleasure. Extra toasty pleasure? <laughs> Never heard of that. I want to watch this video. Can we, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I, sure. I, 
I was uh, I found this on Reddit, and uh, I think it was. It, I may be Explain wrong. I may be misremembering it. Yeah, don't click it yet. Don't, I, don't get the spoiler. I'm cute at zero. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, this was. It may have been in a subreddit called Jesus Christ Reddit. That's like <laughs> Jesus Christ Reddit. Like right. you've sunk to this new low. It's worse than and, what the fuck. See, see. <laughs> oh, it, this video began its life in the watch people die uh, subreddit, but someone made it a bit more jovial and uh, and added <laughs> a bit of music to it. Watch oh, people die. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm queued up at zero. I'm ready, I guess. Ready, set, play. This guy die. Watch this child going south and north. That's a well. And that's that! <laughs> You know what? Even if you if you die falling down a well, I wonder who they call to get you back out. Because someone's got to get you. They you just need a rope and a hook, you know? Just... No, that's too insensitive. They'd let someone sure. repel them. Sure. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I don't care for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's Some stuff... You just really dying, dressed it up. But, uh... I, you know what? I had a hard time. So I watch... um, Like, no, no, no. Yes, and I love that thing where, like... like I don't know, a truck hits something and explodes and somehow all the pieces of it manage not to hit the person. Yeah, you know? the people all escape miraculously out of a fireball or whatever. Exactly. Um, but there's one call that had to hurt. Oh my God. That is hard to watch. It's I'm unfamiliar. Uninitiated. Oh, like, okay. There's two guys and a girl. Girl puts her leg on like a two foot tall wall. You know, like maybe okay. one or two cinder blocks. And for reasons I can't explain, one of the guys just fucking, like, curb stomps her on the knee and bends it backwards. Ah! The fuck? Like, like, or just, like, people doing things wrong. Like, oh, I'm going to jump from this roof to this trampoline. And then, you know, he falls to the trampoline and he doesn't get up again. He's really hurt, you know. Uh, One guy did a trust fall. And uh, he's like, watch, I'm going to do a trust fall, right? But he's not doing a trust fall like everybody else does, where maybe like you stand behind me and promise to catch me. No, no, no. I'm going to do it from the top of a garage. And it's your job to catch me underneath. The catcher didn't seem to take this responsibility very seriously, right? The guy on the roof was like, oh, I've got total faith in this wonderful human. The catcher was like a big, fat strongish guy it seemed but he wouldn't even get in position to catch him like he didn't really figure out where he was going and when the other guy got really hurt the catcher did did, it was just like ah you know because yeah like i really feel like yeah right like yeah you know you win some you lose some dude you (laughs) fucking buddy just fell off a garage onto the floor uh that had to hurt is a tough one to watch. There's not a lot of deaths. So I, I feel like I have an easier time That's with good. watching people die. There's really? another one called like fucking watching people die or something like that. That's actually yeah. none of them are bad. Fucking die or something like that. Maybe that if I, if I have it right, it sexy? In, in, no, it's never people dying. It's like dog, 16 dogs viciously attack man. And then it's like 
Cute they're all pup- licking his face. They're cute and puppies, like, oh. and they're licking him. Oh, they're just, they're yeah, just yeah. all laughing over there over how ironic and clever <coughs> they are, is what exactly. they're doing. Yeah, they're like this the is, anti. This popular trend, we, we flipped it on its head. Exactly. Exactly. We're hysterical. It's not the same joke over and over, I'm sure. If I uh, yeah, I don't take <laughs> that <see>. bet. <laughs> oh, uh, well, this, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ read it. That was the right one, Kyle. Uh, there's not any pictures on this one. It's a lot of links to posts, and so that yeah. seems like a lot of effort, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot of yeah because if you think about it, that's what it's website. about. It's it, it's it, they don't make original content on Jesus Christ Reddit. They find they find things on the rest of Reddit that are just like oh, Jesus Christ Reddit. This is the new Loeb song too, and then they like cross post it onto uh, over there. Reddit is crazy. It's and Reddit's it's huge. wonderful. I love it. There's it's so huge. Um, it, it's I, I love everything about it. Um, I, I, the, the the political nonsense, the the, the trolling, the shills how that, that big are apparently it is. rampant, being I, paid to post. Yes, I mean I I read this expose on how the Russians are paying for it or whatever. Don't know what's true, but uh, and then you know of course the um, the Donald feels like Hillary's got all these shills out there. I guess still yeah, going yeah. for some reason, and uh, you know they're always combating them. And I, I, I saw, um, you know, I, I didn't talk about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but I, I guess some YouTubers, no idea who, are paying to put their videos at the top of our videos. And then it's like, you know, YouTubers would like pay for shout outs and stuff back in the day. Now they pay for Reddit placement. And it's a really effective way to like, maybe if you think you've got a winner, like suddenly this video, instead of your normal 5,000 views, gets 500,000 views and it can launch your channel. Oh yeah, you, you can buy, like you can buy and farm Reddit for so cheap, like I, comparatively, like you can put a banner out there on Reddit, like you can just go to the bottom and like click advertise with us and look at what they do. And it's like, holy shit, like I could get an, an insane amount of exposure for like, what do you want to put down? $30, $70 a day or something for a <coughs> campaign or whatever you'd want to run? Like it, it would not be hard at all to gain. Really? Now, the, what I'm seeing is they're paying no like 1500 and and Reddit has a... Oh, to get uh, like preferred non-ad disclosed placement? So exactly. It like it's organic? Yeah, that yeah. And it is for sure. And um, I, I, I don't know the details of it, but apparently Reddit's like anti manipulation systems are fairly sophisticated so it's not like i can just open up account and vote something up like they have to have like a a rich user history to look like a real person so these guys would be like oh we've got like 1500 accounts we can get you that many upvotes and all these comments in there and then that'll set a tone that you know kicks this thing off and uh um yeah there's a way to like organically grow videos like that and apparently youtubers are doing it to launch themselves and um I don't know. I mean, really, there's no reason. If you can pay $1,500 or whatever and get half a million views on a video or even a quarter of a million views on a video extra, like, that's that's a great deal. It's not profitable, right? What would that would be about three-quarter million views-ish, right? Depending yeah, yeah, on the it's not going to instantly video. pay for itself. We haven't figured right. out a way to game the world and just make infinite money, but it, it may be that sort of steak or cow sort of thing where, like, we pay a little steak today and we get a cow in a few years. I've yeah, never heard that, but that works great. Yeah, if your content's actually good, then, uh, like, because I remember we used to do um, ads for other YouTubers on PKA, and uh, some guys didn't get a big boost or anything like that, and then there are other guys, like, remember remember Stone Mountain 64 or something like sure, that? Yeah, yeah, he did and, well. 
Yeah, like he blew up. Like he did. Well, it's was... it's entirely it's entirely if dependent they're... upon what we're directing people to. You know, you, if you've yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. if if two companies advertise, one of them sells shit pies and the other one sells delicious strawberry pies, two for a dollar. Like it's clear who's going to sell the most pies. Like it's, right. it has it has very little to do with how good we are at advertising. If there's a disparity between the two, it has more to do with the quality of those shit pies that you are selling. Yeah, like it's occurred to yes. me. Like let's say hypothetically, I brought Woody's Lab into fruition. It's like you know. It wouldn't be the dumbest idea to get like 10, 12 good videos in. Each of them is going to have like 700 views and then like, you know, manipulate Reddit. And if the product is good, it'll be a good investment. Yeah. And nobody will mind that yeah. much. They'll be like, I feel a little weird about being directed here in this fashion, but God <laughs> damn it, he's on to something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe what he did with that thing? So, uh, how vague <laughs> intentionally. Um, <laughs> what if you just drop like 15, 20 grand and just own the whole video's front page for like six hours until yeah. people are like, Who the fuck is this? All these videos are stuck on 713 views. <laughs> this was um, uploaded a week ago and unlisted, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know a guy, he didn't manipulate Reddit. This happened for him organically, but uh, he, he got the same bump that you would if you did manipulate reddit and um i was like wow yeah that shows how effective it can be reddit can be a kingmaker and then i don't go to the videos section that much but it's a default right so oh, yeah. yeah so if it, you're not even up. if you're not even logged in videos are likely to be like the thing that you see no, so i was saying like if you go to the video one you see like not a lot of them but everyone's or i'm sure there probably are if i went there more all those drama videos about youtubers being upset with one another it seems mm. like those always find a way on there and it really makes sense when you think about it because it doesn't take all of reddit to be interested in h3 productions to get it up there you know you just need a really hyper contingent of 8000 people 6000 people whatever to boost it up there and everybody else sees it so you really don't have to be an enormous creator like that and if you get something people care about, I guess drama, you're going to naturally game Reddit in a way. Right? It wouldn't shock me if the drama creators were, I'm not accusing anyone in particular, but it's like if you said, you know what? It turns out the drama section of YouTube, not that moral. Oh, my God. Woe is me. You, you know, like you, you don't say. Uh, you know, that uh, it wouldn't shock me to learn that, that you know, they do that or they've done that or something like that. Oh, hey, I, I wanted to mention this. I, 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 mi I meant to mention it last week, and then I thought I'd messed up, but now things have changed. So I'm selling my 1080 graphics card because I'm making some upgrades. And, From a 1080? Uh, yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to buy that thing, I already sold it once, but now the guy is having to back out because it's not going to fit in his PC case. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relist it probably before you guys hear the show. Um, but I, I think I made my eBay... RSK baby, like maybe RSK dash baby, uh, no, one of did. those. I did. I mean, it was, it's not. It's it's before it was like defaulting to like an email address or something, and I was like, well, let's just make it something so that people can find it if they're interested in getting this thing. But I'm only going <laughs> to list one thing, but it's it's that 1080 graphics card. I'm just trying to get rid of it, and I'm gonna I'm upgrading everything. So, um, so yeah, if anyone's interested in that, go buy it. You got some Patreon questions. A lot yeah. of good ones. Yeah, I have those here somewhere. Yeah, I can't change conversations, so I need it in this one to click it. Yeah, I'm, I'm I am getting it to you right. Too slow! 
right meow. Fuck, Whoa, fuck. Ky- Kyle beat Taylor in copy paste. You know, just to like celebrate this achievement, I clicked on Kyle's. <clears throat> While you pick out uh, some 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 fun questions over there, I'm going to tell everyone a quick word about Blue Apron, right. where incredible home cooking has never been more attainable. Uh, because for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores with Blue Apron. You can prepare delicious, memorable meals yourself in under 40 minutes. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of ingredients required, they are reducing food waste. It's delicious, uh, high-quality food that you can feel good about. Some of the meals available in March include the pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple. Uh, also, the spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash painkiller. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash painkiller. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The best way to cook, arguably. Perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps. Do, are we, uh, are you How well would you double? stand each other if you lived in a three-bedroom apartment? Man, it wouldn't take long for there to be some problems. And I'm going to oh, tell you right man. off the bat, like, like there, would be, there would be huge like, – like Woody snoring, frankly, would, would, be, a, would be a thing. Like, I right? would have like, to get that sorted out. Nobody I'm wants to live with me. Like a, I'm imagining like a $1,600 a month apartment right now. Like, like right. This, these walls We're imagining thin. a small, reasonable one in like a, a, metro, like a downtown in a city, so not big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, like this is not a palace we're in. These are thin walls. I think the snoring would be a real motherfucker. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, apologize to your family. They're the ones. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, like I'm, I'm never going hundreds to of miles away. You can't hurt me anymore. Oh, <laughs> please, anymore. you can't enjoy a movie over Skype with me around. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Me, Chiz, and Woody are watching this movie on Skype, and, 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 and Chiz, like, whispers, he's like, yeah, can you imagine? I really like the cinematography here. Watch this. It's one long uncut shot. And I'm like, yeah, god damn, this guy is good. This is this is the guy who's gonna win the Oscar this year. And I hear <laughs> and it's like Woody has fallen asleep in the middle of this movie. Like we just have gotten <laughs> uh, yeah, Woody's a big fan of open mouth napping. I'm so, so like, sorry. Like, now and then, like on the Skype call while we're simultaneously watching this movie in three different locations, I, like one of us would just go, "Woo!" Like, 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 just hoping that that, that would wake Woody up, and he'd go, oh. <laughs> oh. And Dude. then, like, quickly, I wanted to like question him about like what's currently going on in the movie. Like, what do you think about this all developing? Like, can you believe that his wife is a is a Russian agent? And just to see if he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah," I, my mind's blown. Dude, I don't mean to divert too far from the question. I, I want to talk about the sleep apnea for a second. I haven't talked about it much up until now because I was embarrassed. I feel like it's a fat person's problem. And, uh, like, you know, I, I guess people don't, like, look at me and identify, like, look at Woody, he's so fucking fat. But um, <laughs> That's how I, I talk to myself in the mirror. Self-shaming, you're learning. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, though, it's like, it could be better. Right. And, uh, um, I, so, but like, I've got the sleep apnea of a 400 plus pound man. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's hardcore The I've been to sleep specialists lately and they see my results and they're like, Whoa, like you have severe sleep and they go through the things. I, I think I, 
I woke up something like 47 times an hour and they're like, or, you know, mild is like 10 uh, and then severe starts at 30 and you're at yeah. 47. Like, like, you know, you're like, it was the numbers way out. My blood oxygen drops to like 70 or 67 or something like that. Yeah, like you're scuba diving. <laughs> dude, it's real. That's like a, climbing a mountain. That's a very yeah. bad number. And uh, they're like, you're not getting restful sleep. And they just start listing all the problems that come with not getting the sleep that you should get. Like weight gain is one of them. Memory loss is one of them. Um, uh, like not healing quickly is one of them. I'm just like, oh, my God, I am owning this checklist. Like I've got all these things. And um, I, uh, I, so I had this study done. And then they, they're like, you're, you're going to have to be on a CPAP machine. I'm actually getting a more advanced one called a BPAP. But I was like, nope, fuck that. Those things are stupid. Uh, they're gay. Uh, I'm going to be sleeping next to my wife with this thing. And I wouldn't fuck me. So... Like I don't even know if like I can masturbate. Like, 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 does the one you've got? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, like, does it run all night? Like a nebulizer machine? Like, brrr, like, is there a mini air compressor? I haven't brrr. seen it yet. The one at the so what happens is you take a sleep study and they yeah. figure out if you need one or wh where you are, and then they take another one and I'm gonna mess up the pronunciation, but it's like a CPAP titration test. I don't even know okay. this word. And uh, basically, they've got like a real professional grade unit that can be a CPAP, a BPAP, and then there's a third one I forget, and they can adjust it, and it it's it's the one that they can make a thousand changes to to figure out what works for you. The, the ZZPAP. <laughs> so uh, it, the beard yeah, it can replicate all the things that the customer might need. And uh, it was super quiet. Like, I mean, you would practically have to put your ear on it to hear it. And, cool. um, but I don't know what mine is like. You know, because ah. all I know is like this commercial one that that they use to help people with. So, um, um, people are talking about this stuff being like life changing. Like I've got friends of friends and stuff like that who are like, "Oh, it fixed everything." And I, I the, watch me know actors' names after this. Like, no, that won't happen. But <laughs> <laughs> but like memory loss no, and like the healing and and uh, I. I I oh I, did, I was starting to say so I didn't want this machine because like like again I wouldn't fuck me so uh, I went to an ENT specialist and I was like can we get, like a surgery done you know like just fucking take my uvula and throw it on the floor or, like whatever it takes and uh, he looked and he's like you know like this surgery is successful half the time and it's usually successful when like one person has a particularly weird trait like oh your tonsils are gigantic we'll just remove those and that's clearly the problem um and he's like there's five or six things that that can cause this he's like you have all five or six you know they're not all extreme but like you've got a little bit of everything so you're not a good candidate for surgery this thing already fails half the time on you it's going to fail i think he said like but you could like take care of one of those things right like you could be like all right these tonsils you know they're pretty large let's get those removed and see where we're at oh now you're only waking up 28 times <laughs> I, I, or something like you could work is that an option or you know i thought of this too and and the the ent was like i'll tell you what if you were my brother this wouldn't even be a conversation he's like you got to get the cpap that's the direction that you need to go with the bpap in my case so um i don't know i feel like i could just, like you know what it is I talked about my testicular torsion injury from when I was 15, a couple times here and there uh, throughout my YouTube career. And it's helped a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not fun to talk about. Well, sometimes I have fun. I know Kyle doesn't, but, um, 
Sounds rough. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like if this thing works out for me and I tell people like, hey, if you're having these symptoms and this is what's up, and I bet there's people listening to this who's like significant other or wife or whatever are saying, your snoring is so bad. It's hard to live with you. If that's you, I'll let you know what this thing does for me. Like it might just be a miss or it might be life-changing. And you know how they do like fat acceptance bullshit movements where it's like, it's fine to be 600 pounds. As long as you're arrogant about it, you, <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you could do it, but actually helpful and be like, you know, you don't no reason to fear. I look scary, but it's just a machine, you know, <laughs> no reason to fear the mom. <laughs> you say it. But yeah, that, that would suck. I might be beating people- this sickness if I was getting good sleep. I'm sorry, Taylor. You were saying, no. it, yeah, I, I am. Um, got sleep. I'm I'm really suffering, and uh, um, supposedly next week uh, I'll start on it. So we'll see what's what. Um, I don't know. They, everything's been running so slow, like scheduling wise, that when they told me <coughs> that I'd have it in a week, I was just like, "Yeah, you're probably full of shit as usual." But we'll see. Um, well, I, I hope that all works out well for you. Yeah. So uh, anyway, because because you're a real snore. Like, like like we we joke around about it a lot, but Woody snores very loudly. Like he's not the loudest snore I've ever experienced, but he's on par with them. You know what I mean? Like 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 it, think of the loudest snore you've ever heard. Like it's about the same. And I feel bad. Like internally, I feel like it's my fault. Like like ah, like, you can't do anything about it. Right? Like it's not like was I supposed to like. I don't know. Work harder. Like I I don't know how to like not be a snore. It'd be like getting mad at a sleepwalker. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been mad at it at all. DVDs again. It's like he doesn't know. Just (laughs) asleep. So um. Uh, so it's anyway, it's not like you're like farting in your sleep and like every night, and like like as we're bedding down, you're smiling like pork and beans. Like, mm, I love these beanie weenies. Mm. <laughs> Dutch ovens. I like the chili kind. Uh, I have like a, I have an uncle that almost died from a not almost. Yeah, he could have died from um, sleepwalking when he was in his I guess early twenties maybe. There was a gigantic boombox on the top of like an armoire kind of thing in the living room and he would sleepwalk and just walk around and like i guess he would just grab things and like try and move them and then get bored of it and walk somewhere else and try and move things and he did that and this whole boom box fell and like cracked his skull while he was sleepwalking imagine a worse way to wake up than that (laughs) and you can't even be mad because you did it to yourself like it's your own fault but it's not your fault but man, it, that's it, if when it hit him in the head, it had turned on and started playing some music, and all of a sudden he's just conscious <laughs> in his living room, middle of the night, and he's been hit in the head in the middle of a dance party. Imagine how <laughs> yeah. so take those old records off, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he just starts dancing. Let the, the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Let the bodies. <laughs> what? Um, oh, so how would we do to the other department? Uh, I While I would feel awful about it, the snoring would, would obviously ruin everything. Uh, I, they might play pranks on me that I don't take appropriately. I think we'd, we'd do a good job at, uh, at a lot of things, though, that, that maybe most people who share a... a we do enjoy our time together. Sure, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, that, that once we add like Woody's entire family in his bedroom, though, it's going to be a little cramped, you know, because, you know, we're gonna well, be this is a three amigos deal. There's I, not a fam. He's tagged just Leave them behind. They got to come along too. They're, they're living in his room. All of them. 
picturing him at, like a, my mother-in-law in too. Bed. Come on! We could all enjoy pills together, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the living room. <laughs> oh. That would be. Wrong. I'm gonna Here's die. Here's another one. That's good. Uh, <coughs> your host's body for a month. What do you do? What uh, do you do? Help me now, find it. Is it? And, uh, all right. So, so look, I'm gonna commandeer this this question a little bit because it needs to be a bit more specific. Because I'm imagining that I get to commandeer Taylor's body and he is completely unaware of it. Like I'm I'm like pointing my I magic. I would be walk- in your body doing whatever I wanted. You would be in my body doing whatever you wanted. So you can do whatever you want. At the situation, because then you know I don't like that as much, and I prefer it if like I'm able to just go into your body, your brain just like goes on pause, and you wake up the moment I come out of your body and are alerted to the change. Like a possession. I've- yes, exactly. Like yeah, a I was possession. thinking more like Freaky Friday. You're thinking more like uh, The Exorcist. Yes, I am. But you're not on the inside, occasionally peeking through the void and like. You know, I, I, you know, I'm like, Meals mm. will have you all. Your mother sucked cocks in hell. And Taylor's <laughs> like, get me out of here. Like, like that wouldn't happen at all. You're completely out of it inside me, and I immediately begin the process of getting electrolysis or whatever on every part of my body and completely being, you know, that's where they like use the tweezers that have the electro. They, they like <laughs> they grab the hair and it like shocks through the hair and like kills the root and then they pluck it so the hair never comes back. Have fun putting yourself through that with all the <laughs> hair on know, my body. <laughs> you know, just it's your body. I'm shooting up on heroin and just do it. Do it. I'm going. I'm riding the white dragon, baby. Like, like I'm out. Like I don't know. I don't know. I just wake up and I'm bald. And I'm just like, ooh, it's so smooth. And then you, all of a sudden, whoo, pop back into your body, and you're just like as smooth as a baby from like the neck down, and you have a serious heroin problem. <laughs> see, see, that would be the more upsetting part, honestly. This is the the newfound you heroin them. problem. You don't know that you have a heroin problem. You just know you have a problem. That you're just like, God damn, I don't know what he did while he was in here, besides the obvious. <sighs> your thing works for you. I was thinking more Freaky Friday, where it would be a trade where I would just, you know, we'd, we'd like pee in the same fountain or we'd do something at the same time and it would switch us magically. And we wake up the next morning, as you do, and you walk in the mirror and you have like the home alone aftershave thing. And my reason for it is that I have way less to lose than you do. And so I would get in Kyle's body and immediately start threatening myself, who is Kyle, being like, man, me, Kyle Myers, I sure got a nice bank account here. I think I might just transfer it all over to you, I guess. It is your money, let's be fair. And you'd have to be like, oh, no, no, don't do that. And I'd be like, I'll just sell the guns. It's not a big deal. I'll do that. Hey, do you think they would mind if I made a video on your channel where I just fired wildly into, I don't know, open areas? And then, and then you know, Kyle would have to be like, okay, okay, well, I authorize you. Actually, no, I wouldn't have to. I wouldn't have to because Kyle probably knows a hitman. I'll talk to him, have him take care of me. I just live in Kyle's body from now on. You seem to have a, you know, you can eat more, not gain as much weight. You got a nice house, lots of guns to play with. Now, but then I'd want to come back to my body, you yeah, know? Right. Oh. Yeah, you can go back home. Really, just, it would just, just be a the way five to years. try and trick you into, into me getting lots of things out of it. Mm. You know? I don't like that. See, that's fraud. See, that's just fraud. You're, <laughs> no, you're, you're completely you. misusing you. your experience to, to, to be in a whole new self. To experience things in a whole new way. Realistically, like the first things I would do is go like, take you know, eat 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 foods and like do things and see if they were different in any way because that's something no human being has ever been able to do to experience 
ice cream, for example, in two different fucking entities. This bought, is the real answer here, what you're saying now. Maybe it's completely different. Maybe Taylor's version of what chocolate tastes like. Maybe I eat chocolate ice cream as Taylor, and I'm like, oh, my God. Wow, that's not what I... That's better than any chocolate I've ever had in my life. And let me... Well, er, Taylor's tongue is just flat out better than mine. Like, he can taste things on a level that I can't. Or maybe it's smell. Or maybe, like, maybe I'm... Maybe just being in Taylor's body is a whole new experience, and I'm experiencing a common commonplace everyday thing in a way that's much better or much more different maybe he can't taste for shit maybe i'm like oh god everything's so bland how can he take it you know it would be yeah. that would that would be the interesting experience to experience the world and existence from another person's point of view and also just being able to eat whatever you wanted all the time and it's not you getting fat it's someone well, else getting anything, fat. the drugs i, I do the, i'm not kidding about the heroin i oh yeah up in your body you I don't anyway, want to switch bodies with you guys. I do it on your nails. I want to switch bodies. Like a Normandy beach <laughs> craters when I, I gave your body back. <laughs> I want to switch bodies with Jackie. Like that's the thing. Like I, it, it, maybe this makes me gay. I don't know. But I'm like I want to switch bodies with Jackie's and immediately like we'll, we'll fuck right. And I'll try it from the other side. It seems gay, but no, it's not gay because you're a no, woman. It's not gay. The, the thing is with me, it's it's my wife. Like there's no secrets here. There's no whatever. That like it, it, it it's it, it's a shared experience just from the flip side. It's all cool, that right? That, the fact that she's your wife doesn't make it any more or less gay. It's the fact that you would be a woman making it not gay. If you were, turned into Jackie and then had sex with another woman, that would be gay. Okay, be just gay. flip this around, and now you realize that as part of sex, you're sucking dick. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're, it's a, you're a woman. You like okay, that dick? Okay. You've been jerking that thing off for years. <laughs> Look, you've been, you've been giving that guy hand jobs <laughs> for the last fucking three decades you're telling me that all of a sudden you suck it a little now you're now you're gay like like i don't think so you, you go suck on you Honestly, make a strong the real point answer to all this is unless like some demon <laughs> or, or genie came to me beforehand and said all right you're gonna switch bodies with the guy you do the podcast with in about a week get all your affairs in order you know maybe change a lot of your passwords and knock yourself out so he doesn't get some drippy memory of everything like that would be better but if you just wake up in the body of someone else, it would be blind panic. And I think we all know that of of just like very, I don't know, actually you couldn't have blind panic. You'd have to have quiet blind panic in your bed and then go out and see what the life was like. You know, yeah. you'd immediately see the dynamic and be like, oh, okay, I need to like, know how to. Let me look at my phone and see what's up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to try and do everything like, hey, everybody, uh, uh, yell your name as loud as I you can for like, fun. You, you it's not that Woody I forgot. Body, you're like, I have so much shit to do. <laughs> no, you know what I would do is I would, if I, got, if I was in Woody's body and I checked his to-do list, to be like, build a shed. Yeah, I'm going to call someone. Uh, you're gonna paint the uh, driveway. Yeah, I'm gonna call someone. Uh, shine the lawnmowers. How many do we have? Four. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna sell those. And I'm not even gonna use the last one. I'm gonna. And then I gotta call someone to mow the yard. Call someone to do that. Well, I'm gonna sit in my enormous, uh, giant screened theater room all day and watch Game of Thrones. Is what I'll probably end up doing. And and throwing away all those disgusting pickles that you eat by the handful. Yes. That would be something that that would that would be what gave me away. I found oh a product God. for you that's great for your sickness. They make pickle juice ice pops. Fuck off. Freeze these. You know, it's like a it's like a popsicle. It's like mm -hmm. in the little plastic sliver thing. You cut off the top and you like squeeze the bottom oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the ice comes out. It's that, but pickle juice. They got them on Amazon. On Amazon. Hmm? Yeah, I feel like that'd be good for your you know your sore throat. You could just have yourself a pickle juice pop. So I have spent. Yes. About six thousand dollars on shit I don't want this week. I have a new hot water heater and a new refrigerator, and what? it's no fun to buy things that like you don't eat. Like it's not it, now. It, I'm I'm just where I was before. 
My water's if, hot. Yeah. If whenever you spend money on something that's like that, that will give no reward on the other end, like, oh, I have, usually when I purchase something, it's like, oh, I have this. Mm-hmm. And I feel better. Like, oh, I got this thing. I feel good about it. I'm excited. I'm going to go, like, through every one of these magic cards. I'm going to, like, mix these decks up. Or, like, the I'm next gonna go iPhone. I'm going to put, sco- I'm gonna put my special scope on this gun, and then put my silencer on it, and then put a special stock, and then I'm going to go shoot it. Like, but you don't get that from a hot water heater. So I just numb myself to the whole process and the amount of money being spent and the whole thing. Like I, when I was buying that thing, she's like, she, she was like, ooh, that that that's a good one, huh? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't look at what it costs. She's like, you don't you don't know what it costs? I'm like, three to seven hundred dollars, right? Like like what am I gonna do? Not have hot water tonight? Like I don't care yeah. how much it costs. I know your Home Depot. It's not like you're gonna shiftily like bump the price up to two grand i have to have the big one <laughs> this guy but, really like, needs hot water tonight huh you know? <laughs> price of this item there's no point in telling me it's not more than i'll pay and no matter what you say i'm still gonna pay it so just do it just ring it up <laughs> our hot water heater we, i told you before i think even on the show that, that we had the issue with it not providing enough hot water the water was starting to fluctuate in temp and uh but the new symptom it developed is you could really smell gas like scarily yeah, gas so is- yeah. So we, um, like, I'm like, can you come back tomorrow morning and swap this thing out? And he could. I was like, yeah, that's, you know, we were worried about getting through the night, you know? And, uh, like, it just smelled too gassy. We opened a window and then. Do you have uh, natural gas or propane? Propane. And, uh, yeah, so, so we got a new unit the next day and now we're all set. And then the fridge. Yeah. Broke. Now you just ended up with an extra fridge. Now you can. Now you should be looking at like frozen foods to stockpile. Uh, we, we had him take away the old fridge. I, I'm pretty sure it was like on death's door. Oh man, that was a that was a blown prop- it up. Waiting. Yeah, that was a. I was. I was like, God damn! You just threw it away. You know what you gotta pay to get a broken fridge in this market? <laughs> <laughs> the broken fridge market. You know, full bear. Or it's a bore. The seller's market. Bore. I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> you had on a broken fridge. You fucked up. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I get done with that. I'd like, like when I think of like a broken fridge, I always want to like take something like that and like use the uh, the cooling element to like make something else. Like maybe you could get the part that circulates the cooling uh, liquid or whatever, and like run it through copper tubing on something and make some sort of thing that like insta cools a beer. Or a soda, like like what if you poured a soda in a tube and it ran through a snaky thing covered in those copper tubes of, of coolant and it would instantly take a room temperature beverage and make it ice fucking cold, like just in the process of going through the tube really quickly. We had a low tech version of that we'd use at college parties. It was just a ice. giant ice chute where you yeah. pour liquor you head, yeah. into it and you put your head on it. And uh, even at the time, I can still like go back to like the drunk nineteen year old vision of, of what i was seeing at the time and someone being like hey taylor try a shot off of that and i was even <laughs> drunk with like my beer and my shitty red cup in my hand i was like nah like that's, that's it was disgusting because you're watching people slobber on it and slobber on it and you just know that people are doing a lot of slobbering on it because it is made of ice and so that people going up to it are going to be like well if i leave a bunch of moisture people will just think it's melted water no it's just covered in spit Little yeah. semi-refreezing spit in areas. The ice and kills that, the germs. That liquor okay. is not killing the germs. The ice does not kill the germs. Oh, yeah, Kyle. ice kills germs. The ice does not kill the germs, Kyle. Of course it does. It preserves the germs. It will keep them that's alive like, for 10,000 years. Uh, don't listen to that guy. He probably eats his fucking <laughs> apple skins over there. Woody doesn't know what he's talking about. He's no, that is true. You'll <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> suffocate the bacteria in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that germs die from cold. That did sound like a dentist to Mac, Mac yeah. to Dennis. Yeah. 
<laughs> I haven't watched the season finale of It's Always Sunny yet. Uh, I guess I watched it after here. No, I, man, I didn't watch the cricket one, and I didn't watch whatever the most recent one was. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the season finale. Okay. Well, the, the, the ninth episode, I think, is called A Cricket's Tale or Cricket's Tale that. or A Cricket's Tale, something like that. That I one said was, it was sad. Of- I don't even want to watch it. Uh, I, I, I told Taylor that my, my thought process was it was much sadder than it was funny. Um, they mess with the timeline in that episode, so it takes place throughout several of the previous episodes, if that makes sense. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of jumping around through timelines we've already, like, went through in previous episodes. Yeah. Which I liked a lot. That's, that's fun. Um, but, man, Cricket's Life is such a sad, sad, sad story that... I didn't laugh that much. Plus, I don't understand why he has parkour skills. That was never explained. He just has them. He first displayed them on the That was the funniest thing. Yeah, I like, like it. Like, and, and and the parkour score, parkour skills are like curiously helpful. And he, they, I think they, I don't know if you know, but they recreated that scene from Aladdin with the bread and his parkour yeah. scores. One jump skills. ahead of the bread line. <laughs> ahead of the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was hilarious. <laughs> he just runs away with the bread. Uh, I oh. like that episode. I guess more than Kyle did. Street oh. rat. I don't buy that. <laughs> That's I've, uh, I've actually like I have had I've had Kulu going recently, just kind of letting it play shit. And I it, it went through. Uh, I think I like finished the last episode of Bob's Burgers, which is a show that like when I'm watching it, I can't decide. Like, I don't know why I'm enjoying it, but it just, like, it has a vibe of, like, enough adult stuff that it's a little interesting, but also it's, like, a very happy-go-lucky universe, and it's almost like a feel-good show to play, like, just just to have, like, on in the background a little bit, because it never gets that real, but it went over to Family Guy, and I haven't watched Family Guy in, like, probably seven years. Like, I was going through the seasons and being like, what the fuck? I don't remember any of this. And I watched a couple, and I'm going to step back on my Family Guy mocking a little bit because I've I've Good. called it complete shit for a while, but it really is just a lot of quick jokes. Of course, it's not in continuity. Like it's it's just a different flavor, a different mood thing. Absolutely. It was like I wasn't in yes. the mood for for like I, I'm playing this this uh, Total War Warhammer game. I don't have enough attention to pay attention to plotline A B C in a South Park episode or or watch a real show about like plot lines and character development. I can do this, pop up, enjoy a joke, and like go back down and, and not need to worry anything so I've, yeah I've you don't need to like you it. can watch three minutes of a family guy episode and get four jokes and be none the poorer for missing out on the other 18 minutes of broadcast it's uh, it, it always works that way i like the show because of that and i like the characters uh and i like you know all the things they say i'm pretty sure that stewie is like quoting michael kane from 1964 when he says what the deuce you know like like it, it's such so many little weird references like that. I've been watching Big Love recently because Bill Paxton died. So Bill Paxton died, um, I don't know, two weeks, oh, a couple days ago. Yeah, oh, something like that. And, uh, and I'm a big, big Bill Paxton fan. I really am. I like a lot of his movies, um, and especially like the older stuff. We watched uh, uh, Aliens, like the, the anniversary edition with all the extra scenes. Like we had already watched that right before he died, so I couldn't go to that one. So I went to Big Love, which is an HBO a series about a Utah-based polygamist named Bill Henriksen, played by Bill Paxton, who runs a chain of like Home Depot-style stores, but they're his brand. It's like Henriksen, Henriksen Home Plus. You know, it's like he owns them, and uh, they're Mormons. They're um, LDS or whatever Latter-day Saints. Um, 
But what, what, what most people don't know is that they're polygamous, that Bill Henriksen has three fucking wives. He owns three houses side by side on the same block. He's got a wife in each house. He spends the night in a different house every night, and he's got like seven or nine kids, depending on where you're starting in the show. And he has to keep all this on the down low because it's, you know, it's, first of all, it's illegal. And it, because he's in Utah with so many other uh, Mormons, they are really anti-polygamy. This is a documentary or this is a No, this is a, a, this is a HBO, like, comedy oh, okay. drama type show. Like, it's, the, there's, some, the, there's some heavy shit in the show and there's some really funny moments. And it's, it's an HBO series. It's, uh, there's okay. like five or six seasons. It's, it's pretty fucking good. The, um, he, he's, uh, he's got so much drama going on. He's got his main wife, uh, who he's been married to, like from the very his beginning, bottom bitch. Yeah. his bottom bitch. And what happened with his bottom bitch is she got, uh, cancer and they thought that she was going to die. And what, I, I hope I'm not offending any Mormons out there, um, by, you know, interpreting your wacky fucking loopy loo religion, but I'm I sure they're not offended. They probably oh, didn't like that part at of this it. this point, you're not. <laughs> um, it, but, but they believe that Joseph Smith found some golden tablet, tablets like a couple hundred years ago in like upstate New York. Uh, he was led there to dig and find them by the angel Moroni. And then he put them in a hat. And he re- looked in the hat and he read what the golden tablet said to another guy who dictated it all down. That guy's wife, if you watch the South Park episode, said, Horse shit! Tell him you lost what you wrote and go back make him do it again. See if they match. Went back. They didn't match. Um, but that's what all these p- people believe in this this modern interpretation of the you know the of Christianity, which the in Garden all- of Eden in Mormonism is uh, apparently near Jefferson City, Missouri. It sure is, sure is. Um, also, I've they been there, not in Eden. I, I believe I, I, this is the part where I could be wrong about, but I think that they thought that all they thought and believed and probably still do, but they always said that black people had the mark of Cain. Um, I think that that was their thing. Um, and it wasn't until like the 80s or the 70s that they like started to have anything to do with black people and didn't look at them as uh, people who couldn't make it to the afterlife and such. Maybe they still don't. They but what to, they, no, they, they do they now. Can, they had to step that back. They had to step that back. But the core <laughs> religion is that, that when you die, it's not just the pearly gates and we're all, all the good people are in here milling around amongst each other like it's a, a futuristic, like, like heaven's the biggest happening city in the galaxy. It's not that. You go to a celestial temple, a place in the afterlife that's you and yours. And, it, it, and so having a big family makes a lot of sense if you believe that. Like you need multiple wives to make lots of children so that you, know, you have a community of your loved ones in the afterlife. And, and the more the better the way that he looks at it. So his wife is dying of cancer. And their fear is that his children will now grow up without a mother. So he says, well... You know, I'm kind of from this place where polygamy is practiced kind of under the under the table. It's not my thing, but maybe this could work for us. In this way, my wife gets to have input on who replaces her, who raises her children, and who will be with us in eternity. Because if he just lets his wife die and then he picks a new wife, then his his bottom bitch is going to be rudely greeted by wife number two that she's never even met before when they get to heaven. So... Bring in wife number two. They get married. She's even a nurse. So she's uh, treating the dying wife. They expect her to die any day. She lives. She fucking lives. So now you just got two wives. They're, they're so religious they can't divorce. And so it goes on for like maybe three more years. And he's like, hey, I want a third. And he adds like this 22-year-old hot chick named Margie to the mix. So you have these three women who are all vying for his in- attention in different ways and being conniving. And, and what's this called? Where is it? Big Love. It's on HBO. Okay. Hmm. Excellent. 
real the good. title turned me off because I've scrolled by it many a time. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's that's not my cup of tea, more than I, likely. Watch watch like two episodes and you'll I, I promise you'll get hooked and intrigued by like the deceitfulness of many of the characters. Like they have so much stuff going on mm. under the rug. Uh, like they're everyone is hiding like two or three secrets secrets from everyone else and you just know that at any moment two or three of these secrets are going to bubble up and it's going to be hell to pay and now of course the biggest secret is that we're polygamous this public figure businessman whose business would shrivel and die is a is as a polygamist that's their big secret but they've got dozens of other ones there are people who have like credit cards who have like mountains of credit card debt and they're not telling anybody about it um, there are people who are having sex when they're not supposed to be. There's all kinds of madness. How many wives does he have to keep happy? Three. He's got See, three you know that story uh, we were hearing earlier about the most successful FBI agent of all time? Yeah. I bet you put him in a situation where he has to keep three wives happy. He makes it three days before he willingly goes back and tells the Italian mob, like, it was, I'm, I'm not even Cuban or Italian. I'm so here's sorry. The wife. Like, <laughs> here's, here's my wife. I am in now because, honestly, been hanging out with you guys for a while. This life looks dope. I see why you do what you do. You know? <laughs> I want you to take out my wives, though. My oh. wives. <laughs> like, I want them gone. I'll tell you what I took from the show because, like, I've tried to show this show to, like, girlfriends in the past, and they're always like, I'm not watching that show. I see where this is headed. Because they always think that you're trying to suggest that, like, you're trying to add some more bitches to the mix, right? That's yeah. not it at all. You watch this, and you start to grasp the responsibility of having three households, three families, three women. This guy is mm. running ragged. And at the heart of it, you see in his private moments and in and his moments with his like um, his equals, you know, the other men who are polygamous that he goes to a group and talks with about how we're all like doing. He's like, I just hope that I can be, you know, a righteous man who can like be this example for them. And I want them to be happy and I'm going to lead this example for my son. And he's like he's got so much on his plate that like on his way home from work, it's like 24 voicemails. And as he listens to one after another, he makes a note. And at dinner, he's like going through his notes, like make, he's like memorizing things to say to everyone. Oh, Billy got into varsity. He mentioned, and, and when they get to dinner, Billy, uh, great job making varsity. You know, he's just go down this huge list of appeasing. Oh, these, this like, is making me stressed out hearing dude, about it. He's mm. always like that. He's always stressed out. Like he can't get it up. He can't get it up. So he's on Viagra because they're like, he's fucking constantly right. Like like maybe if you have one wife, you can take a couple days off, and it's not a big deal. Even if she's insatiable, you could take a day off, but he's got three. And if you get to, they, they're on a schedule so that like different wife every night. So like if you get to wife number two and you're not feeling it that night, well, she might have just heard you banging wife number one the night before across the, across the way. She's like, oh, you can't get it up for me. I'm not, I'm, what am I ugly? I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. So he's just popping a hundred milligrams of Viagra multiple times a day. His doctor's like, he's going blind from the Viagra at one point. And his doctor's like, well, how much, are, how much are you taking? And he's like, 100. And the doctor's like, 30, 40 milligrams? 100. How many, how, how often? Well, two a day, sometimes three. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> sir, a man your age is not a farm animal. Like, you're not <laughs> like a stallion. Like, <laughs> you're going to kill yourself. Woody's dad. Like, <laughs> like, there's a guy who wouldn't hear that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, <my> dad. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna check that show out. That sounded stressful. Of, like, I, I am gonna, gonna check like, it out. I want to see it. 
married as his daughter, who went on and, you know, she's kind of a Hollywood actress now, very pretty girl. Um, and, you know, you have to keep in mind his children range from an infant or, you know, he often they're always having new kids. So like pregnancy to like his uh, his daughter and his daughter's about to go to college. His son is uh, like varsity baseball in it's like high a school. Factory. A fa- it's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Polygamy should be legal as long as it's like everybody's in, it should go like both ways. Not, it should be legal as long as you're everybody's cool with it. The, the problem with polygamy, and, and, and this is a part of the show that I didn't really go into because the, the interesting part that like I think that both of you could get into, even if you're not into the relationship stuff, is his father-in-law is this guy named Roman Grant, who is the polygamy king. He runs this huge polygamy compound that's, that, that's so big that they, they're, they're worth like $200 million because of all the money that's flowing up to him. He, uh, he controls this huge enterprise because in polygamy... Um, you can have multiple wives. He's the one who divvies out the bitches. I kind of don't right? want to hear more about ah. the show. Like you're just ruining it. Okay, all right. You're just like twenty minutes of all the stuff that you're gonna love. Like, what if I did that to Breaking Bad? Like, oh yeah, and then this happens in season five. And let me tell you about the ricin and. The, so this no. is spoilers, though. Like, I haven't given you any specific okay. anything that's really laid out in, like, episodes. I think I'm going to watch this. I, I've been watching a lot of stuff you've been recommending. Uh, I watched, is it The Visit with the woman who's really yeah, good with language? Yeah. I watched Ultimate Beastmaster. I'm on, like, episode seven or something. Um, I watched Cloverfield. Uh, first like, or the second? Oh, I've uh, seen both ten, now. I watched the second one first. So I watched the, the first one the first second. Stuff, so. You liked it? With John Goodman, that one? I really like that. As a matter of fact, in hindsight, I think watching the second one first makes it better because there's more uncertainty. Uh, like, I didn't know. I didn't see the ending coming this whole time. No because, yeah. Well, yeah. if I had watched the first, the first one. one. Like, you didn't know how it related to the second one. It's a completely different sort of attack. Because in the, in the second one, you're looking at, like, an intelligent invasion. And in the first one, you had, like, a, a Cthulhu-type monster crash yeah, some lands. ghoul. Yeah. But yeah. you see, in the second one, I watched all of it not knowing if there really was a thing outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that That's added, good. like, I didn't know if Me John too. Goodman. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, like, even I, I haven't seen, seen the first, the first one. one. They're just, they're, they're in this. I don't, I honestly don't know quite how they relate. I don't think anyone really does. Um, the, it, it was it was so bizarre when they named that second field 10 Cloverfield Lane. There was a lot of people on the internet being like, well, what, what is it going to be? How does it relate to the first one? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's. I don't know exactly how it relates. So I, I yeah. might check out this oh. show too. Um, uh, we were talking about Bill Paxton earlier. I, it got suggested as a movie on Netflix, Frailty. It's a Bill Paxton movie. Have you guys seen that? Let me remind myself because I'll I'll link it to you. But it's basically about a guy who's Bill Paxton is the father, and he's got a couple of young kids, and they they live in a very rural area. And I'm not giving anything away. This is like literally the first shit that happens in the movie. And Bill Paxton is of the belief that God is sending him to kill demons and that demons walk all around us and they're just normal looking people. And he it's his task to go kill them. And he is conscripting his two young sons to come along with them because he's basically he'll find someone and be like, oh, that's a demon. And it just looks like a normal lady or something. And he goes and he thinks it's his mission to kill these people and it's a whole story 
about how, you know, the sun's doubt then becoming resolve and agreement and all the, and then wavering. It's really, really good. I don't want to give anything away on accident, but Frailty on Netflix, I guarantee that the only reason it's up there is because Bill Paxton is in it and he recently died. They do it that, is, yeah. you, you know when you watch movies on Netflix and you're like, this is a bullshit movie, and then you find one, you're like, holy shit, this is like a real movie that I have not heard of and I'm fucking loving it. Like, it, it was, it's immediately rocketed up to like my top probably 20 movies ever. It's so, nice. so good and All interesting. Right. So check out Frailty on Netflix. It's, it's that perfect yeah, level. Bill Baxter was a young time. guy. He was like 50 or, or, or so. He was, he was having a surgery. I, I, that's all I know. I don't know if it's it was... Matthew McConaughey in it. I like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, um, I like him too. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. So... Yeah. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me do this fourth adver- advertisement here for Wink. Advertisement? Finding great new wines is tough. That's why we've told you all about our sponsor, Club W, and how uh, how they make it easy to get wine personalized to your palate and delivered right to your door. And here's a little update for you. Club W is now called Wink, W-I-N-C. A new name and improved look, uh, but here's the important part. It's still the amazing company. Uh, it's introducing you to new wines that you'll love. Wink works directly with winemakers and growers from all around the world to create delicious wine and deliver it right to your door. Wink's 100% satisfaction guarantee means if you don't like a bottle that they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle that you'll love. No questions asked. Uh, you don't get... We don't just get sent random bottles. Wink is, personal, Wink is a personalized wine membership that recommends wine specifically for me based on the results of my palate profile quiz. We also rate all of the wines uh, we receive from Wink, so they learn about us with every order and constantly personalize the wine that they send. Sign up for Wink right now and gain immediate insider access to the best, the best fine wine from all over the world. Find out for yourself why yours truly and thousands of other satisfied wine lovers are raving about Wink. The best part, of course, is Wink is offering our listeners here $20 off right now when you when you go to trywink.com slash PKA, link down there in the description. Uh, they'll even cover the shipping. Think about that. You'll get fine wine personalized to your palate, delivered right to your door. Try Wink and get $20, $20 off plus complimentary shipping right now when you go to trywink.com slash PKA. That's trywink.com slash PKA. Here's an interesting question. I've been thinking about a lot of events for me. Have you ever had your fight or flight reflex activated? If so, which way did you go? Fight or flight? And um, I've had a couple incidents. Most of them I've talked about before, right? Like um, uh, the burglar that robbed my house all those times. When I finally caught him in the act, I you know, confronted him. I hit the door on his fingers and yelled at the guy and chased him away. And thought that was real, like brave. Um, there've been a couple other instances too, like, especially with like, like ocean rescues and stuff where I, uh, I, I felt like I acted pretty bravely, but I've had a couple others. Like, um, like I, I talked about a fight where that guy broke my nose, that Yorgi guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's weird. He, he broke my nose. I've had it broken four times. I count this one as twice because it broke two places. But um, that night anyway, it was my off button. And uh, like as soon as he hit me, I didn't want to fight anymore. But, like I, I was really taken aback by how much blood I was bleeding. And uh, I felt like guilt over it for a while. Like I was some kind of coward. Like, you know, you watch guys fight through bloody noses all the time. And it on this one day it totally took the fight out of me um i've had two instances uh once on a motorcycle like a long time ago in my 20s or something where i for some reason i guess i thought i wasn't going to make the turn so i just hit the brakes really hard 
And uh, I ended up stopping in time. And I think I would have made the turn if I just piloted it better. But um, I reacted the wrong way. Like, I wasn't the cool, calm, collected, best version of me. I was in the red. And then there was another time I had my paramotor when I was first learning. And the motor went out. And uh, had my, it was, I was so early, my instructor was still, you know, in the radio. And had he not, like, said, you know, okay, this is going to be fine. You're lined up on the runway. You know, go, flare. And, uh, like, had he not been in my ear talking me through it, I, I might have just froze. I don't know. And just glided to the ground and smashed or something. Like, so I feel like with people and, like, if there's any time, I've, I've been the real brave, perfect version of me. It also but, depends what it is, right? Like, like courage uh, by definition, is when you're overcoming fear. Like you have to be terrified to be courageous. Like if you're if you're just not afraid, then it wasn't that courageous. You mm -hmm. know, like yeah. like like. And, and That's I, why I, Superman's <coughs> never been courageous. Sure. Right. And, and when I think about you, frankly, when you go out there and save the people uh, who are drowning or whatever, like you don't have any fear. You have excitement. You're like, ooh, I get to go do my thing. Right. This uh, is what I do. Yeah. So you're not afraid. So so there's no flight or fight reaction like what i've always experienced is if it's something like hanging out of a helicopter or like going down a really steep slide or like swinging from a rope or being in a vehicle uh that someone else is piling and like i really am not afraid of that um or at least i'm able to master that fear and just and basically what i do is i say look being afraid of this will change the outcome in no way other than negatively your my fear here can only hinder me if I'm if I focus and just try to make the best of this out of control down a hill in a thing situation, then I might make it out of it. But if but but the worst thing I can do is panic and be be terrified and like freak out because then I lose control. Um, but if it's a different kind of scenario, I, I'm not I'm not getting a fight or flight reaction from those things is what I'm saying. But if it's something that's like major issues that are like real world life changing issues, or if I have like like I've had a lot of altercations. I, I, I go, I have a panic attack. I fucking have a panic attack. I, I, I go unconscious. I don't hyperventilate first. Everything just, it's like when you stand up too quickly uh, and, and you know, you see stars for a moment, it's like that, but it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. It start, it, it, I can feel it wash over me from, from top to bottom. There's a cold sweat and then that, that immediately like burns off into a fever and then I feel cold and tingly at all of my extremities and my hands and my legs. Things start getting dark from the outside growing in. It's it, the peripheral, it starts getting foggy. How many times has this happened to you? Oh, bunches of times. I have lots of panic attacks. Not, not, not recently. Um, I've had them before and like passed out outside on, on concrete and like fucked my elbow. Have you before. ever taken anything for it? Um, well, it's not something that happens regularly enough to like you know, to, 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 to deal with. It's, it's, it's literally like fight or flights uh, type situations that trigger it. It's not like Tony Soprano, I'm seeing the Uncle Ben's rice and I'm like, oh, and like, like falling out on the floor with the cold cuts. It's that like if something major happens, if I think that like everything's melting down or like I'm about, even if I'm, if I'm about to get in a fight maybe even, then I will, I will completely have a panic attack. I need, I, if, and if I don't sit down, I'm going to fall down. And it's not going to be one hmm. of those like let yourself down to the floor slowly with like one leg and be like, oh, I just need to sit here for a minute. I don't feel too good. It's like, I'm blind now. I'm blind now. Where am I? Three, two, unconscious. That's how it goes. So like as soon you as you are exactly like, like these fainting goats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where I'm you exactly get startled like and then like if you scream at them, they just faint. Just, just fall over. 
That, that next also PKA had hangout like, or something like, I'm going to open an umbrella at Kyle <laughs> just see it <laughs> just trying to disorient him man that sounds you know I've like, never like, experienced anything like that of <coughs> just passing out for no uh, I've never had that happen I can think of four off the top of my head like like, hmm. like it happened at court that time when I was like when I had the uh, the, the open weapon charge when I was 20, 22 or whatever and uh, the judge is talking about sending us to prison and fining us tens of thousands of dollars. And we're in the right. We had carry permits. We weren't doing anything illegal. We were just open carrying in a Walmart, permitted to do so, the whole nine yard. And this judge doesn't know the goddamn law because, like, the level of judge he's at, probate judge or whatever, he didn't even go to law school. He's, a, he's like an elected official, you know? Mm. And, he, and, I, and I'm like, I've got all these printouts. Like, 22-year version of me is coming in there like a matlock. Like, like, no, nah, we don't need a lawyer. I got this handled. Like, like, I'll just explain to him, hey. We don't need a lawyer. We don't need, I, that's what I told him. I'm like, we don't need a lawyer. I was like, I'll take care of this. <laughs> and we get in there, and I'm like, and, and I'm like, I'm like, no, sir, you, your honor, you see here, like, this is where the, the district, um, the um, uh, attorney general of Georgia, you know, here's a quote from him from two years ago where he talks about grocery stores being permissible. Like, how does Walmart not fall in with a grocery store? Like, like same fucking thing. It's, it is a grocery store. And he's just like, oh, that don't count there and this and that. And I'm like, would you read this paragraph? And I could tell he didn't want to read it out loud. And I noticed it. I was like, because there's a recorder over there recording everything down. And there's like multiple people up on the bench. Like, he's not even like alone up there. I'm defending myself before four of these people. And like, they're assisting him and handing him documents and like whispering in his ear and stuff. It's outrageous, and I'm just getting more and more stressed, and I'm scared. I'm terrified because it's not going my way. It's like he's being resistant to all this. He, he won't hear my 22-year-old version of this. This 60-, 70-year-old judge is not hearing it. And I just go on and on and with all this proof, and finally, I'm like, can I, can I get some water? I'm like, my throat is so dry. And they go, we don't have any water. 30 seconds later, I'm unconscious, and there's a deputy on one side, like, holding my belt and my shoulder, and my cousin is on the other side with a belt and a shoulder, and they're hoisting me out of the fucking courtroom <laughs> into the back, like, alley area, like, behind the, like, the judge's chambers. Jesus. In mm -hmm. the judge's chambers, like, like, uh, all of a sudden, there's Hostess snack cakes and Coca-Cola on ice. Like, they're pouring it for me. I'm just like, well, all of a sudden we came up with some, some fucking beverages, I think. <laughs> Someone had a hidden snack machine that we didn't want anybody to know about. I'm like, so <coughs> immediately, because that's the nature of this every single time. There's nothing wrong with me. My body just flipped its, you know, its switch. It's like, oh, voltage too high. We're, we're fucking reset mode. I flipped a breaker. That's what it's like. I flipped my breaker. And, uh, and my body's like, oh, reboot. And it just turns the breaker back on. And I'm just like, oh, instantly better. And so I'm like, what's, what's happening? And they're like, the judge said he needs to look at that paperwork you brought. And he needs to think about this some more and ask some second opinion. So my, my brain goes, oh, we're good. Thank God we won. Um, and they go, and the ambulance is on the way. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> and we got the fuck out of there as quickly as we could. And very embarrassed. Um, got in my car and we're like driving away as the ambulance is coming in like a bat out of hell. Like, woo, 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 woo. like pulls in, two paramedics are running into the courtroom and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> get out of here. Out of here, man. Like, this was it's, no talking I, about the fight or flight response thing. Because I've got a good one that's more funny than anything. I don't remember if I've talked about it. But it, it's not strictly fight or flight, but it's. Uh, so my girlfriend in high school, we were on a vacation with my family. She just came along to the Dominican Republic, and we were 
hanging out on the beach, obviously, and getting swindled by the fucking Dominicans who, you know, I'm walking down the street, you know, 16, 17, whatever, with my wa- American wallet. And they're like, hey, you want to buy this coconut? For I think I bought a coconut from this large Dominican guy for like six bucks. There were dozens of coconuts laying around, but he was accosting us. And he's like, six dollars for this coconut. And it's like, dude, if you don't like fine, dude, like take the six bucks. Like, let me go. Like you're gonna stab me, and I'm not confident enough to hold my own when there's I'm I'm the only tourist in this region right now, and they also had boats, the little canoes that you could take out there and paddle around. Obviously not regulated, just some fucking dude's canoe, and we rented it because my girlfriend at the time wanted to go out and do it, and I was already getting stressed out because I'm the complete opposite of Woody when it comes to the ocean. The thought of just swimming out to sea for the fuck of it, just to see how far you can go. That makes my palms sweat. Like, I am so freaked out by the ocean of what could be there, like, what the, the sneaky, whatever the fuck. Like, I don't know. It freaks me out. And we were in there. We were paddling out. And I kept trying to, like, hold it in to the point where it was embarrassing, where, like, I'd be like, all right, that's woo-hoo, 30 yards out, getting pretty far, right? Like, all right, let's, let's rein it in and take in the sights. And she was like, no, we need to keep going out. Let's keep going out. And I didn't want to look like a bitch. And so I just kept paddling out there spending more time with my head behind me like oh my god it's getting so far away like the land is so like because my only thought is like if something happens and i have to swim back there is so much time for a monster to to seize me or for something to grab me from under the depths because i can't see yeah and i'm a fine swimmer i'm confident in my swimming i'm fine with that just the, the unknown and we got out there to a point where i started to get like actual like sweaty and scared and like she was trying to be like upbeat she was just enjoying herself like oh this is so much fun we're seeing all this fun stuff what a neat place beautiful weather and i'm like white knuckling this fucking three dollar half broken oar. like can we go back can we go back and she's like no we got to keep going so i went a little bit further and she started to rock the boat being cute with me cute and i lost my shit i ruined that canoe trip for <laughs> her at that point because it wasn't like hey settle down you're gonna ducks in the water it was like what the fuck do you think you're doing out here stop stop fucking rocking the boat we're going back we're going back right give me your oar no you're not gonna fight me on this give me your fucking oar we're going back this is ridiculous this is ridiculous there's a pool at the hotel and there's no sharks in the pool and then <laughs> you just keep going oh like it it was such a stupid thing to get so anxious over and like so stressed out but like it, it was just like something i couldn't overcome of like being out there it wasn't like i chose to get upset it was just like that switch i guess instead of me passing out and drowning like kyle's body i just hit a point of like this is bullshit and i will not be dragged into this death swamp any further with you like i'm not oh, going you, anymore I, another fight oh, flight I response that i've had uh when i was like 14 or something there was a bully that I had an issue with. He was much bigger than me, and like he like he was they always are. a light guy. Yeah, like, like yeah. Jim, <laughs> they Jim always, always talks about. Kyle, I give you permission to, to beat him up. Yeah, Jim <laughs> always talks about likes to fight guys. Right, douchebag who who's walking around like like a fucking walking boner and just wants to punch something. He was that guy, and and just just much bigger than me. And it wasn't like we had a regular issue, but we had an issue today. And for whatever reason, I said, ah, I'm gonna stand up to you, and I'm like. I shoved him, gave him the double palms in the in the chest, even though it's, his chest is up here. And it's like, Gah! fuck you, I'm not going to take your shit. And he gave me one back, and he's like, I'll kick your ass. But he wasn't completely confident. Like, like I definitely rebuffed him, and he never gave me any more issues after that. But his threat was terrifying, because he meant that shit. I had seen him do it. I had seen him beat up three different men, and they were men. <laughs> That he beat up. He would walk up. I saw him one time walk up to this guy who was the biggest fucking guy 
that was that was the biggest white guy that I knew, and he just he's just smiling. He called him Smiley, and he fucking boom just decks the guy, and then he's just like, ha ha! Now we fight. Like, like he just instigates a fight with the big guy, and he's like, now we're gonna roll. Let's go. Like that was his deal, and so his threat an meant asshole. something. And, and he scared the fuck out of me, but I didn't. I pretend like I didn't. But I immediately got the worst diarrhea. I was like, I my body has to shit right now. <laughs> Your body so is I hilarious in these situations. Altercation. Walked to the bathroom with no permission. Like we were in like metals, like shop class, so there very little supervision. That's why we were having the altercation. I, I went to the bathroom. I'm, I remember just shitting my ass off at school, which I had. <laughs> it was the only shit I had taken ever in high school. I was like, today we shit at school because it and it was just like when <laughs> the a only zebra... shit you ever took in high school. Yeah, it's the only shit I've ever taken in high school because it's it was so a weird. <laughs> like, and, and Joe Rogan has talked about this before. He's like, yeah, he was talking about this video where these two bears are fighting and they're having this life or death battle. These two grizzly bears and they just start sh- one of them just start shitting, <laughs> just shitting, just just shitting everywhere, just explosive diarrhea, <laughs> shitting because his body is like. <laughs> We do not have energy to get energy to spend on digestion. <laughs> Go get it out into the to the claws or whatever you know. <laughs> and that's exactly what my body was doing. It was like, oh, we're about to throw down. Time to shit, bro. <laughs> well, it's because you were gonna ink him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you know, <clears throat> the shit too, because it would have been a real whooping if he I, decided to take things to that level. I don't get like mm-hmm. if we were to compare Kyle to electricity, <laughs> like where he can sometimes black out. I'm more inclined to brown out, and it, it happened last year on my paramotor. So I'm, I'm coming in for a landing, and I think everything's fine. I've flown for like an hour at this point, and uh, it's not in, it's the very end. Like maybe I'm 20 feet off the ground. I hop out of my seat. Now I'm suspended by my leg straps, and they're buckled up wrong. So really, I'm suspended by one leg strap that's much tighter, and the other one isn't. And now, instead of coming in for landing nice and straight, it's turning me. I'm landing on my side. Everything's all fucked up, and like I'm, um, in the end, I land, but I kind of like take a knee and almost fall forward. Maybe I do put my hands on the ground. Everything's fine, but you didn't get your Achilles though. I so. turned it off. You know, they did turn off. So, um, but I'm I'm embarrassed that I didn't nail landing and. I hate that I, I knew that I had the skill set to handle this problem. I just wasn't the best version of me. Well, anyway, the turn up my buckle on my leg was routed wrong, but I didn't know that. I thought that the problem was because it was like caught under the keys in my jeans and just caused it to not hang right. So I was like, all right, no problem. Take the keys, put it in my jacket pocket and just fly again the next day. Next day, same thing happens, right? Cause it wasn't the keys. The buckle was routed wrong. And, um, I'm, I'm like, all right, Woody, you said you had the skill set to handle this. You know, you just need to like be asymmetrical on the brakes as you come in and encounter it. Here's your chance. Big shot. Nail this landing. You, it's happened again. And, uh, and I felt really good because I did. And I just needed a little more experience to, to be you know, the, the clear-headed best version of me. And that like going into the red or going into the yellow is something that like I kind of actively work on whether it be like motorcycling or paramotoring or what have you um an area i talked about it in my last video my friend at uh the zombie air force base where i sometimes fly brought out a dueling tree for a pistol mm. kyle knows this and uh mm-hmm. so i get up there and i, I there, maybe there were six of them all six of them i hit them in a row like i'm a big shot and uh it's like, yeah, I'm not a great shot or anything, but sometimes you know, I usually hit what I'm pointing at. And then uh, 
I'm going against this army guy. And he's like, all right, let's like do a competition. And we lay out the rules for the dueling tree that we made up. And uh, he's like, I'll go one handed and you you can do whatever. Oh my God. I couldn't hit shit. I couldn't hit a fucking thing. Now that I'm in competition against another guy and there's like stress. And like, if I had done what I did in practice, I would have, that would have beat him handily, I think. But Uh, um, yeah, oh, that's absolutely true. That's true with it. Like, like I've, uh, that that my my shotgun suppressor. Like I remember, mm-hmm. we were in that field, and I'm I'm out there throwing three three skeet up, choop, 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 getting them, and I'm like, all right, we're ready to film. I'm tuned in. Right. I couldn't hit fucking shit. I can't. I do. And, and the thing about it is, like, when you've got with that shotgun with the suppressor on the end, it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a motion to like throwing the skeet and shooting them, where I'm holding the gun. Right. And I throw them, and then I, I let the gun fall down, and then I sort of catch it with my left hand as it's recovering from the throw and go. And so there's this repeated movement like this with your left hand of of catching a heavy gun and and lifting it upwards, and then being steady and immediately going into a stance that's that I had done 80 fucking times in a row. And I'm just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. But like, too I, much I, practice. I, I couldn't fucking calm down. And that thing, was so, it's so hard to shoot with that. Yeah. Around it. You can't and, get a, your sight, which is weird. So when I see these people miss an actual combat, I think, Woody, if you're half the shot in competition that you are in practice, are you a quarter of the shot You know, in, against bad guys? Like I can see, like sometimes I see guys, uh, I saw a video, two people on either side of a pool table. They both had like seven rounds in their gun. No one hit each other. They're just ducking and popping up like uh, opposite a pool table. You would like, how do you miss someone from four feet? But sure enough, they managed to miss like seven times. Both of them ran out of bullets. I knew someone who had gotten in a gunfight outside a bar and uh, the bullets (coughs) in his car. Uh, they were shooting into his car at them. They were just feet away, and he was returning fire out the window. And the bullets, the windows were rolled down in the in the truck, and the bullets were coming through the door and shattering the glass and making it spray up and out. You know, he, he's, right. he's just like the, he's just like the glass was fucking spraying everywhere, and like I couldn't see anything. I was just emptying the fucking clip, and, and it, it, like nobody hit anybody. Like they both just fucking emptied their clip, and, he, and then he just sped away, and like they just called it even. <laughs> it was even <laughs> live to fight another day right he's got yeah. some body work to do the other guy probably needs to buy some new pants like <laughs> i uh but yeah so i i that concept of like going into the yellow or going into the red like that's i don't know somehow the fight or flight thing sparked that in me yeah that shit sucks i hate i hate having those <coughs> um i um i kind of enjoy working against it you know now you know, I don't want to have repeated gunfights, but like the other stuff, like the motorcycle, the paramotor, and like sometimes I go to a motorcycle turn and I'm like, all right, this is a little faster than your comfort zone, but you know what to do. You know, look where you intend to go, take your turn smoothly, use proper throttle control, and your bike can do a lot more than you think it can. And I love those moments when fear makes time slow down a little bit <laughs> and you get to be that super version of you for, for like a split <laughs> second. Are you, have you had this, like, like where the adrenaline it makes makes your perception of time seem to slow just a little bit? I'm Happened not all the sure. Time goalie, hmm. Where you feel like the puck's coming way slower than it is, and then yeah. you watch like a, a game tape replay, and it's like, that shot only took a tenth of a second to get there, but it feels like you're like, I'm moving all my stuff correctly. It's almost like you're focused on so much stuff 
then mm. it slows it down, like the focus. Yeah, the, yeah the, your your, per, your perception of time completely yeah. changes. Like, like like in that moment with all that adrenaline, your your brain is focused in on that one thing, and and everything slows down just a little bit, so you can be a little bit better version of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if what you're in the DMV and they shoot a puck at you, you're just gonna get hit because you're not you're not ready. Your adrenaline is very low at yeah. the DMV. I, I wonder I, like 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 what kind of performance enhancer adrenaline is because you know it's always used to cure, you know fix a bee sting, allergic reactions, and stuff like that. You know, but 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 is there anyone like like who's ever used it as as a as a, a performance enhancing drug of some kind? Right, like, like, like they is just that not a between rounds two and three in the octagon, they just like pop it in your leg and oh. see what you got. Or if he it, has like really, a really short term though, isn't it? Like okay, okay. With the let's do this. You'd have to knock him out in like ten seconds. Or, or I don't even know how long it would last. But I have no idea. Let's say it's ten twenty seconds, right? There are races that go that long. Twenty seconds is a fifty meter free in, in swimming, and it's two hundred meters in uh, in track and field. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe adrenaline makes, makes, your, you makes your like makes shaky. Your... Mm. Oh. I lost. You got robot there for a sec. Oh, I, I, I was saying, seems I wonder fine. if it makes you like, like shaky or if it makes you not as coordinated or something where like you have more raw power diverted to the limbs, but they're not quite as coordinated. Maybe I don't your muscles know. Muscles burn out faster or, or something like that. Who knows? I, I, I bought those canisters of air the other of oxygen the other day to sort to of test their performance enhancing abilities. I've been uh, I've been testing to see if I can hold my breath longer with them and uh, doing like 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 not like powerlifting. Yes, I, I think I can, but it could be a placebo. <laughs> well, just like, like ninety-five percent can of oxygen, right? So, like, 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 I'll just I'll take like a bunch of deep breaths from it and then hold the last one, and it feels. I could be wrong; it could be a placebo, but it feels like, oh, this my when usually when I hold my breath and I start like running out of breath, it it, it starts as like a it feels hot right here in the You're center burning. of your chest, yeah. and that burning kind of flows outward from the center. And that burning starts off at more cool, it feels like, to me, in maybe my placebo mind, or maybe because oxygen how, really does. How, uh, how long can you hold your breath just standard-ish? Like a, I didn't, I haven't done we it recently. We did this a yeah, long Yeah, there was time a whole ago. controversy, because, because you didn't like the way I held my nose or something like that. He was like, all right, like I'm holding my breath. <laughs> Well, I, 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 it's just like, do I have to do this the whole time? Yes. Like, like, like do I have to like? You need to do it underwater. Well, just any solution that underwater. shows that your mouth. Underwater. If it's not underwater, it's bullshit. When I get underwater, though, my my heart rate goes up. I, 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 mean, I to me, that's the only way to do a breath check thing. Because even you could just hold it, and I feel like there's a natural flow, whatever the current in the room is, that's giving you something that water doesn't. Like by osmosis. Like you're just, getting, just like there's some flow. Maybe you're taking micro breaths. I don't know. It might um, be a, Kyle, I want to say this. I, I, I don't think we mentioned that we're doing a Patreon hangout. Did we? Did we? We were supposed to say no, that. We we didn't mention that because um, um, uh, we weren't going to oh, say we the are specifics. Doing a hangout, but the thing is that here's the thing: there is a Patreon hangout coming very soon. So check your messages. Check your Patreon yeah. email and your email so that you know when it's happening. We don't want to tell exactly when it's happening because then people who aren't patrons <laughs> might have to somehow find their way in. But if you are a patron uh, and it's time for the monthly hangout, um, it is. Uh, so just be aware. Check your email and your Patreon messages because sometimes the Patreon system fucks up and it's not necessarily on us because we have no way of knowing that it messes up until all of a sudden only one of you shows up for a hangout. Yeah, yeah. So they, they were, there were people who thought that we weren't doing them 
when I guess Patreon is supposed to send you a message on the Patreon system as well as copy it to your email. And some people didn't get the email, but if they checked their Patreon message, they would have seen it there. And anyway, so we're telling you now, check your Patreon messages because there is a hangout coming up very soon. Mm. And I think we should keep doing this so that people um, don't. Yeah, so that everybody knows. Yes, yeah, so that people up. know so to check their messages. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and if anybody else is interested in you know coming and hanging out with us for a, for an hour or so a month, it, it usually goes much longer than an hour because I honestly yeah, I'm usually, usually we fun talking. Kind of double it, you know. I, I, it's supposed to be an hour. We call it an hour. It, it, you know, I can imagine a scenario where I get limited to an hour, but it hasn't been an hour in like a year, an hour and a half. Yeah, um, I have a good time though. I like meeting you guys, and I'm always, all, I'm almost always, and very impressed by you guys by but like when you guys come in and we start talking to you it's so rare that some guy is like even boring oftentimes you're all you're almost all interesting and you're almost all winners that's what i've noticed Dude. from the people who hang out with us in patreon and taylor <laughs> you're laughing taylor i'm telling you you're it's sure true. one of these no, I'm, it's, you'll it's, see i believe you these guys are fucking they come in and they're like well i'm taking a little time off of college right now and, and at first you're like to do what? And he's like, well, I started a software company. I'm just writing so many apps right now. I, I hired five guys. They work for me also, right? They're Korean though. Really cheap. And he, he's like, he's like all, already like started an empire that he's running. Yeah. He's like, but I'm going back for my degree though, because I need that from because I'm I'm doing this internship in Switzerland this year, and it's always something like that. They're always making tons of cash. They all oftentimes these 19 year olds have like three employees or something like mm -hmm. that, and it's always like stuff that like when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah. No matter what happens, like there's probably you're probably not gonna get automated out of this career or something like that. They oftentimes have these cool backup things a like guy, Blaze. I want to say that a guy wrote me like three days ago. He's like, Woody, I've started a um, you know an enterprise here. I have passive income of, and then he mentions how many thousands per week it is. And uh, I'm like running through the math to figure out his annual salary because that's the number that I relate to best. And it's like, oh, this is this is a great annual salary. This is a top five percent, three percent annual salary. And this kid's age is under 25. And uh, it's like I just wanted to you know talk to you about my options and you know just wanted some like just wanted to get some time with me, uh, you know about how to handle this success that he's having. And it's just like yeah. And there's a lot of guys in the hangout who are like that and I, it's because it's 50 bucks a month you know to do the hangout level thing and it just it's like the disney cruise i went on where like i'm like dad i went on this disney cruise where people sailed across the atlantic ocean from like spain to africa to florida and there's a certain kind of person that has that kind of freedom and money to do it and i'm just like how are you like you people are all magicians every one of you like it you just like take ocean cruises around the world that's what the, the hangout has like a similar kind of weeding out it's interesting yeah, very cool people um so so yeah uh hangouts coming uh so yeah if you're a patreon get on board for that yeah anyway yeah so i didn't want people i didn't want people to miss it again and, and get the impression that we didn't do it so uh Let's see. What can we talk about now? We've got uh, the Nike hijab. Do you want to talk about that? Nike has made a hijab, and uh, you know, it's. I, I saw a picture today. It's a, It's got a woman wearing the hijab, and uh, it's got the little Nike swoosh on it, and it says Nike. Just do it. And then at the bottom, it's it's uh, it's it's like a um, an asterisk, and it says, "If your husband gives you permission." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an if actual Nike product. No, 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 no. That's the asterisk was added by like. Uh. Red. But the woman wearing the hijab and the just do it, that's like Nike's fucking, uh, that's Nike's shit. And what do you think about this? 
I don't like it. I feel like the hijab is some sort of a uh, a backward sort of like shackle an that that is placed upon of women. And absolutely, call it? absolutely, it would be no different than like I don't know. Like, like I guess I can't I can't say that. Um, you know, it'd be no different than than any of the other things that that might be used to. I don't I even understand that. what you're comparing it yeah, to. Yeah, I'm not. Go I'm, I'm it's lost. good that you don't. I don't want to go there. Um, I don't like it though. I don't like it because I, I think know. the job is wrong. I just don't and like I it because it seems like the only time, like uh, the argument you always hear from people, is like, oh, they they like it. They don't mind. Like it's part of their culture and they enjoy it. And it's like, yeah, it would be part of their culture. And then they'll compare it to be like, you know, women in the United States are, you know, objectified even worse. People in the Muslim women in those countries think that women here have it bad because they're paraded around with no clothes, walking around like sluts or whores or whatever word they'd use. And it's like, well, that's not a fair comparison because women in the U.S. can be like, I'm going to wear a pantsuit today. I'm going to wear a bikini to the beach. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They can do whatever they want. There's a distinct difference from that. And it would be akin to in the United States being like people going around being like, oh, uh, your skirt is too long. We're going to cut that off of you. We're going to make it so you're more revealing. Like, it's just like most of the people who are wearing these aren't doing it of their own volition. They're doing it because social ramifications would be enormous, and it, it's just something they're not allowed to do. They are oppressed. Like, it's not something that you should be encouraging, I don't think, trying to make it, like, fashionable, where some woman wearing a hijab now, you, it, it's got a Nike brand on it. You, what do we now think? Oh, she's fashionable. She's got a taste for fashion. Like, no, like, she probably still wouldn't wear that if, unless she had a husband or some man or social structure in her life that was forcing her to. So it's just gotten a bad taste in my mouth. I'm kind of with I So... There's a part of me that gets where people are coming from <clears throat> when they defend like the you know Islam or whatever. They, they it's like, look, I, I'm just trying not to put rules on you. If that's what you want to be, then you be that. But at some point, it's like, no, 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 no. You can't just be that and accept it as okay, right? And I, I use this example all the time. In South Africa, when there was apartheid, no one said, yeah, you just be you. You know, I'm not judging, etc." Not for one second would they put up with black people and white people not being treated equally. But you go to the Middle East and men and women are not treated equally. And it's like, well, it's cultural, you know? That's the way they like it. I don't want, who am I to meddle in what you should be doing? Like, look, women can't fucking drive cars. You know, yeah. like that is, and, and they, uh, you know what, Woody? They don't even want to drive cars. Like, right. as a matter of fact, they, they, they really like being chauffeured around. It's way easier. It's, they can't see, go you to can the mall without anything. a brother or a husband you, escorting them. But I'm sure they don't well, want Woody, any kind of. They don't of mind that because why? Obviously, they want to spend time with their family, and it's just a good family. See, you can defend it in any like rigmarole way, but at the end of the day, it's like okay. So, if your reason for saying this is a good thing is that <clears throat> some women enjoy it, like, and that's even already specious. Like, who knows how many, hmm. what the percentage of women who are Muslim out there who wear it because they enjoy it versus yeah, wearing it because they probably know a similar, that like, they, like, who knows what percentage of those North Koreans we see, like, screaming and crying in the streets actually believe in the great leader, right? Like, like it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's like glorifying the shackles of a slave. It, it, it's, it's a bit hmm. analogous to that, right? There you it's, go. It's this object of restraint. Um, there were I, probably I, I, a very small percentage of slaves who liked their situation, who said, you know what? Life is so simple for me here. I just work on the field. I never have to worry about food, clothing, etc. Right? And and then assigning that probably not. Yeah. You know, 0.5% and say, you know what? Some people like it, you know, the other these other ones, I'm sure they're fine too. Maybe still know how good they have it. Yeah, or, That's or whatever. the argument that they used against uh, making slavery illegal. 
is that people who were proponents of slavery would say, it's actually better for them. They like it. They wouldn't be able to handle themselves. It's best that we just keep control because we all know that they couldn't possibly be members of society alongside us normal folk. Like that was an argument they fucking used mm -hmm. against slavery. And it's like, and you look at that now and everybody sees immediately, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Of course it's crazy, bullshit. But, or you could this say, is, look, when slavery ended, there were a couple who sort of stayed on that plantation said, I don't really know what to do next. Suddenly I'm homeless and hungry. And uh, can we just keep this deal going until I get on my feet? You know, th like they didn't all just immediately run away and start businesses, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that, like, I don't know. It, the whole thing is it's people are trying i think just like everything people try and make it more dicey than it is because people desperately try and defend uh the hijab in a lot of reddit forums and whatever where like if you see stuff like a like a thread on reddit about it it'll be people like totally being like well a lot of people you know they they're fine with it they they actually enjoy it they customize it and bedazzle it and it's really <laughs> a part of their personality i mean women wanting to do their hair and show that off what culture does that exist in aside all the others like <laughs> like uh, that's crazy why would they want that like it's yeah i don't know it's just I, I heard a muslim it's, it's woman a bad taste in your mouth because you know that most people wearing those are forced to wear those but the, I, someone said hey i like this my idea of femininity Femininity, I'm struggling. Femininity. Femininity is not wearing a bikini. You know, my idea of femininity, femininity, femininity is something different. Uh, I'm struggling, and uh, <laughs> and it was like, all right, I get that. I get that. Maybe you do. Like, I can see how somebody wouldn't want to wear a bikini. I would feel very exposed in a bikini. Don't know why I'm okay in a swimsuit, but whatever. Um, I, I hear where you're coming you from. But you don't wear a European style swimsuit, do you? No, no. Exactly. I did when I competed, but. Uh, if uh, if Southern well, you know, Baptists, if Southern like, Baptists, now? right, right, if it was like a you new know, thing. What are you comfortable for, with now? Like if it, it was a new thing coming out that you know the what the Southern Baptist Church, you know, was going to be like, you know, we need to get back to our roots. Women will all wear bonnets. Exposed hair is not allowed. That is tempting, and it is. We need to keep our our ourselves pure of those thoughts. So you know, do your part to make sure that the men aren't so tempted by your uncovered head that they molest you. Or something. Everybody right. would immediately go, yeah, no, nah, no, fuck you. Not gonna happen. Well, hang you can't on do now. That. Like, like you do see that with like Mennonites, right? Like they wear those little, uh, little uh, hair covering things. Like they're, they, they, they wear. They're, they're sort of dressed little house on prairie style and, and the Amish. Old, yeah. Their, Why do they get a pass? Why do they get they a pass? The Amish if you take have your... integrated themselves into the modern world better than any fucking closed sect, cult, whatever you want to call them on the planet. Like they are the antithesis of the fucking Taliban and the Muslim. Uh, evil, the ISIS out there, like like like, like groups like that. The Amish are over there just doing their own thing, right? Farming, living in the old way, like not giving anybody any shit. Like they see pornography and and lust and rape and murder and violence and evil everywhere they turn their their eye. But they don't think that the answer to that is cutting heads off. They think the answer to that is staying true to what they believe and and just living that life, right? Yeah, I would assume you're not savagely beaten or punished when you dare to remove that bonnet. I'm just saying that. Well, I. No, we all know, but like, also, even though, like, you know, look, you can leave the Amish religion, right? You can get shunned and stuff. Like, I get that there's issues with it. I was about to go with shunnings, and they have <clears> but, this whole. Yeah. Have you but, seen that do that documentary about like how young Amish have that 
period where they yeah. choose whether they want to go into the the modern world. I the one I saw it. was a little faked, I think, but um, there might have been a real one too. I, the one where he like ends up like 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 this kid had went away from the Amish place to live like I don't know where, with some other hooligans who had also left, and he's like playing play, PlayStation Two, and he owns like drug dealers' money for pot or something, so he has to flee back to the Amish like place, and he's in. Like a barn, I think. It was either a barn or his bedroom, but I want to see a barn with a 12-volt battery hooked up powering a PlayStation. He's out there sneaking some PS2 with a fucking 12-volt. And he's it's like, not yeah, the one I, to come back. <laughs> the one I saw was like a That's reality funny. show where they had, I think, two boys and two girls. And they would like take them to Vegas and show them the lights. And they'd be like totally shocked and amazed at it. Then they'd take them somewhere else and like take them to a wine tasting. I don't know. I'm making it up at this point. You've heard of Amish mob. And it, it turns out that these people had, like most of them had, they weren't in that year. They decided to leave. So they were Amish people, but like, oh, this is an Amish person that's lived in Vegas for four years, pretending to be blown away by the lights. Mm. And that, that was the fakery. All yeah. those Amish people. Oh, what did I, what did I, oh, have you ever seen Amish Mafia, which is a, an extremely fake show? Well, I watched half an episode of that and it made my teeth. <coughs> uh, I couldn't watch it. When, when I yeah, was I in LA, one of, the, one of the ladies who's working on that movie, also worked uh, extensively on Amish Mafia, like she was a higher up, like she made decisions. Yeah, and she made was a dom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. She was I explaining know, to me how yeah. fake it is and, and, and all the horse shit that was in it. Yeah, we did, Woody. And, and, and just talking about how, how like, horse shit it was, basically, and how they made it all up and, you know, just, just trash TV. So here's a question for me. Woody, how come you started doing YouTube when you already had a family and a full-time job? When you talk about the early days, it seems like you had two full-time jobs. What was your reasoning at the time? Um, I think he's on the right track. I didn't actually have two full-time jobs unless you count one of them as YouTube, at which point, yeah, I, that's how hard I work. Like, I had two full-time jobs. I don't know. I think um, I had a lot of success early on. And it was funny. It was that starter success. Like, oh, my God. Like, I made a post on Reddit saying they were talking about weapon balance or something in COD 4. And uh, I was like, hey, I made this video. And I instantly got like, I went from like four subs to 42 subs. Like I got 38 subs in a pop. And that felt like such a huge win. Like people loved it. And, uh, you know, then I, I think I did, did, made a couple more videos, did a thing with wings. And I was just succeeding at it. And that kind of bred a passion for it. And, uh, you know, I eventually, I initially started the video, I've said this a hundred times, to play with Hutch. I just wanted them to know me so I could play video games with him. And, uh, but the reason I kept at it was because I guess it was intoxicating to be successful at it. And, um, uh, yeah, I remember I got a machinima contract and they were like monetizing my personal channel. And after the first week, I like sort of ran the math on like how much money I was going to make over the course of a year. And it was five grand. And I was like, yeah, well, I remember this. I remember us doing this all together. And Wings, by far, had the superior numbers. Yeah. And it was very frustrating. I think probably <laughs> to you as well. It was like, motherfuckers making nine grand a month? Like, why am I not making that? Yeah, <laughs> why am I not yeah, making that? Yeah, and like, I realized, like, because like, well, Wings was, when Wings at the time was much bigger than me. He was making more videos and he was getting more views per video. But five grand a year, like, I was like, I thought I was something. And five grand a year. You know, I, I, I was a senior software architect at Cisco. Like, I wasn't, I was making money. And uh, five grand a year was not changing anything about my life. And yeah. I was like, you know, so what I need to do is make daily videos. And uh, daily videos for, 
I mean, that was just the ticket. Like one, of course, you know, I went from a video a week to a video every day. That's like seven times as many views. And then two, I think it just became easier for people to get into what I was selling because every day they could get a fix. Whereas like, say what I've done with my vlogs this year, when one pops along every three weeks, it's not like people are like, oh, you know, I can't wait for when I get home today. My routine includes a Woody vlog like that. You know, you got to have a little more consistency. So, uh, uh, yeah, the daily vids worked out for both of us. And I just kept doing it because I was so in love with success. And, um, you know, it, it's easy to be motivated when things are rocking like that. Yeah, when you're getting a lot of responses and activity, it's like you want to keep going. And it was so positive, too. Like, I'm a, I would say that my YouTube comments are pretty positive right now. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always gathered, it seems like, more than my share of people who want to fuss. I remember... <laughs> it was, there's one of these questions is about Kyle reading the ads or something. And, and the reason Kyle, I used to read them at first if people don't remember. And, uh, I asked Kyle for help because I used to make the PKA background, the red thing that you guys are looking at now with the ads on the side. And it took me a little while. It was just like a big kind of rush, like to create the, the little, you know, square, the rectangle 16 by nine thing and line them up. And people would give me, there'd be like 40 comment, threads on reddit and stuff talking about it being a pixel off you know they'd take the show and they would put like guidelines on it and say that like this ad was literally one or two pixels bigger or shifted compared to the other ads and i'm like my goodness gracious like it, the smallest imperfections and uh, just took it over he does a better job than i ever did uh so my pre-show responsibilities are a little lighter now than they used to but kyle just kept on reading the ads um but anyway, uh, the comments on my videos were really positive and the growth and like everything was just going so well, it makes you want to do it again the next day. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, uh, I think I answered the question. Yeah. Why, oh yeah, why did I do it? Yeah, that's why. And then at some point, I, I, I guess I asked my wife, I was like, you know, I make more on YouTube than I do at work. Like, do we just not work? And, uh, <sighs> Someone once said, like, you are as lazy as your wife allows you to be. <laughs> and um, uh, she was like, well, how about this? How about you make two videos a day and then, like, we wouldn't even miss the income from work. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. And I did for a while. I made two videos a day. No one really does that. Like, I don't know anyone making two videos a day, gaming or any other um, like genre of YouTuber. If they are, they're not working as hard on it as you did. <coughs> they're like, they're like, hey, here's to me at the mall. See yeah. you later. Right. Sponsored by Sketchers. Yeah. <laughs> it's eighty five grand for that. Can you believe it? Oh, <laughs> I watched a video the other day. It was a cooking video, and I'm like, I was learning how to cook, um, uh, like this braised. I, I made this beef stew thing where you like braise this huge chunk of beef and then you, you you like put it in a slow cooker all day with potatoes and carrots and shit. And I got to the end of the video and she goes, keep in mind to use like whatever kind of like detergent in your dishwasher. Use these because it gets all the stains off and nothing will stick on. And I'm like, whoa. And I looked at that and it was like 1.8 million views. And I, I was like, she got fucking paid. <laughs> like, like, like she just made some serious money over mm. there. I was, I was yeah. immediately happy for. Her. I was, you know, I'm not gonna buy your fucking detergent, but like, I'm, I'm glad you got yours over there. You taught me to make my beef stew and, uh, or my. Uh, yeah, I never that. lined up with the money hating thing. Like, I, you know, when I see people, 
like I watch the moto vloggers a lot and the moto vlogging community is very out there about like like hey get your you know woody's gamer tag brake fluid cozy and and it, it looks like a beer cozy but it goes around this little brake fluid reservoir and uh you know get your t-shirts get your keychains get your whatever and they just pop it right in the middle of the video like like randomly almost and uh you know it's just their money streams are really out there really obvious they never disclose that they have relationships with like the parts they're installing and uh i still don't have any hate for it and other people don't hate it but back in the gaming like when i was in there my god like keemstar made probably six or ten videos about how i just did it for the money and he would like like try to whip up various facts and stuff and um uh that he was, was making was, those videos for free, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so he might have been. He was always like monetized, not monetizing. He was struggling to. Well, he had a goal in mind. Yeah, well, that's true too. But um, yeah, it was just poison to have a profit motive. And you know, one of those things. Like, if I say, "Hey, Kyle, why'd you get a Camaro?" and you say, "Oh, well, you know, I always dreamed of having a Camaro. I really like fast cars. I." Uh, I don't know, like it, it fits in my garage just perfectly and chicks dig it. And then someone like just picks the reason, Oh, you got it. Cause chicks dig it. And you're like, no, no, all those things were true. Yeah. That's what my motivation was like. It was like, yeah, you know, I, I really like it. I get to meet people. I still really enjoy like the access. Like it, I feel like I could pop on a podcast. Like I popped in that motors vlog one a while back. And, um, if I pop in a Twitch stream or something, you know, people want to talk to me. Like that stuff is really intoxicating. It, it, I think I'm using that word right. It's, it's, it makes you want to do it. Um, and then, and then it made money too. And uh, and then I, I felt like subs would just be like, "Aha! See, it is the money one. That's the truth behind it." And uh, if you're like, "No, no, 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 the money is great." Like I don't, I don't mean to act like I, you know. Chuck's even now, like if you got extra send it my way, I'm I'm cool. It's never too much. Um, Human fun. Yeah, right. Money, right? Right? Yeah. But um uh I you know, at the time they would just be like, aha, see, it really is because of this. And they'd pick my actual motivation when in reality there were half a dozen motivations. It it felt good to be uh just to be thriving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll call it a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed the show. I thought I thought that was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed our guest. Um, yeah. Um, probably yeah. The FBI show happens. It sounded good. Yeah, me too. I, there's probably some links or something down in the description for where and that guy. I want him to have stuff. what he's going for. Remember, he said, you know, Rogan, he can just like say here, then there's like a swarm of fans everywhere in the world. I hope that John gets that too. That, that he, yeah, you know, he, yeah. So, like so really uh, stuff in the description. Very funny too. Check out what he's doing and um, uh, sponsors below down there. Those important, of course. Patreon, all the PK merchandise. Um, so many important links. So many. <laughs> like, you know, These are life or death links. Smorgasbord <laughs> of delicious links down there. Um, and thank you for listening. Clicking I always, on the I links think, makes your penis longer. I enjoy. I enjoy talking to you guys. Let me ask you, when you guys do the show, do you ever consider the masses who are, who are listening to it? Do you ever picture them, perhaps? Or do you, or you just try, try to keep it, try to imagine a conversation between the three of ourselves, and, but, but try to make it a little more entertaining? Like, how do you approach the show quickly as we close here? I'm, I'm just curious. I, so Joe just Rogan has this concept talking. of economy of words. And uh, if someone takes you know 500 words with, to, to say what someone else could say in 50 then they haven't done a good job, 
right? Yeah. Brevity is the soul of wit. Thank you. So, uh, see, I think you just did it to me. <laughs> and uh, so when I tell stories, I think to myself, Woody, are you doing this in a straight line? Are you telling this right? Are you going? And I, I just want to make sure that I'm not dancing around too much and not crushing it. I feel like I'm yeah. not crushing it right now. And that doesn't help. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's, hey, episode. that's the kind of stuff that runs in my head. Yeah, uh, episodes. In the- yes, 325. 325.